Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. So, it comes to this. We're at a special edition here for the TetraCast. We are here to debate our game of the year. Uh, things are going to be run a little bit differently. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but we've got a lot of people. So, before we get into that, I just want to say uh, that it has been an amazing year for us uh, as a site. We have grown exponentially from where we were only about a year ago, and it's all thanks to our staff, many of whom are here with us today, and of course, our readers. Thank you so much uh, for reading our reviews, our previews, our editorials, our guides, everything else. Uh, you can't imagine how happy it makes us. Um, last year, we actually celebrated our 10th anniversary, so it's crazy to think just how far we've come. Uh, once again, thank you all. So with that, I'd like to introduce, introduce all of our special guests who will be with us to decide our Game of the Year nominees. So first, we've got Alex Donaldson. Hello. Hello. Big boss man himself. Adam Vitali. Hey. Brian Vitali. Hello. Chawu. Hey. Elizabeth Hinges. Hello. James Glizio. Hello. Josh Torres. Hey, what's up, all? Kazuma Hashimoto. Hi. Kyle Campbell. Hey there. Natalie Flores. Hello. And we've got the debut of Kite Steinbuck. Yeah, hello everyone from Southeast Asia. <laughs> hello there. Uh, then of course, uh, we also got our, our first timer, not since uh, E3 2016, we've got Alex Seathouse. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm a, I don't know, a Hall of Famer, you know? Yes, yes. You're, we already show you up and right. we need you the most. Uh, yeah, so uh, I just want to... Once again, like thanks, uh, thanks to uh, Kite for participating in this first podcast uh, for the site, and of course CD, uh, you've helped us a lot. Uh, even in the background, you helped, of course, with the Middle Earth Shadow of War review, but you've helped us in other places as well. So it's great to have you on as well to debate these things. Yeah, and thank of course you. he he runs, you know, CD runs the best Nintendo site. Ha. Well, you know, <laughs> why did you laugh? <laughs> it's your site. He runs okay. a Nintendo site. There you go. It's actually called that on uh, Nintendo site. Uh, funny enough, actually, now we got RPG set at uh, Nintendo site. So, yeah, like I said, um, we're going to be running things a little bit differently. In years past, we've gone through categories, uh, tangential writing, um, soundtrack, everything like that, until we got to the game of the year. This year, uh, we're doing things a little bit more simpler, but it's sure to have a lot more discussion, a lot more uh, debating, a lot more arguing. So I'll let Alex... Oh, Ooh. CD. Ooh. Ooh. What you with your that was his revenge for <laughs> mocking his website. But yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, as we, as Zach said, um, so I'll keep this brief. Yeah, as as Zach mentioned, we used to do loads of different titled categories of various awards. Uh, we decided that took ages, um, and we figured we'd try something different. And if this works out it works out and if it doesn't we'll do something different again next year but the idea is basically we're going to get down to a list of our top five rpgs of this year when i say rpgs i want to be clear from the word go and say so that does include some games that you would consider uh, that would have fell into our tangential category before games that perhaps aren't the most hardcore or strict of rpgs so you will for instance hear us talk about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild or perhaps about uh, Life is Strange, things like that. Um, but the point is we will get that list down to our final five games. Those five games will all essentially be uh, getting a Game of the Year award from us. But then from that five, 
we will pick one that he that we consider to be our number one pick, our actual uh, best RPG of 2017. So yeah, it's it's pretty simple. What we've got in front of us now, and the everyone in this chat has this, um, but obviously you guys at home won't be able to to see this. We've got a list of games in a Google document, and that is based on we held nominations internally within the staff, including all the people here, but also some people who couldn't make it, like Andrea and Aaron and people like that, where everyone put in uh, what their picks were for Game of the Year, for, for RPG of the Year. So we've got that in front of us. We know how many votes each game got, and we you know, have a lot of games that only got one vote and all that sort of stuff. We also had, we asked you guys, the readers, to vote on your picks for Game of the Year, and we've also got noted down the top 10 games that you that you guys picked for the best RPG of the year. Now, we don't know the order. Well, I know the order, but nobody else knows the order. So nobody else knows what you guys have voted number one in case that, you know, tips the scales a little yes. bit too much. But we do know, everyone does know what the top 10 are. But it's not about votes. It's about arguments and stuff like that. So basically, what we're going to do is we're taking this long list now um, and we're going to narrow that down to 10 games. And then we're going to take that 10 and narrow it down to five and then take that five and pick our one winner. So I don't know if you, Zach, want to read out the this the long list. Yes, I'll go ahead and read that out. <clears throat> Once again, as we said before, uh, even if this is called Best RPG of the Year, we are including tangential titles because we as a site have you know decided to expand our coverage. And with that, we want to make sure these games get recognized. So, first off, we've got .hack, GU, Last Week Code, Destiny 2, Digimon Story, Cyber Sleuth, Hacker's Memory, that came out this year, Divinity, Original Sin 2, Doki Doki Literature Club, Final Fantasy 12, The Zodiac Age, Final Fantasy 14, Stormblood, The Expansion, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valencia, Fire Emblem Warriors, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky the Third. Life is Strange Before the Storm, Mass Effect Andromeda, Middle Earth Shadow of War, Near Automata, Night in the Woods, Neo, Persona 5, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon, Pyre, South Park The Fractured Butthole, Super Robot Wars V, Tales of Berseria, Terror Battle 2, The Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim, Special Edition for the Switch. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Utwa Romano Mask of Truth. BA11 Hall A. What Remains of Edith Finch. Xenoblade Chronicles 2. The Yakuza 0. And Yomarari Midnight Shadows. So, with there's, that... There's, there's three oh, more. There's three three more. more. Oh, you sorry. missed a few. Oh, sorry. I went at the bottom here. Oh, sorry. East Ain't uh, Lacrimosa of Dana. Zero Escape the Nonary Games and Chaos Child. Excuse me. So, before we begin, um, uh, one thing that's worth saying is that anything that's made it onto this list for one reason or another is, uh, is, is well worth a nod, well worth your time to play, because yes. to make it onto this list, I think, is, is, is a pretty uh, decent thing in itself. Um, there are some, you know, um, I think there are some token nods on there too. It's like, yes. let's be honest, Mass Effect is 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 not going to go the distance. Um, but you know, that is our way of noting it's a decent game. But well, before we go any further, it's gotten better. 
just to be clear, I don't know if we mentioned this, sorry. These games were all basically nominated at least once by one of the members of our staff. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. So. yeah, we yeah, we mentioned and 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 this is this is what I was about to say. Before we go any further, is there anything that anybody wants to add to this list? It's a good point because Yakuza Kwame is not on here. Is there enough there? I don't know if we were kind of debating whether to include because we've got Zodiac Age for example. Mm. I mean, um, I'm probably going to, like, fight for the Yakuza games, but I actually wouldn't fight for Kiwami on this one. And I wouldn't fight for Kiwami 2 either, because that's not on the uh, West. No, so. yeah, this, yeah, just to be clear, this is all Western release games. Even if then I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know why the Digimon Story Hacker's Memory is on here then, too, because that's not a release this year in the West. It's, I think that's a January release. Yeah, yeah I, I put that in. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, we can... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, maybe go I'll ahead. make a mention later. Well, yeah, we can come to we can come to taking things off. But yes. is there anything anybody wants to add? That's the point. Not really um, on my end. The only thing I wanted to add was Chaos Child because I wasn't sure if we were going to be, if it would fit in on the list until I saw Valhalla, and then I was like, okay. Yeah, you're good. That's okay. Yeah, yeah I think I think I think we're, we're pretty much finalized then. Unless you want to add Dynasty Warriors Unleashed on here, Zach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dynasty... one forgotten game. My freaking god, Dynasty Warriors Unleashed. I still, I, I, so I broke my phone earlier this year. I was talking about this earlier. Uh, I turned it on. I had about like 50 notifications from Dynasty Warriors Unleashed because all it says is like we got something exciting. You can't, you can't wait. To, we can't wait for you to find it. And it's just you know their daily, uh, 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 you know presence for people who log in that's all it is it's, it's the most game. over don't the top it. <laughs> it's a bad game don't play it yeah. uh that's why it's not on here. Uh, okay i noticed so i noticed uh charles added uh tokyo xanadu and uh disgaea 5 on the switch okay both good additions um so what i would suggest our process is now to get to this final 10 yes. i suggest we start to move games from the long list into that final 10 sounds good so okay. i would so Let's start with something obvious. We're moving Persona 5 from that long list of the final 10, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is everyone in like... agreement with that? Yeah. 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 Let's, let's get <laughs> the be... obvious things out of the way. Just to be clear, there is a possibility that we could put something in the top 10 and then later decide it's not yes. there. Same with the yes, 5. Yes, absolutely. It's right. Nothing's locked down until until this, this, this debate is over. We've had plenty of examples of games where we thought were in the top 5 or top 10 and just completely moved away. So just be aware that, that's, that they're all at risk. But let's uh, continue down said, this. I'm pretty sure Nier Automata is safe. Well, yeah. so let, let's continue down this obvious path. So Nier Automata into mm. the final 10. Sure. Yes. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've got qualms, but we'll talk about that. We're going to continue down this obvious path. Zelda, final yes. ten. Yes. 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 yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Right. Um, Girls in the sky. Yeah, that's the thing with the next most votes here. Well, I'd yeah. put it there. <laughs> yeah, I, I would put it there, but I don't know how everyone else feels. I feel about it. Yeah, why you, you not? Feel. He feels about it. That's hmm. what this argument's for. I, I think this is where it starts getting murky. Yeah, like, I think we're good. It, 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 yeah, I sorry. think those three, Persona, Nier, and Zelda, are the only ones that are obvious, obvious. Yeah. Let's, the rest will be obvious to most okay, of us. That, okay, let's stop there. Let's stop there because from this point on, we've got games that are very close in terms of if we're looking at the way that we've got these markings on our list. It's that it's a difference between like four votes can't be as obvious as like three votes, for example. So it's... 
uh, it's something that I think from here on, those three, I think, are pretty good luck. I think everyone here has at least played one of these three. So uh, uh, I think from now on, it's more, uh, this is where we can start debating it. And so from yeah. here, I think what we can do is start to, because um, it's going to be tough when we nominate, when we talk about the games that we really like. I think it's best if we look at games that we don't feel belong in the top 10 at all. So, like if... yes. So here's what I would do uh so um good idea short list so if i just uh, paste that there so then basically um and we're only doing this we've got a record of everything that was nominated that's why we're keeping all these sections on this document Mm -hmm. so um i think i don't know how this feels about this because i know she reviewed these games but i think um, Pokemon Ultra Sun and Moon are good, but they probably don't make the final ten. I, I agree with that. It, it's a good game, but it's not it's not like standout, and it's a lot like Sun and Moon already. So. Wow, Pokemon the first one to go. That's, I don't that's know. If, kind of I don't know if CD has any feelings on that. Like I know he's played it. Um, the... <clears throat> I was another dissenting opinion on it, where I didn't think it was particularly outstanding. Um, more iterative rather than anything revolutionary. I'm kind of curious, like, um, obviously I don't have any feelings on Ultra Sun and Moon, it can go, but what do you think um, would be a good, like, because obviously Pokemon Switch might be next year, probably not, but there's probably a decent possibility they'll show it off next year. Well, what do you feel like, you know, should kind of, if if Pokemon, if the next Pokemon to go to the next top 10 of like next year or 2019, what well, would it so, need? So here's the thing. Like, like I think Sun and Moon would have gone to the top 10 last year anyway, if we'd mm-hmm. done this format last year. And it may have one thing. I can't remember. But um, the, the thing there. is, the thing is, it, Ultra Sun and Moon just doesn't, it, it is very iterative. And um, as of this recording, like a couple of days ago, a report came out um, from Tom at Eurogamer, which was, he was the guy who reported on the Pokemon Stars thing, and it was him following up on that and saying, so what happened? And what it sounds like what happened was that basically Stars was going to be a quick, cheap, and easy port to the Switch. And then when they realized the Switch was doing quite well on its own and didn't need Pokemon support, they decided to not do that because it wouldn't be a big enough leap. And a lot of the content from that got folded into Ultra Sun and Moon. Okay. Um, and that sounds about right. It is, you know, it does some cool uh, stuff and it's a good game, but I just don't think it does enough different. Whereas what I really hope is to see a really truly different experience. And and, and the original Sun and Moon were quite were quite good at that. Were quite different from the from the past games. But just, just to put really... it out, um, Sun and Moon were our small screen follow up last year behind. Yeah. Yes, I thought I thought it did get something. Anyway, that sounds about right. And and yeah, and I think. I think it, Ultra Sun and Moon are great games. I just think if you're thinking about the top ten of the year, they just don't change or do enough. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very highly contentious year because there's so many so many good releases. So <laughs> things that normally hard. would have like things that normally would have gotten more celebrated last year, it's just too many games. Good games okay. this year. Yeah. I've moved that down. So okay. Okay. and it's up against Andromeda. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No chance. No chance. I think. Yeah, well, I think it's a good idea that we keep the games on that bottom list in case we change our mind later. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. well, on, on that topic, you just brought it up. I think it, it's it's honourable that that somebody noted it. Um, it wasn't me, so I don't know if that was Natalie or or, or Andrea or somebody else. But um, Mass Effect Andromeda is is um, it's an underrated game. 
but it's not in the top ten of the year, right? It well. got better, I heard. Uh, but I know, Adam, you and I were kind of talking about wanting to get around to playing it. I don't know if you got a chance to. I haven't yet, but I, yeah. I have noticed, like, a couple, at least a good chunk of updates they've been putting out for it. Like, I guess when I finally get around to it, it might be considerably yeah, better. Here. Yeah, like Mass Effect 3, right? <laughs> yeah. So. And it's just, okay. uh, it's just, you know, there, there are just so many rough things about it at launch that, it's it's a it's a tough thing to even to recommend even after all all these patch updates because I don't think that the to Mass Effect fans that really wanted something like in the spirit of two, like I don't think Andromeda really brought it. No, you can't celebrate something like that, honestly. Sadly, right. Um, somebody else suggests something that doesn't belong. Uh... Destiny two. I had a really? good time with Destiny Going 2, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Destiny 2 is a weird one because I think I, I had a really, really great time with it. Like, my first 50 to 60 hours of it were... That, that was a special, like, two weeks of me, like, really being into that game. Maybe two and a half weeks. But, like, the once, once you finally get to the end game of that, of, like, just, like, you know, doing your daily uh, weeklies, getting, you know, your engrams and whatnot, and trying to raise your light level. I don't know the Curse of Osiris. I, I didn't touch the expansion to it. Like It's really, not very good. Well, yeah, so I, I, I don't know because Destiny Two is a is a really really fine game. Uh, like it, it looks great visually. Uh, I love the PC version; runs well. The, the art design on that is like like really really spectacular, especially uh, some of the plants, like with you know how they uh, mess the environments, uh, leading into you uh, exploring the level. But I just there's not much to it outside of that because like it, the core gameplay loop, it's, it's satisfying but not revolutionary. The changes, like you know, streamlining the loot, it, like if I if I were to go back into Destiny two, I would not actually like seek out new loot. I would just like use that new loot to upgrade, like you know, my my current loadout because <laughs> that's the thing that I like. That's what I was doing at the end of like yeah. my review. Um, the main reason why I said that, and this is a bit, I guess, not so much an objective feeling, more a subjective feeling, but I'm just the way that Bungie has handled it and how many kind of controversies that spawned from this game in the last like month alone, I feel like that has to amount to something, something. I'm not sure if I want us to even give any award to destiny Two when it seems like Bungie has been just having so many issues, making sure that they're not messing up the game. Post-match. Yeah. The, the, because it's, it's, it, they're very like, it, it's highly like, reactive responsive kind of deal these days because oh they like for example in the curse of osiris expansion they locked out like base players from like prestige nightfalls and whatnot and they're like oh okay sorry we're, we're reversing that and it's like it's not it's not a great look as well because you're these things these are the kind of things that you should have considered before you launched it you know it's... especially when you're locking out like people from trophies because they oh they... god they needed yeah. to have like the DLC on that. It was a bit of a, a nightmare. I will say, uh, having not played Destiny One, I was completely lost in the story in Destiny Two. Yeah, as the, well. the same here. Don't worry. Yeah. You, you had to do I have friends research. that played Destiny One, and they said that you really aren't missing anything. No, I mean I heard that it's kind of like uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen that you need the encyclopedia to really understand what's going on. Uh, so I'm not really too. I wasn't too bothered, so I just ignored it and continued enjoying the gameplay. But that's not enough for it to compete with these other games that yeah. do. Both good on both the story and the gameplay. So Your great production values. It's, a, it's a, I had a great time playing it with uh, with friends, but yes. I don't think it it makes the list. No, no. Sadly See, enough. I was going to say I wasn't ready to cut that, but I, like James's argument, I feel I feel fairly convinced by mm-hmm. yeah. that that there's been too much shit surrounding that game, much like Mass Effect, right? 
Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, they did obviously do a great job. It's the people that did the Taken King, so they did a much better job with this. Especially like this should have been Destiny One in in many respects. Like this should have been like right from the beginning. But it, this is more like they're trying to fix what's wrong. It's and like I don't know if that's a good approach. Comparing Destiny Two to base Destiny One, from what I understand, it's a good look. But comparing Destiny Two to Endgame Destiny One, it's a step back. Yeah, I heard that too. Okay. okay. Any objections to that going down? Nope. No. No. Not enough people play Destiny 2 in this group anyway, so... Shot down in flames. Oh. I kind of do want to caution us cutting too many games when we have, like, seven more slots to fill. Well, but we're putting it at the bottom, too, so we can go yeah, back. Yeah, we, can, we can come back to it. I, I want to... Um, I, it's a good game, uh, but I don't think Fire Emblem Warriors belongs on this list. I'm not I agree sure with about that. that. I, I really agree with that. Um, there's a lot, I really enjoy that game, but there's some fundamental flaws with the game. I shouldn't have to buy a DLC to have a Lance person that, that I could walk with, you know, instead of a Pegasus Knight, you know? A lot of things like that, it feels like it, it's not complete, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, the, the character roster is a big problem with the game, with Warriors. Yeah, it does Especially focus on the th on the three games, mostly Fates and Awakening. Uh, so, uh, uh, have they added Ike yet? No, uh, <laughs> no point. Uh, no point in there we go. Ike and they don't even have a balanced class roster. Like, uh, they don't have playable knights at all. No Callum, no Drog, nobody from the knight class. Oh, okay. That's no interesting feeling for me because i like the base gameplay better than hyrule warriors i feel like the mixture of like fire emblem tactics and uh the uh classic dynasty warriors gameplay is a really nice fit but i do have to agree that the current roster as it stands is not very good and especially comparing it to something like hyrule warriors where i feel like it probably has the strongest and most diverse roster in a dynasty warriors game i've played it's just it can't compete Makes sense. I think I get that feeling too. Okay. All right. Being fast in this with these cuts, and I like it. We're gonna have to be because I think the debate from the tenth to the five is gonna is gonna be way. I, I, I think. Oh, I think Zero Escape, the non-area games, goes. Yeah. It's just a compilation of the three yep. Zero Escape games. Yeah. They don't really do anything new in it. That's that kind of seems like it, and I, I think that uh, on that same breath, uh, Skyrim for Switch should also go because it's actually it's as less features. Ooh. Other than Skyrim being on Switch, it's missing like mods, and I think that's like a big part of what Special Edition made it so special. It's same so thing fucking with the Sky Five then, because oh, um, it's literally just the Sky Five with the DLC on Switch. Alex is not ready to let go Skyrim on Switch. Yeah, I want to hear Alex's. Oh, yeah, I, I want to hear it's, this. It's, it's very, very difficult to make an argument about it because you are absolutely correct. Of course, you are. But I just, it's just. Uh, I thought it's Skyrim I was, on the go. I thought I was so done with Skyrim. <laughs> I've put, put like 60 hours into it on the Switch, which is astonishing. Um, but but, but it's more the platform rather than the game itself, though. Well, okay. I think the question is here. Mm -hmm. Do we do we do we make a blanket culling, and does that mean that uh, Final Fantasy XII also goes? Well, it has like the dual job system, right? So it, it did. Yeah, no. Final Fantasy Zodiac Edition is the Japanese edition that was only released in Japan True. with more features. 
So it has more features than I'd say, like Skyrim on the Switch, which is literally just Skyrim on the Switch. I don't mean to like. Uh, it has the Master Sword. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it um, but it it doesn't really add anything. It's literally just a re-release of a game that came out like I don't know, like plus five years ago, on a handheld console. So like, okay, I, yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't see much argument for it. Other than that, it's more accessible uh, on a mobile device. Same with Disgaea 5. Um, and I don't think Zodiac Age fits into that category for that reason. Though I would also suggest culling Zodiac Age because there are other games and newer games that have come out with better mechanics in comparison to Zodiac Age, despite Zodiac Age being very good, um, that probably deserve to be on the top 10 more than a re-release. That's uh, also that... why I wouldn't stand for Kiwami. So. <laughs> I think I think Cosmo's right about yeah. that, yeah. Okay, right. so so hang on. Well, first, Disgaea and Skyrim, yeah? We'll get rid of those. Yeah, yeah. Disgaea 5 Switch, uh, just for people who don't know, it's that, yes, it's just Disgaea 5 with all the DLC that came out on the PS4 for uh, Switch. It's a great... Uh, Disgaea 5, easily the best entry in the series, but I think that it'd be kind of wrong to recognize it compared to the rest. I'm going gonna... to... I want to suggest now... <clears throat> um, that Divinity Original Sin goes into the final ten. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Absolutely, yes. yeah. That game is bomb. Yeah, I played it only yeah. yesterday and today, and I love it already. <laughs> so. Right. So... You got some recency bias in here. Oh, a little bit, yeah. But that's the same with the Automata for me. It's recency, but yeah. So and I, I want to round it out with a fifth. So mm. I, I think we should hear uh, from Kazuma about about why Yakuza should be in the 10 okay this is gonna be um pretty lengthy and honestly a bit personal but i think yakuza 0 is a great place for people to not only begin with the series but to actually have um a more realistic idea of what japanese culture is like it's a great piece of media as a gateway to introduce you to things like uh, the pink life or the uh gokudo or yakuza and has a really compelling story and definitely has some of the best writing, directing, and voice acting. I've, I've probably seen it again within the past three years. Like, um, Kyle, you know the scene in the forest, right? With Nishiki and Kiyu? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that scene. Like, that scene, I'm, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that, again, like the voice acting from like the voice actors for Kiyu and Nishiki, like that really cemented that game for me as having one of the best performances I've ever seen in a video game. Like rivaling i would say the opening of the last of us with joel and his daughter oh wow okay yeah it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah yeah it uh, i i played this one for review and it's still like in my top like three or four for the year i definitely think yakuza zero deserves to be there it's super super good it's it's incredible the storyline uh the pacing watching the series narrative grow to this point like this is probably one of the best yakuza games um out of all of the ones that have been released, including the spinoffs, which are pretty good. Um, but That's as my a second whole, favorite one. Yeah, still, yeah, still a localization. It, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and the translations are excellent. Like the localization yeah, was incredible. Uh, they don't change things to really suit the narrative, and the tone of the characters is kept consistent. Um, having the two different playable characters of Kiyu and Majima showing different uh, the different factions, the Omi Alliance and the Tojo Clan along with uh, discussing concepts like racism and nationalism in Japan and taking this very seriously and incorporating it into the main plot with a lot of respect makes this game very, very good. And it Yakuza really... Zero. Oh, yeah, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, Yakuza Zero also like, uh, does like a really phenomenal uh, thing of like 
it kind of caters to both newcomers and uh, old timers as well. Like you know, uh, it when they were making the first Yakuza, there's no way that they were you know conceptualizing the the, the events in Yakuza Zero, but the way they uh, spin up like the origins of many stories that you get introduced to in the first Yakuza and how that all wraps back around the first minutes of the first Yakuza game. It's mm-hmm. it's a really it's a really, really crazy thing what they did with the writing and they pull it off in a very stellar manner. Mm-hmm. And they there's, really, there's a good payoff. And they really utilize all of their celebrity cameos really, really, really well. Like I, I played it. All of them are so good. No, it's amazing. Like anyone who's looking to get into Yakuza, like this is your year. Like Please do yourself a favor and play this game. Like this uh, is definitely the year of Yakuza. If you think about it, just like it, 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 it's the year of Luigi, yeah. and that's the year of Yakuza. And I love oh man, I also want to March when I can get that uh, limited edition for Yakuza Six with the shot glasses. And I saw that at uh, PSX, and it was nuts. I was like, wow, that's impressive. The setup. Uh, Liz, uh, what were you saying? Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to add to the conversation because um, mm-hmm. I've stayed away from Yakuza for many years because when the PS2 version came out, I thought it was just like another Grand Theft Auto, but in Japan. And then oh, like this, yeah, yeah. well, I was young and dumb, but um, no, okay. <laughs> this year, like a lot of people like on Twitter and everything were like, play Yakuza 0, play Yakuza 0. And I finally did it like two weeks ago and it shot up for me not like barely caring about it to like the top three of my year and that's wow. a year where near came out and persona and stuff i i really really like yakuza zero and it's an incredible game in my opinion so i i think it deserves at least a top i think 10. it makes a top 10 yeah it should be in the top 10 that's only for the fact that you can play outrun <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so uh, i make the top 10 <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna... That, it should two you can play afterburner that was pretty sweet but yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take one for the team because I feel like weird saying this because I actually really like this game, but we should cut Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, I really uh, want to play yeah, it though. No, I heard yeah, it's, I free. Mean, it's free. It's free. It's free, but none of us really play like, it. I want to play it though. I heard I some played crazy it. Oh, I you thought did? it was alright. It, it, it's, oh, okay. I, well, I think it's more of like a horror title uh, as yeah. opposed to like an RPG, so I wouldn't say it falls into like the category of like what we're discussing here. Like oh, I think well, it's really great, yeah. but it's definitely just like a horror sim. But yeah, at the same time, we're, we're not we're not counting that stuff out. Just to be clear, like we mentioned before, even if it's not cutting uh, clearly a, an RPG in any sense, it's still something we're considering. But I, I totally get you guys. My I've feeling also, on yeah. it is it's a bit of a gimmick, though. It's like it's a good uh, game, mm-hmm. but this is almost why it works as a free game. And if you were charging for it, maybe it wouldn't be so popular because it is sort of like it does this one thing really well of like twisting your expectations and fucking with you. But mm-hmm. beyond that. I'm not sure how much it's really offering. Yeah, um, I'm, I nominated it more because I wanted us just to talk about it real quick than to actually make it to the top 10. So it was kind of yeah. more of a token nomination. So people know that it's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is good. Some of the stuff it does is, is intense. I, I, don't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Uh, Alex calling anime good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he likes Disgaea, though. I know that. That's like the one thing. I like Disgaea talk. 1. Everything yes. else has sort of like made me... My skin crawl. Um, I will also. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that because it did come out last year in 2016 for PC, and I love that game and the soundtrack. But uh, it seems like this year it's just a port. So yeah, for the most part. Uh, Not to trivialize it, I'm sure it took a lot of work for them to put that game on on Vita because like that and like 2064 ROM, they're apparently having trouble putting it on there due to the memory limits. But even then, like, I'm sure it's a good experience though. So we can cut Valhalla. Let's move that down then. 
Okay, so Digimon Story, Cyber Sleuth, Hacker's Memory. I know Kite put that to here. It released like literally like two days ago in Japan. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it right now. It's, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, I mean, if you've played the original Cyber Sleuth uh, on, you know, in the West, it's come out on PS4 and Vita, but in yeah. Japan, it just come out uh, for the PS4 too. And I'm enjoying it so much, but I thought I'd just like to uh, put an honorable mention for this year. But uh, hopefully next year yeah. I can put this again. Yeah, I, I yeah. really want That's basically my argument. Like, um... But but the original uh, Cyber Sleuth did come out this year, if you, get, if you want to uh, no. talk yes. about it. No, yes. the original Cyber Sleuth came out yeah. last year. Yeah, the original year. Cyber Sleuth. Was it, was it last year? Oh, I thought it was January. It was like January 30th or something like that, right? This yeah. year was, was it really? No, this year... Yeah, there was, this one was, oh, um, we yeah, did, it was like, the new world. Oh, that's right, Next yeah. Yeah, it's come out. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to say that uh, I, I'm i enjoying the story. Like, now the sub-quests are so good, so uh, I hope I can give more impressions once I'm finished with yeah. it. Just, yeah, we've been hearing it for sure. Even if it had come out in the West, I feel like since it just came out two days ago, that yeah. it's too recent. But yeah. also, like, this is the exact debate we had about Persona last year, where some people had played Persona 5 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. on the Japanese release. And yeah, I already played and... Persona last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and exactly. so when we were talking about it, we sort of talked about it a little bit in passing, but ultimately it didn't win anything because we waited for the Western yeah. release. So that can yeah. go down, but it's good to mention at least that that one's looking good for... Yeah, well, no problem. Yet. Uh, the, 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 just, the, just out of curiosity, the, the original Cyber Sleuth is in the Hacker's Memory package too, right? Yeah, in the Japanese version at least. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, okay, I'll wait for okay. that. I don't think they've announced if the English version is going to come with the first game. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> from, what I, from what I understand, it's not like a sequel, it's more like a sidequel. Like... Yeah, like a, a sidequel. I like that. side I like that story. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. without spoiling too much, Hacker's mm -hmm. Memory Stories takes place in the same timeline as the original Cyber Sleuth. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. Sweet. So we'll talk about that next year, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully. On that same breath, though, Super Robot Wars V. This man, tough, man, okay, I, okay, I, it's it's not it's not gonna make the top ten. I know it's not in my heart, Quote but I, I did, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it did get an English release. It's never gonna it's come true, like you know a, a Western release, but it did get an English version in Southeast Asia. It yeah. is okay. It is one of the longest running RPG franchises ever. This year was its twenty fifth anniversary, and this is the first like mainline game that had licensed mechs like you know Gundam, Evangelion, etc. That got a gun, uh, you know, that got an official English release. It just Kind of insane to think about because it's one of those things that like you would never think this would get uh, a localization like that, uh, and it's a it's a solid one of those. I wouldn't say it's like the best Super Robot Wars ever, but it is. It, it's amazing seeing how far this series has gone. It does a, a little uh, new things in there with the progression, like our uh, the skill trees and whatnot, and and their their new engine uh, where they kind of it's kind of like if you think about early uh, uh, I mean late eighties early nineties. Uh, animation like the zeta gundam uh you know the the kind of like the shading on the explo explosions and whatnot and the, the way they emulate that inside the game it's very faithful to that uh it looks really really good um it plays really well but like i like i said it's a very it's a highly contensive year if it was a, it was in a year where there was like less amazing rpgs this would have a shot but i just wanted to like you know mention that like the super robot war series has come really far it's I'm <sighs> glad that you know the English uh, English uh, audience, you know, finally has a mainline 
game that they can play and understand. But it's it it's it's good. It's good fun, and you know, there's gonna be a new one next year as well. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, Super Robot Wars X. Yes, yes. Went yeah. <laughs> from five to ten already. Wow, quick. Yeah. All right. Super Robot Wars uh, V. That's the game that has the localization where they use the term Gundam Weeaboo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's also mentioned that like this is the the localization. It is a like a way bigger step than what they did with the OG the Moon Dwellers last year, which was like nearly incomprehensible at some parts. It's serviceable, but this one they really upped their game, and I really love what they did. Some some kind of <laughs> with the Gundam Wii part, like they were like one of the rare instances, like really kind of over localized it in a sense. But for the most part, <laughs> the, yeah, they they had a lot of fun with it. But I'm glad that you know they got their their act in order now, and you know it's definitely one of those games that you should probably give a shot if you like big robots SRPGs. But you should probably it's never gonna come out here like overseas wise officially, only in Southeast Asia. It's bizarre that, you know, obviously with the licensing issues, I'm sure that's the very reason why it's not being brought to the West, but like we got like was it Gundam was it Gundam versus or whatever that was like dropped out of nowhere or Gundam Break, I forget which one it was, the one that was like dropped out of nowhere after being like just announced and then dropped from Ben and Amco. Now it's like we're still not getting any of these games. We have to wait. Yeah, for like Gundam Breaker. Yeah, Gundam versus yeah, yeah, Gundam versus did come out here by some miracle, but yeah, uh, I heard it it's wasn't the best a, version yeah. either. So. It's 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 okay. Yeah, license <laughs> um, problems. Yeah, yeah. So if that goes, um, how do we feel about about Horizon going up into the final ten? I'm not sure about that yet. No, I think I think it's a great game, but I. I think we should discuss a little bit more about other things first. Yeah, the game. I, I think we need to wait, uh, wait, wait for the list to thin out a bit more before we st- think about Horizon. That's what I think. I, I think I think uh, I I really like the game, but it, it, because of the, the the events surrounding, I think E Eight uh, has to go. It's a really really good game, but with the whole like yeah. shebang of like uh, Nice America having to actually go back and fix the localization on that, I don't think I don't I'm not uh, comfortable with that being the top that. ten. I mean, it really hurts because for me, Ease 8's uh, Vita version was my game of the year last year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but you the Japanese version and, though, right? And and there's and there's a lot of competition for Ease 8 this year as well. It's just when you have that I kind of baggage this, on though, you. If the translation was better, I would have fought tooth and nail for that to get to the top five. Well, it's just this is a this is an event that like how often does this happen? Where the game <laughs> like, it's released, it's out. I can buy it right now if I want. Well, at least on PS4. Um, but like they're literally like redoing the translation and voice work from scratch, and it's like gonna get like a second release next year. Almost. And remember that they they also like it delayed the PC version indefinitely, like the like two days or a day before it was supposed to come out on PC, and that was just out of nowhere too. Yeah. And they even and Nice America even like started like like a, a weekly blog like discussing updates. It's just kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's like almost, what the fuck? It's almost kind of impressive. <laughs> like yeah. this is a game that already released. And you're, you started a blog they, about the fixes. It's just, it's, it's just, it's need... almost like interesting how they're doing this. Well, but, but... On that kind of fan edit project, I'm at least happy. It, se- it seems like they're putting the effort in to fix it themselves. Yeah, yeah hopefully, you know. See I how just that goes. saw like the area that was called the big hole, and I was just like, yeah. This... I, saw <laughs> I went to remind people that in the Japanese version, it already had a perfectly fine English name. Crevice of the something uh, era, but it was already fine. Yeah, yeah. crevice of uh, some kind of era. Big yeah. Oh, that's so How good! Why wow, change it? Yeah, it had, like that English wording was actually like pretty flowery and cool, and then like big hole, like what? <laughs> yeah, and then like some of the stupid translations are like the. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, was it Nef- Neforamash? 
and for some reason the English version is called Mephromashmu, and everyone's like, why there's a moo added to the end? No. Yeah, there, there, there's some, but uh, but it, outside outside of the like the translation, the script, like it, it is it is a very very good RPG to, to play. It feels good to like actually just do anything in it. Yeah, I actually like Yeast Eight a lot, and um, I actually prefer it over Tokyo Xanadu. If like if Yeast can't make it, then Xanadu definitely can't make it. <laughs> How about Chow? Chow, what do you say about that? Because you're the one who reviewed that for us. Tokyo uh, Xanadu. It's a great game, but. I find Yeast 8 is superior in every way. If Yeast 8 can't make it, then there's no way Tokyo Zanadu can make it. Cause, yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, talking about Falcom, let me, uh, I guess, pin to put Trails in the Sky the third in the top ten. Agreed. There we go. So here's, a, here's an argument. So Trails in the Sky is a long-running series. It's one of the only video game series that is, like, trying to hold over a narrative over, like, What's it now? Seven, eight games? It tried to do what Xenosaga couldn't. Yeah. And, like, how many games get to that point and, like, are still, like, worthwhile? Uh, so the, th- the thing is with my history with Trails in the Sky is I like both the first two games, first chapter and second chapter, but I don't I don't really love them. Like, some people seem to love them. Um, but one of the strongest elements I think about those games, they talk a lot. Those games are very, very talky. You kind of have to be prepared for that. But what I think that allows us to happen is that the characters that are introduced in these games, they're really well developed. They're really well um, basically delivered. And you almost get like a sense of like the personality of each character is so nailed down and so consistent that it almost feels like you can predict what they're going to say because you, you feel like these characters have been built extremely well. And that's one thing I felt was stronger than like the actual plot line or even maybe even the gameplay in these games was how the characters were built. And Trails in the Sky in the third does something that I really appreciated where it kind of takes like the storyline of the games and kind of puts that in the background a little bit and focuses more on like these character vignettes of the the main cast that you basically have spent hundreds of hours with already. And I think it does it in a pretty smart way. There are a couple characters that um, you learn more about their past history, characters that you know, have been well established, but you didn't know things about, you know, their their upbringing and things like that, as well as kind of on the flip side, other characters you kind of see like after hundreds of hours of development, you kind of see where they're going next. And I, I just felt that was like really interesting the way they kind of shifted focus away from like the, the plot line at large and more on like these characters and also spreading it out, not just like the main cast, but like a lot of the side characters and things as well. But not only that, but I feel like the gameplay is, took a notch up as well. Like it's, uh, I felt like it's a little bit more gamey than the previous two entries, but I feel like it was just pretty well balanced. You have a lot of characters to choose from that all have different um, techniques and abilities, and I just kind of feel like overall it's a game that should be in the top ten. I agree completely, and actually I want to say a few more things. I already loved Trails in the Sky and Trails in the Sky second chapter, but I feel like... So I played every game that had been translated up until, like, the third came out. But once I actually played the third, it there's something special about it. It's a game that not only does it finish off the, the Sky trilogy perfectly, I feel like, but it just does a lot of work towards setting up the rest of the series to the extent that there's a story thread that's kind of brought into the focus in the third that gets finished in Zero no Kiseki, and then there's a lot of things that are actually brought up in this game that are still not fully explained in games or, like, going forward, but you can tell that they're getting there. It's not that they haven't talked about because they're lazy. 
but because there's a huge plan for the series. I completely agree about the characters. I feel like the... I, I, I'm not sure if I want to spoil this, but there's this one specific conversation at the very end between Estelle, Joshua, and, and Ren. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> I'm not, not going to say what, what the conversation <laughs> is. You can talk about it. okay. I know what they said. It's a very touching moment. Yeah, it's just yeah. like that one specific conversation and really that entire end sequence where it's very personal. And it's like a lot of RPGs, it feels like they never quite hit that note where you can feel that personal connection with the characters where it feels down to earth. That final section right after the final boss is probably my favorite um, story portion in an RPG pretty much ever just because all of these character interactions everything they're saying, everything they're talking about, it's not just a love letter to the fans, but it also feels like it was earned because you know these characters. You've put hundreds of hours into understanding what makes them tick, what motivates them, and it just makes sense, the things that they're saying at the very end and how they feel about the journey itself. One notch above that, though, like some of the things that Estelle says in particular, they almost, uh, this is going to sound really hyperbolic, and I apologize for that, but it almost like transcends just, this isn't just about the storyline of the game. Like Estelle like starts to touch on things that are actually like, like, like how, like basically the transience of life almost, like talking about, the, the paths that people go through and the, the um, and things like that it, it like almost actually has me considering about things like in my life and it's I know that sounds really maybe silly or hyperbolic but it's like when a game even can even get close to that level like I feel like it's it's done something right yeah I, th I think it's a th it's, it's worthy of top 10 based I, mean, I I played it I have more to say about it but I think that that'll come you know I think this this this, this is enough for top 10 yes I think I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, four <laughs> slots left, and there's quite a lot of good games on this list. Uh, uh, okay, I really five. like this. Hold on. Go, wait, go, go for it. Yeah. I was what, say what were you saying? Someone, uh, say, it. Someone <laughs> say it. Come on. Uh, can we put Fire Emblem Echoes? Maybe? Are, we, are we saying we're putting in the top 10 or out of the top well, 10? Well, let's let's weed out a little bit because I think there are still some games in this list yeah. that we can weed out before we, we we before we move it. I think we like maybe we move some a few and then go back to like the top 10. I think that might be better. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, I think I think Middle Earth Shadow of War has to go. Mm -hmm. I, can, I I I don't know if I if I feel comfortable about that being in the top 10. I just the story is okay, it it plays really fine. I think there's a, like its most outstanding thing. Obviously, is the advances of the Nemesis system and how you can uh, manipulate, you know, your uh, uh, like the orc uh, politics economy and whatnot. And it, it feels really good. You see, but when you play the game, you can feel the gears turning inside it. Like it's a very gamey game. It does like climbing up things feels really nice. Uh, battle system, you know, is what it is, but on a much grander scale. But anytime that I had to like interact with the story in that game, I couldn't fucking stand it. Anytime that I had to do a story mission, oh, it's the story is fucking boring. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really bad. Very but like, it's just, it's just really, really dull and dark in a really. But I really do like the game. I, I had a CD feel about it. I really like. I yeah, go for it, CD. Um. The thing I remember the most was like most of the story missions like place you alongside an NPC and you just basically like following them all the time. And I got so bored in every story mission. Yeah. Um, it... out, outside of the story missions, it's actually a lot of fun just to muck about, play around the mechanics, 
um, all that kind of stuff. But you're doing, but it's the same thing. Like you know, you're checking the boxes in that open world. It's the most uh, standard like open world you know structure that you can get. It's well, like, oh, okay, I go to this tower, I see all these things, I I check the boxes, I do all these quests and whatnot. And and also like the the final stretch of that game where you have to really come face to face with the gacha mechanics in it uh, to really push on that last you know stretch yeah. of the game. I, it just it just it's not a fun experience. It's, it, it's a shame that um. You know, one of the things is if we did have a writing category, I would be talking about not the main story, but how amazing some of the some of the orcs are in the game. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. The orc dialogue, the top notch. <laughs> With them, like, yeah, yeah, he's gonna beat you up, yeah. Like, I literally like the poet, like you know, orc that like talks to you like in, in rhymes. It's like, man, I would fucking. <laughs> well, my favorite. That's a good point, actually. Is that like, that's... is it because is it that much different from Shadow of Mordor, which was an excellent game, or is it just Shadow War did enough things differently? Um, it has more character, I think. I think they realized what worked well in the first game and then built on that the second. Um, but whilst they focused on all the mechanical things that underpin it, uh, the story is the part that suffer, uh, suffers the most. So I, I, I liked all the stuff around it. Like um, There's always like shattered mirror memory things that restore Shelob's memories and stuff. And I have more of an interest in finding all those and hunting all those out rather than actually following the main story. Um, although I have to say, and this is not going to go into spoiler territory, but the actual end of Act 4, I think it is, um, that really caught me by surprise. Um, but then Act 5, this whole grindy kind of last act was the worst. So oh, it should have ended at Act 4, is what you're saying. Yep. And, yep. like, can you clear it up for us? Did they really put story content behind, like, 40 hours of grind? Because people were saying, yeah, that's the case. People saying, no, that's not quite true. Well... I think it's going to be different for every single person because if I went through the game and I was doing a lot of the side stuff as well as the main story, but if you're a, you know, I want to say one of the major websites and you're just told to get through the game, so you hit the embargo and not have enough time around what you're doing, uh, you might just focus on the storyline, do all the story missions, get to the end. And if you got to that, that is the worst way to experience that game, by the way, just mainlining it. <laughs> yeah, because you'll hit Act 5 and then be like, oh, I have like no like powerful orcs and so every single assault or defense you don't actually have a powerful enough army to Ooh. attack or defend wow. whereas if you are going through the game and just taking a bit more time with it doing all the kind of padded content you're in a, you're in a position where you have a few yes i still uh by the end of act five i was a bit kind of like uh, you know i didn't have enough at that point to kind of push through the last couple of them i had to kind of uh, go back and retrace a few areas it's not as bad as a lot of the reviews made out but it is you know if it is a type of you know if you are a a person who has limited time playing games and you just go right i just want to experience the story and you go from the start to the end and focus on that yeah you're gonna you won't be able to get through the last act um yeah but i don't think it's that bad but it's not a game of the year material um, yeah yeah i think maybe we can move that down yeah, um, still really want to play it though. I've got it just hanging in there. It's Back good. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a fun good. game. Yeah, 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 it is good. Um, I'm not really sure Terror Battle Two goes any further than this. I know Zach is gonna like. Well, it's okay. So I will say I'm not gonna really fight for it because I do think it's a much better game than the first one. It's clear that they recognized there were problems with the first one and how the way presented the way they presented the story which was in like very short blurbs i mean josh of course played it as well he knows what i'm talking about too uh but 
Um, it still didn't go quite far enough that I would have liked. Because even if the writing is better than it was, uh, it's still not that engaging, which is crazy to think because this is Miss Walker we're talking about. Um, and they've done some really good stuff in the past. It's the fact that um, some of the mechanics are still kind of janky, especially moving around the big open open map, which I like, but you still get stuff where like you get caught up. It's in the one gardens. of those things that like it, it looks sounds good on paper. Yeah. It, like when you when you present it, like in a, a document, like the pitch team, it's like wow, that sounds awesome. But they need to really work out their presentation stuff because it's so it falls flat. The, the, you're really robbing it without any like production values and like kind of giving it a flair. Like uh, most of the things they do is it's very really mundane. It, it really goes to show how much budget can do for you because if you compare this game to, say, like, Granville Fantasy, which has got billions of dollars, uh, whenever there's, like, a new event, there's always, like, a ton of voice acting, licensed characters, like, this huge push behind uh, every event that they ever have um, that gets you excited about new content that shows up. And here, it's like they have a new event, but you can barely tell that there's one going on. It's just kind of hidden a little bit. They they It's got a lot of work needing to be done on that. So, yeah, I'm okay with putting it down, but I will say at least... It's definitely one of the better mobile games that I've played this year. So I remember Alex playing the first one. Every time, <laughs> oh, every time I saw you, you had your iPad out and you're like, hey, look what you can do. And you just spin your finger around on the screen and then something. <laughs> that a record keeper, right? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, uh, the, the less said about that, the better. Um... <laughs> oh, Liz left it. I... Oh, no. oh, okay. Should be back. Should I... Right. Uh... Okay, this is here again. All right. Anyway, continue. Uh, what about South Park? Can we like nix it, or I don't really have an argument against that game. I just never played it. I, it looks yeah, I never simple, got into it. I, I've heard it's a lot better, but Alex can talk to this more than I can. But like, yeah, I've heard it's, it's a lot it's, better. It, it's better and it's and it's worse at once. It's sort of. Um... The thing is, I, I get the impression that maybe the team that made it perhaps aren't as bold or as, I don't want to say as good, but you know what I mean, as Obsidian. Oh, the um, <laughs> It's great. Anyway. But the difference is um, they were obviously working off what, what had already been done by Obsidian. Yeah. So it is a good iterative sequel to that first game. Um, the, the one side of it that I would say, and it's a really good, you know, 2D RPG. And the interesting thing is, whereas the first game was sort of it was paper mario right like mm. um the second one sort of goes down some interesting paths with like more in-depth class systems where you're making hybrid classes and um character placement on the battlefield is important as well so you start to get a little bit of um of strategy rpg layer in it where you're moving people into the like forwards and backwards and attacks affect different ranges and all that sort of stuff um, in terms of the actual South Park side of it, the one thing that's a bit of a negative is way more than the first game. It just leans into the dumb side of South Park rather than the interesting satirical side of South Park. Almost like they said it almost almost like they did all their good video game satire in the first game. Because there's a lot of really good satire mocking video game traditions in that first game. <laughs> yes. And Novelty. then they were like, yeah, and then, and then afterwards they've gone like, for this for this sequel what do we do and you sort of like uh and you end up with like there are just some sequences in it that are just like that the, the whole sequence in the in the strip club is is really um it's oh, really uh, questionable um oh, okay but um 
yeah, I really like it. Um, but if we've only got four games left, this probably isn't one of them, I guess. Yeah, um, I, I was about to uh, uh, um, say something about that too. That um, uh, well, you mentioned that it goes more into just I would just say offensive humor as opposed to just satire. Yes. Yeah. Um, and something like that, I don't. I wouldn't really say that it would deserve to be on like a top ten like for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. Just because there's so many things that I've seen in that game that I couldn't comfortably recommend somebody just because it's outright mean or has some kind of phobia attached to it. Um, that's that's a good point yeah. because yeah. South Park has always been about balancing those things, right? Like satire and offensive humor, like they balance it so well, and a lot of it can be come across as like intelligent. In this game, uh, from I've seen about a few hours of footage of it, uh, including the strip club part, and yeah, it does feel like it leans a little too much into like shock value. Well, even even the, even in the first game when they went for that stupid stuff, when they did, uh, baby, uh... <laughs> yeah, the baby, the the scene in the bedroom. The baby's probably the well, it is the worst thing in that first game. Like the scene in the bedroom, though, is just that dumb sort of it was uh, gross out <laughs> humor, but it's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. Um, the baby thing—that's uh, the one bit in that game in that first game where I'm like, uh, uh yeah. Uh, I, 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 I was—I meant the—I uh, meant the giant Nazi zombie fetus. <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> the good. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you say it like that. But, yeah, the, this, this, this one is not as. Um, is not it, it, it's it's not exactly uh the first one was a bit of a revolution when it came out anyway yeah um this one is not that and in many ways it's not as good i don't feel like there was as much excitement about this one i remember the first one like i was so excited to play it and this year i was just like eh. it got, it's because it got delayed like 800 times though right like well that well, happened with the first game too, right? too. Yeah. just like Ida yeah. Cooney. what damn you <laughs> uh, <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about that's a level five special yeah Okay, uh, so... I, I, yeah. I was gonna vote to cut out Tales of Berseria. Uh, oh, I, I, I will agree with you. Didn't well, I yeah, actually that, prefer that was, it over this year? Year. It was this year. Yeah, yeah I actually wow. prefer it over Persona Five. To be honest, for me personally, Ooh. like I, I prefer the story a lot more in this game, and the gameplay is actually accessible in this one, and the characters are all interesting. The only thing that I don't like about the game is the very boring <laughs> dungeon designs. And especially around the last end of the game, they're like they just take fucking forever. Like, like the last dungeon, it's like it's a very simple dungeon. You know where to go, but all that backtracking and running around, you probably end up like wasting five hours just trying to get to the end. I could see Tales of Berseria like being fringe top ten. It kind of depends on where we go with the other possible oh, choices. So can I go on? Um, there's yeah, go, go. there's thing there's things that I think it does well compared to some of the more previous games in the series. I think the story. Is on the better half of good, where for Zysteria or Zilla, I'm not sure I would say that. Zysteria is um, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, char- uh, uh, the characters have nothing on the our discussion earlier on Trails in the Sky the Third, but I think for a Tales game, the characters are pretty well done. Some of the skits, I like normally I kind of like skip through those, like blah, blah, blah. I just want to get the title or whatever, but this time I found myself actually listening. I think the English voice direction took a step up but then it's when i get to the gameplay where like uh was mentioned earlier the dungeons are super long in the back half of the game i think i was just running by enemies because i didn't need the exp i didn't want to fight them like i just wanted to get to the next mission. i just want to 
play the game. It, it, it was like it was a game made in response to the negative reaction of Zysteria, and that shows well in spades in it. Uh, it does improve upon that, but it's not. I don't know what a Tales game needs to be to actually like be great though. Again, that's the thing. It's uh, like Berseria. I like around twenty twenty five hours in. Like I was already kind of zoning out because I just didn't care what was happening. I like the the first ten hours of Berseria are really good because it establishes these characters, how they come together as like you know as a band of misfits, kind of like uh, taking on the anti hero uh, kind of deal because you don't know if they're actually fighting like for the better of the world or not. Uh, and it's it, it's a lot. It takes great strides, you know, in the in characters in, in interacting with one another and making it actually interesting to kind of get behind them. On Zysteria, it was kind of fell flat on all all fronts on that. But it's it doesn't have like the legs to get, keep like for that interest to like, keep on going though. It just it I couldn't help myself but like go like okay, this is happening, sure. And then by the back half of the game, I, I would just like completely like, I don't know. I, what I'm doing I like anymore. 100% agree with you. Let me just kind of list this out in like bullet point form. Yeah. I do think the characters are probably one of the strongest casts in that series. Again, nothing yes. on trails, but like, I think like five out of the six playable characters, the only poor one being Rokuro, I think the other five are like actually like pretty well, like probably some of the best in the series. But I do think the storyline, especially in the later half, the villain sucks. The conflict he yes. creates. So, yes. the, villain, the, the villain sucks. The conflict he creates sucks, and and thus the storyline in the second half of the game just is like really. It's actually extremely uh, disappointing because it becomes so typical when the yes. when the first half of the game is so atypical. Because like in at the beginning of the game, like you are not the good guys, you are not the heroes, you are not the protagonists, and it's like it feels like new and interesting and different, and then. Like eventually, it just kind of becomes morphs back into the same old, same old that you've played before, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> it it being tied to Zysteria like ultimately holds it back because it has to make sense by the end of like, well, how does this link to Zysteria? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I, I I don't I don't think it, I do think the combat really is pretty good. I mean, it's okay. It, it, it gets. It, it, the the only playable character for me in that was uh, Velvet because her AI fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, her AI would have, just kill her. <laughs> you have to play a Velvet in order to make best use of her because she has the ability to reduce all her HP to nothing, and it's just start draining HP, and it's very godly for a player's hand, but for an AI to just go suicide. <laughs> yeah, just just imagine this: like, there, there's there goes every every character has like a special mode that like uh, tap into their abilities. With Velvet, she, like uh, unfolds like her claw beastly arm, uh, and like you can do crazy combos with it, but it drains her HP over time. The AI isn't even smart enough to say, "Hey, maybe like you know, get out of it to not kill her." No, they just let that shit drain the, like HP one. Yeah, that's <sighs> bad, bad. That sucks to have an AI's hands. <laughs> that, that sounds <laughs> to me to like a game that. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> All I have to say about Tales of Berseria is if you guys are saying the first, like, 10, 15 hours are the best, I mean, I played, like, 5 to 10 hours with a friend, and it was my first real Tales, and I was just wasn't feeling it, so if that was the best part of the game, I'm really not sure if it well, should be on our yeah. final 10. Well, I think you should try Vesperia. I think that's a good entry point, I think. Man, but this is the, for the purposes of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think Berseria hangs. I don't think so either. Ooh. All right, let me make a defense for Horizon Zero Dawn. Top ten. Actually, I I was waiting to talk about Xenoblade. Oh, well, I I want to. Well, let's 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 take uh, one at a time. Is there? I mean, actually, I like to hear. Why don't we? Instead, I mean, we, we so we've cut Tales of Berseria. That's that's back to the long list for that one. Yeah, I got it. 
If you want to make the case for Horizon Zero Dawn, if you want, or if you, who, uh, let, let's talk about Horizon Zero Dawn first. Cause we hang on, before, before, before that happens. Yeah. Um, Only recap. I'm just, okay, so. Um, we should uh, recap where we're at. That might be a good idea, because we've I, cut I, around like 10 I, titles. There are, there are two games here that I would definitely cut before even thinking about Horizon anyway. Mm, yep. Yeah. Maybe three. Um, Pyre? Five. Yeah, okay. I mean, I just Pyre... don't think the combat is good enough. Like, I just. Okay. Pyre does interesting things with its combat. Like, uh, obviously, it's a, it's more of a. It goes for a more sports game approach. The, the You and an opposing team of three have uh, have these Pyres. They have, like, a normally 100 HP. Get that down to zero. You win the match. And they uh, kind of go about it like an NBA Street style kind of kind of deal where you, you, <laughs> you, you, you do. Compared, you, that makes sense you, to me. Yeah. You can only move around the person uh, like with, with an orb or if you're in defense, you can obviously move like, you know, the who you play uh, around with uh, on defense. But uh, the, obviously the story setup is uh, you're like kind of like an outcast, been exiled from this commonwealth. And uh, the, one of the rare abilities that you have is you can read, and reading is kind of a very uncommon thing, special thing in that world. So you kind of go about this uh, thing where you go from each right, uh, these sports matches type deal, uh, to conduct a right uh, on your way up to uh, this place where you can start sending people to the Commonwealth one by one and whatnot. Uh, so you're obviously a story about freedom. Um, you go about this a very organ trail style of way of like, hey, where do you want to go next? If you go here, you might find a valuable trinket to sell, or if you go here, you might get a temporary buff for the next right, and whatnot. It's it's all it looks very fascinating. Like it has a very uh, nice watercolor, like almost mosaic uh, type of deal. Uh, each of the characters that you meet are very like unique in their play style, but also in their mannerism. Like you get like this little imp thing that only uh, speaks to you in like screeches. Uh, so like you have to like highlight over the text to like understand what it's saying, or the or this one uh, like harpy lady that uh, speaks to you, uh, but her special ability in combat she can fly around for, uh, to drain her stamina, and it's all, it's all very nice and pretty in that. But I think uh, like compared to like uh, Super Giant's other games like uh, Bastion and Transistor, yes, this, this is kind is of a yeah this kind of a, is a bit of a step back because it doesn't flesh out like the world in a way that the Bastion and Transistor did like none of the like all the characters are cool but the only way you can really learn more about them is through their bios they doesn't really show in the way they interact with each other you'll never have like little like saying Xenoblade like the heart to hearts where you have these characters interacting with one another away from like you know your main character the reader it's it's a really fascinating game but I don't think it like it yes. barely falls top it's like it'd be like a top like 12 or 13 but Weirdly, I think it's a game that is almost less than the sum of its parts, as opposed to more. Like, yeah, oh. yeah, because it it really goes it really goes out there because it. I think the scope of it is weird is weird because after you uh, get the revelation of like sending one of your characters permanently up to the Commonwealth, you have to go through this loop again. You'll be, have to gain the ability to fly around to uh, past you know other places to conduct rights again but it also it also this vicious cycle of having to do these rights again so you can uh, send out one of your guys again to the commonwealth and obviously this feeds into a larger meta game of like a revolution in the commonwealth and uh, you know it's all all, all the, the the beefy stuff in that plot but it doesn't mesh together as well as i would like to what do you say alex i i i agree with <laughs> pretty much all of that and i think that's why i said i didn't think it it belongs i think it's a great game but i don't think it's as good as their previous games um mm -hmm. yeah and i just don't think it comes together as strongly 
as it needs to. It's it's a fascinating game, like on on itself though, like like yeah. the concept yeah. of it, the way they they kind of string together everything. It's it's definitely worth a shot if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move that down then. Next up. So next, I think we should probably cut out Life is Strange. Uh, I actually That's voted funny. for it, but I just did it mostly to like acknowledge it and just have a little discussion on it. If anything, I'm not sure who else has played it here. I think I it's really it, it's it's better than I ever thought. So so I remember at E3, um, before E3, they told me that they were announcing that game, and they booked me in for an appointment. And I went into that point, appointment quite um, quite pumped, and they showed the the bar bit um you know where you're at the gig and all that sort of stuff and you got the option to steal from the back of the van and all that sort of thing and um and i left that demo and i was just like that was no good um <laughs> and i developers was, yeah. and i was yeah and i was really bummed out and but then actually when the final thing it was way better than i thought it would be and i thought they did a way way better job sort of um justifying the idea that the prequel even deserves to exist. Yeah, they did. Um, with that said, it isn't as special as the first game, I don't think. I agree. I think it's it's better than the first game, but it, it is missing that special thing that I think the first uh, season had. I think it's a lot better than I expected. Like, I actually had pretty low hopes going into it, and I think a part of me was a bit bitter from the ending of the first season still. Mm-hmm. Um and I would, I guess I would take it out also because it's not finished yet. The last episode is coming out in two days. Yeah, uh, and it could be terrible. Depends. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it could end either way. So I think <laughs> it's safe to cut it out. <laughs> it, it could end the same way that the first uh, season's uh, last episode ended, which was like awful. So who knows? Uh, but I think it's it's done a lot of things really well, and it's a lot better than I expected. Um, and yeah, and I think the writing is great. I think, I think they've managed to make it work despite the the voice actor strike. Um, and I know that the original actresses are coming back for the bonus episode, so I'm really excited to play that one. Uh, but yeah, in terms of game of the year material, I would cut it out from the list. And what I what, from what I gather, like obviously being a new developer, this isn't a dot nod, don't nod, right? It's not. It's, yeah, no, they're like, working on vampire. Yeah. Right, and it's just like I know that was obviously a, that's not, for especially a game like this. That was a big like made people hesitant, but it sounds like they really did at least so far a pretty good job with it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I was also hesitant about like Alex said, I was hesitant about a prequel in general. I didn't find it to be necessary, but it's really good, and so I think it it kind of justifies the need for one. Yeah. No, the the mechanics. Uh, one thing I actually missed from the first season was I, I didn't realize how much I liked the rewind mechanic and how interesting that makes the game. Like it's really hard to go back to a Telltale adventure game oh, uh, after playing yeah. Life is Strange, and uh, and I really missed that in the the this uh, this uh, spinoff episode. For the storm. It's yeah. like yeah. it's kind of like you know like the choose your own adventure. You've got one finger on the last page just in case you want to go back to it. Without having that around, it yeah, it sounds but like that does. But, but, but that's definitely one of the things that impressed me about it. Actually, is going into it, I thought the 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 loss of that was going to absolutely destroy it. Mm-hmm. But actually, it all worked out pretty well. Uh, but I don't think I, I think with all that said, it's had its due diligence. You know, I think both Natalie and I and and, and, Khan and everybody who's played it has enjoyed it, but it's not 
top 10 material. So, Zach. I mean, it... Oh, let's talk about Chaos Child first. No, I, this, this fucking anime, mechanime, mascot. No. Oh, what? <laughs> 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 it's not fucking. Okay, okay, I, I haven't even played Ito Arjumono Mask of Truth yet, but I'm going to say let's not cut it yet, if only because they've done a fantastic do- job with the translation from what I understand. No, it is bottom line next thing mm. and now mm. it's actually something <laughs> let me I, I haven't made fun of your choices yet let me let me talk about mine so i'm the one who nominated it i'm pretty sure i'm the only one who's played either mask of truth or mask of deception honestly i don't know james have you played Deception? i played like 25 minutes of mask of deception i bought mask of truth the other day so i'm gonna i'm gonna play through them next year okay but yeah so my ex- please well Fuck you. Uh, no, it's, it's, it, I'm going to go a little bit into spoilers <laughs> because I need to. So when I, I, I talked about this in my review for Mask of Truth. So the way it goes is that Utsuwa Armano came out about 15 years ago. Uh, and then they announced the sequels, Mask Exception and Mask of Truth. So they're like two parts, that uh, a sequel that was divided into two parts. So uh, for Mask of Deception, I played about 30 hours of it for my review. And I admitted as much in my review for Mask of Truth, the sequel. And I re- didn't realize until later that I only played half of the game. Uh, because I thought that I'd hit some sort of a really like a turning point that it was good enough that I can stop right there. I decided to play the rest of it, and I went into Mask of Truth at a much higher note because the way the story turns is incredible. Like I felt like this an amazing emotional connection to the characters that I didn't have in that first thirty hours, and I was actually I complained about it before. Where it's like you know this is almost all visual novel. What am I getting into? Like there's barely any strategy RPG or elements that the game is kind of the first game was kind of known for and suddenly uh throughout my experience mask of truth i developed a really close bond to a lot of the characters i did not experience one weak character uh which is saying a lot considering there's about a dozen of them maybe and the I had, twins i'm sorry maybe the twins uh, the twins yeah like, uh, what, what do you call it the one with the dark skin the light color oh so the oh no they're, 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 they're fine the They're ones that to. they use for the uh, pillowcase at the <laughs> yeah no it's it, it's it's uh, they're fine actually they actually get better in, in mask of truth because towards the end chow did you play either of those games i i played the first one i never played the second or the oh, first they're one. a lot better they're a lot better mask of truth because the way the characters uh sort of turn a little bit because they become a much more uh core figure the way the the, the what they represent is more important because so i'm going to spoil this a little bit at the end of Mask of Deception, what happens is that uh, one of the important characters dies. One of the most important characters of the story uh, suddenly dies. And all of a sudden, you've got like this weird juxtaposition of these characters, the way their moods completely change as a result. So one of the characters and in, in, um, one of the main characters has to kind of go under disguise. That's what the Mask of Deception and Mask of Truth is kind of like. That's kind of what it describes is that uh, one of the key characters, I'll just say the protagonist, he has to go into hiding, and so as a result, uh, he has to sort of um, betray a lot of his friends because they don't know it's him at all. Like the, he can basically he's like, he looks almost identical to another character in the game, so he hides that person, and he has to lie to their faces all the time while everyone else is hurting dramatically because they think that person is dead when in fact he's he's a monster them the whole time. So it's this sort of. Um, kind of depressing mood that's set everyone else is hurting really badly from what's happened but he's the only person who's like i i made a promise i can't break it for very good reasons there's some very important reasons why that's that's the case and so as a result 
uh, for the first maybe third of Mask of Truth, a lot of it has to talk, be talking to these characters, uh, understanding their emotions, how they feel about the person that maybe that uh, person that's in disguise he wasn't aware of before. But they can kind of open up because they think that person's dead. So from then on, it gets to all these different avenues that uh, kind of is amazing in a way. And uh, while, while this is going on, while this uh, uh, tragedy has kind of happened, there's also uh, a coup that's been also occurring in, in this kingdom because uh, the king, the emperor dude, um, he uh, has disappeared. And so the empress, uh, the, the daughter of, of the guy, uh, she's supposed to take over, but, but none of the generals of the previous king can trust her. And so they basically stage a coup and poison her. And as a result, what happens is that uh, she also completely changes. She's, she was before a very happy, very chipper person. Uh, some, some of your stereotypical, um, very happy girl that looks, likes to uh, sort of not be all noble and fancy. She likes to you know have fun, uh, eat snacks and all that stuff. But she ha experiences a complete transformation because she didn't realize that uh, with all these new responsibilities that now everyone else doesn't really trust her. Because when her father uh, disappears... She thinks can, can he's I, dead, so she can, gets can, really depressed about it. I, I, I want to ask a question, which is, see, see, you're talking about how amazing this narrative is. Yes. What does it actually fucking play like? It's actually kind of <laughs> interesting because what happens is that, so in the gameplay itself, it plays out as your typical strategy RPG, uh, you know, with tiles and everything like that. You have to run up and attack somebody. One of the interesting mechanics that they introduced, I don't know if it was in the first one because I didn't really uh, do it as much. It's uh, you can go up and attack somebody. But the way it works is that um, it's kind of like uh, Lost Odyssey or something like that, where like uh, it's actually a different kind of ways. Is that so? You've got like this big circle that shrinks down to meet a smaller circle, and you have to time your button presses to attack somebody. Uh, other way this is presented is a line that travels around the circumference of a circle, and you have to time your button press when it uh, when there's a full circle. So beyond that, though, uh, there's an animation that's going on as the person attacks it. You can also decide to time your button presses with that animation, and it deals critical hits as well. So, so like, yeah, so that is Lost Odyssey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. It also sounds a little bit like Mother 3 in a way. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Kind of, um, the first game had it too. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, like, the first game on the PC that never came out in the West had, had that system too. See, I um, played the actually, first one. I'd so like I... to mention that the first Atari Mono game is going to come out on the PS4 next year in Japan. But I'm yeah, going to wonder if uh, it's going to finally get the Western localization. That would I be... can't imagine that they'd do these two if they weren't planning to do the remake as well. That's just mm -hmm. my thought. I think it would be. Yeah, it's, it's basically but... a remake using the same engine. But like the, the, the cool thing about this is that uh, also this whole time they also have this tutorial that introduces you to the mechanics. But uh, it's every time you pretty much level up and you get that new skill, the new tutorial opens up. It does an excellent job in sort of uh, bringing you into the experience. The onboarding experience is very well done. And so I I, I will say that obviously you're going to come to this for the narrative first and foremost, but the gameplay is pretty good too. Okay. Well, I mean, I just... I, my thing is, as far as I'm concerned, now this list is so short, I can see what I think the other four games are. I would put it above most of the other games, honestly. So as someone who's played some a bunch of these games. Um, Don't cut Chaos Child yet. I, I really want to talk about this. Let's... 
Okay, well, I'll, I'll bet we, we put this aside for now, and you talk about Chaos Child then. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest. It's a visual novel. There's no gameplay besides, well, there's a little bit of gameplay in regards to the delusion system, but that doesn't even really matter until after you've completed your first read-through. But the strength in Chaos Child comes from its narrative. And, okay, so... It's a visual novel. It's by the people that made Steins Gate, so you're probably thinking anime as hell. And yes, there's sections there that I know that Al, um, if Alex played it, he'd probably have an aneurysm. <laughs> but uh, it kind of subver subverts a lot of expectations. So Chaos Child itself is a sequel to Chaos Head, which we haven't gotten an official localization. And a lot of the story in Chaos Child kind of mirrors the events that happened in Chaos Head, and that's for a reason. Because the whole game is kind of a subversion of all sorts of... It's hard to talk about without spoiling, but it's so new, it's so recent, and I'll just say it. Go so ahead. the turning point in the story is when you have um, Takuru figure out that the whole um, new generation, return of the new generation madness, these murders, these really odd psychotic murders that have been happening have basically been caused by him. He didn't do it directly, but one of the key th um, things going on in the story is that almost every single, well, actually every main character has some sort of mental illness, pretty much. It's not completely a mental illness, but it's, God, it's really hard to explain. It, it's a long visual novel, but the way that the ending comes together, the way that it kind of taught, it turns the, the story on its head, but it makes sense. It's, I really don't want to spoil this for everyone. <laughs> I, I, well, I, mean, I think, I think also, if you say that, the, the way you've just said that, I think is, 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 is telling. Um, and I think gets across to people. I, I do think there is value in saying like, like there's a, if there's a reason to play a game, but you really shouldn't like know about it before going in, type of thing. Yeah, the twist like, or anything. The, 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 I can think basically of a Undertale. Yeah, I can think of a couple <laughs> of games where it's like, are you, uh, I, I want you to play this game, and I want you to tell you why you should play this game. But the reason why you should play this game is that you really should not know anything going in. I, I kind of understand the sentiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Chaos Child is a weird one because it's the, a, a, a chunk of it relies on like knowledge. Of, like you don't need to have played or read Chaos Head to play it and understand it. But a lot of it's like the impact of the events that go on in Chaos Child is lost if you haven't played or read uh, Chaos Head, and that has no official. Actually, like, I release. have not played Chaos Head, and I feel strongly about Chaos Child. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I've played Chaos Head, so I actually really want to play Chaos Child now. <laughs> um, to put in perspective, um, reading Steiner, who's he's on our Discord every now and then. He was the original fan translator for Steinsgate, and I guess technically the official translator too, because he worked on the official translation for it. He said that Chaos Child is probably one of his favorite uh, games in the Science Adventure series, which is telling. Yeah, I... but that's you know. Wait. Yeah, it's, that let's, is our game of the yeah, year. Let's talk about our stuff. <laughs> um, I do have a, a question about Chaos Child real quick. Is it is it paced better than Steins Gate? It's like Steins Gate. It's a little slower paced, but because of the fact that uh, the um, beginning half of the game is more about the new generation madness and you have all these murders happening, it's very tense. 
so it's slow paced because but I feel like the pacing's actually very good. There's a moment like halfway through a story which is a turning point where once I saw this like one CG on the screen, I just had to put it down for like a few hours because it is powerful. Mm-hmm. Not in a like moves you like it not in a somber way, it was just shocking. Like it got a zero Z in Japan and for good reason. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, maybe we, uh, I was just thinking maybe we should, like, it's like you said, Alex, I think we can probably just, why don't we just snatch the ones that we, like, the list is short enough, why don't we just grab the four that we think okay. should be there, so, rather well, than go let me, let me Let me say we can cut Yomarari Midnight Shadows, how about that, because, yeah. honestly, um, it doesn't do enough to fix the first one because a lot of the gameplay is the same. Uh, like, it's like, as soon as you die, immediately cut back to the checkpoint. And that kind of hurts it, and that it's so sudden that you're like, oh, okay. Uh, but I will mention that, boy, that game does things that no other game does as far as the type of content that it has. Not how they recommend it because, sure, it's chippy characters. But the tone that it sets, the mood, the, uh, the elements are insanely dark and grim and sad depressing and i think that if you're looking for that kind of experience check it out i also (laughs) think to be honest um when you think about our our awards obviously we do include the tangential sort of games that we cover as well as rpgs but i think there's also a when we when we start to talk about the awards yeah it's the get the awards tend to go to the games that are more even if they're not strict rpgs they lean more towards that yeah i can understand that like towards that stuff and and that's why i don't particularly think Night in the Woods, Edith Finch, or Chaos Child really belong. Yeah. I can accept that. Yeah, Night in the Woods. Yeah. Oh my god, so and, damn and good. Not, and and not in the, I, I don't know anything about Chaos Child, but Night in the Woods and, and Edith Finch are like 10 out of 10 games, or at least Absolutely. very high 9. Oh my gosh. Um, Night in the Woods, 10 out of 10 easily. Night in the Woods was my game of the year before I played Nier Automata. I, I will definitely defend that one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just, just for my sake, and and I, I don't, I know we don't want to make this go on way too long, but can someone just explain like Night, to Woods, Night in the Woods to me? Just like, what is it? So you play as May Borowski, who's a college dropout, and she goes back to her hometown of Possum Springs. So it's basically her reconnecting with her friends and kind of seeing how each of them have changed during their time apart from each other, and it's not like it's a very like, I feel like it's it's this kind of amazing game in the sense that a lot of it is pretty normal. Like, May is someone who suffers from various mental illnesses that are never really confirmed. Uh, her friend B, she uh, did not spoil certain plot elements. Uh, she, you know, probably has depression and she works at the local pickaxe store. Um, her friend Greg is alluded to have bipolar disorder and he and his boyfriend are kind of like the small town queer couple. And so it's these issues that all these characters go through as well as living in a small town that doesn't have any businesses that you know, come and they actually stay. It talks a lot, a lot about capitalism, about mental illness, about friendships, about support. It it touches on a lot of really important themes that I think a lot of games don't tend to talk about often. Like, protagonists like May don't really exist in video games, I think, oh. despite the fact that there's a lot of people in real life who, who are, you know, who are poor or of the lower class who do deal with mental illnesses who have dropped out of college or even high school and i think it's a really amazing game in the sense that it talks about very normal everyday things that don't 
tend to get talked about often. Yeah, and it's very clear that the developers themselves have gone through a lot of these things because it's it's very much grounded in reality. Like all these things, you can definitely expect to happen in real life, even if the characters look this way. It's sort of the way for them to like draw you into it because uh, they're all like animals and lizards and things like that and then they, they draw you in and then they sort of like subvert your expectations of what you're going to deal with especially if you know any of you guys or any one of our listeners have ever gone through that where they've gone to like college and come back and see how things have changed if they were gone for like you know four years or so so it's it's pretty amazing the way they were able to sort of weave that stuff in while also telling another like sort of like a uh, paralogical side story stuff that's happening but at the same time um just being able to talk to all the townspeople and and from day to day sometimes their moods will change and sometimes their story will expand like there's like an arc for a lot of these characters that are in the town about what they're going through and even the dynamics between may and the rest of her family uh what they went through before she came back and and from then on it's like there's this very there's like the strain that's a lot of among a lot of the people there it's kind of fascinating yeah, and the writing is just stellar. Like it, oh, yeah. it's very effortlessly funny, <laughs> yeah. sad, uh, heartwarming, and sometimes it manages to do that all at the same time. And it does it in this way that feels so genuine and effortless. And I just like I love that game so much. Yeah, it's so uh, good. <laughs> definitely play it, people. Uh, yeah, and I thank you for explaining it. And just the just the mere mention of talking about like returning to your hometown like after years away or whatever like that alone is basically. That's an interesting topic. That's yes. something like that's something that's extremely relatable to a lot of people. Anyone who's moved away from home and realizing how things can like how things how almost how quickly things can change and things like that. Like so. it sounds obvious, but like life goes on. Everyone else has their own arcs, and just because you removed yourself from them doesn't mean they're you know it's not going to hold still for you. Oh, and and May's, May really does a number to her family from what from her decision to come back. It's it does it's it's fascinating to watch that stuff, like I mentioned. But also, as as Nelly said, it's like it's also a town that's not really growing. It's it's mm -hmm. kind of stuck. It's like it won't it doesn't really move forward at all. Um, things are closing down. It's like that moment uh, when they go to the mall and they see a lot of the different stores have shut down. It's like I know a mall like around where I used to live that is just like that. Like they're moving at the the malls aren't as popular as they used to be, so those stores are shutting down. They kind of talk about that. So yeah, it's coming to PS. I would vote. Uh, I would vote to cut out uh, .hack G less recode. It's true. Even as someone, even as someone who loves the series, reviewed it for the site. I'm very glad that you know it's still relevant this year. It's ultimately, you know, a compilation of the three volumes, all you know, all juiced uh, up. It has a you know a new volume that's like kind of like an epilogue, mm -hmm. almost that only lasts maybe three four hours at most. Yeah. Uh, that like you know it's a, it's a nice nod to it, but it's even back in the day, Dot Hack wasn't like the pinnacle of RPGs. No, it, G wasn't wasn't necessarily it, that great either. Yeah, before that was yeah, talked had, about online. Repetitive dungeon designs, um, the the battle system like is a step up from the original quadrilogy, but it's still you know very much kind of hacky slashy. You kind of do the same things once you get into the groove. Uh, it, th th there's a neat tail to it, but I don't think it's, it makes the top. 10. I will say, uh, people, I'm sorry, uh, just to briefly say is that I highly recommend checking out the CyberConnect Two Twitter account because they've been sharing all the changes they made, like the stuff that used to no longer be legible due to the limitations of the PS Tour, the PS Two. They were able to fix that all up, so it's a lot more visually presentable. But at the same yeah. time, it's mostly a remaster. So yeah, and I will say on the on the same topic, I think um, Final Fantasy Twelve Zodiac Age is is the definitive version of that game, and it's an excellent game. But again, oh, I would argue I, that. But <laughs> I don't think the four. I don't think. I don't think it goes through to the final ten. 
um, basically. I think we should present it to the games that really tried it, you know, really went there. On that on that same note, should we cut um, Stormblood as well? Because it's not really let, a new game, it's an expansion. Let me, let me I think only <laughs> Kazuma and I played this out of this group. And uh, yeah. I actually, like, I really do love Stormblood. And I, the entire, like, arc of this expansion is something, is like the liberation of Alamigo, which is something they set up, like, literally all the way back in, like, 1.0. So, like, mm-hmm. there's an enormous portion of the player base that, like, would have, including myself, would have never even experienced some of that storyline. So, it's, like, it was a huge deal. I really did have enjoyed the expansion, but I know I'm not going to go to war for it, especially when, yeah. I'm, I'm, they've, they've made a few mistakes, too, with the post-expansion uh, 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 stuff. Like, they released mm-hmm. the Trials of Bahamut, which is was really interesting to watch the... Basically, this is content that's so hard that only literally less than one percent of the player base to clear it it's only for the really 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 hardcore raiders um and it's really interesting to see what the 14 team design team can do with an encounter when they are totally you know when they're going all out but at the same time it's like you make you like i remember yoshi piece said that they were never going to make content like that again where they devote a whole bunch of time and resources to it but it only less than one percent of the player base can clear it um, and that's not that's that's not people being bad. It's actually legitimately like crazy hard. Um, yeah, it's like, very difficult. Yeah, it's like super, super, super. Like people, like the people that clear it literally, um, uh, people that clear it will literally like train for like ten plus hours a day to clear it um, for weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's um, I, I, I'm not gonna go to war for it or anything mm-hmm. just because it's yeah. There's we, we need. <laughs> Here's here's what I'd say uh, is uh, oh, this. Oh. Sorry, go go ahead. Oh, uh, I just wanted to talk about Sunbo too. Um, it, it, is is that okay or should we just move? No, on? yeah, go for it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV since like 1.0, and this was an expansion wow. I was really looking forward to. Not only because it would actually talk about Alamigo, but we would actually get to go to um, Kugane, and mm-hmm. I really love to connect with anything that's remotely like related to my culture because I don't live in Japan and I really like have like a really really bad diaspora so going and like having the opportunity to like see these things in game even in like fiction is very exciting and I feel like Stormblood um was really shallow in that regard and its story was really questionable it wasn't really anything particularly striking and I usually play a Final Fantasy game for its story um 14 i play for the gameplay and i am like a hardcore raider like i run savage content that's what i'm there for um and i feel like they didn't have enough post-game content just like they did didn't have the end of heaven's war to really pad that out for Mm. players in a way to make them keep playing like i have a house in 14 um i used to have a static i would raid every tuesday and thursday but now i've let my sub lapse for like two months because there's nothing to do <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. in itself like i'm i can't really like stand for this game because not even the gameplay or the glamours or the mounts or anything are keeping me attached to it in combination with its really lackluster story mm. like it's but, yeah but, but what about the mount with the the bear mount with the festive outfit on i use my free game time this month for that because that's cute <laughs> But like, other than that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's anything. CD's not willing to let this go. No, CD wants to know about the festival. That's awesome. Mm. <laughs> best mount is Kieran. Okay, like that's best mount. But 
<laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I'd say just remove it from the list. It's, I mean, uh, Kyle, you definitely enjoy 14 more than I do. Um, mm. And you like fighting for it. And I'm really lukewarm about the whole game, so. Mm. I don't know. I, don't, I really loved it, but at the same time, I just, like, you know, we have to move on at some point. We need to get to, like, the harder, just tougher discussions. So oh, I'm yeah, gonna... so, so. So if we're going to cut that, I think we should do a little bit of a recap. If that's there's the, well, there's no need because there's so little left. We may yeah. as well just put forward true now. Basically, we've got to cut one game. I still think it's, I still think it's anime, like anime. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I will say, <laughs> I, no, I actually will fight for Utoromano over Neo. I don't think, I think Neo. Yeah, I, 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 I would say cut Neo. No, I will actually say cut Neo as well. I am so upset about Neo. It's not even funny. They totally ruined that game for me. Okay, we cut uh, Destiny me... 2 because of them bungling it post-release, and I think we should do the same with Neo. Oh, okay, so explain, like, you've complained about Neo before on our podcast, and, like, yes. I just want to make sure I got this right. So, like, Neo is, like, an action RPG. I know people compare it to Souls, where you kind of have to have, you know... Really small management. Guidance. You have, to, you have to be patient. You have, you, there's various weapon types and different, yes. like, techniques and things people have. Souls game. But, like, the thing that you seem to complain about most is that, like, they take any sort of, like, working viable strategy and they seem to be, like, periodically and, like, like purposefully... Yeah, you talk about, like, endgame builds. Yeah, um, game Like, stuff. nerfing every time someone finds a viable, like, working, like, build yes. or whatever. They just... They just intentionally like nerf it for no reason or what so let me let me explain what the case is i mean i know kyle you've played it um as well but let me just quickly say at launch this game was well done i was surprised i was happy i enjoyed the game i beat it had a good time i decided to stick with it because i was having such a good time my review reflects as much about how well i a uh, good a time this was close to being a 10 out of 10 before we backed off a little bit in our discussion so let me just say so what you have here team ninja they're bad. They're idiots. I hate them so much. <laughs> so what they did was that uh, they took a look at on the on their forums and elsewhere, look at whatever the players were doing in order to stay to survive uh, all the ridiculously unbalanced enemies that were all given high damage and high defense. And instead of doing something about the enemies, they targeted the player base instead. It is so upsetting the way they did this. So instead of finding uh, those loopholes from the start, you know, the loopholes that players have had to find to try to figure out a way to survive on the higher difficulties and stopping them uh, before people got this deep into uh, the game experience. They're basically waiting until months after the fact from the original release to make those changes. So any loopholes or expectations, they close those up. So if you look at the patch notes that they've been putting out ever since, it always has a huge list of bugs and glitches that they have to fix. That's how unoptimized it is. We're talking from what, like, it came out, like, fabric in February, right? February. Ten months later. Uh -huh. They put out another patch recently, ruined it further. And so because the game is so loot-driven, it creates a scenario where you, the loot that you have is more important than the skill of the person. That's how bad it is. And I, 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 you didn't really, you don't really get this idea, like this feeling when you first play the game. Uh, like I said, if you beat this on the normal difficulty, none of this will really affect you. If you've been sticking by this game, what they've been doing is so shitty. Doing things like, okay, all right, uh, now that you were like high level, we're gonna say uh, we're gonna like 
put the level at 225, and anything above that, we're going to sort of adjust it so that you lose a bunch of levels anyway. Sorry, here's a Book of Reincarnation if you want to restat yourself. Here you guys, and they do that every single time. They give you that Book of Reincarnation, which is basically allowing you to change your, to like reset everything so you can re-put your stats. What they did um, shortly before the release of the Neo Complete Edition, the, the PC release and the updated PS4 release, the thing that people were relying on the most is what's called Critical uh, Living Weapon. Living Weapon is that little summon, the creature that you can have alongside you. Uh, and I, actually, Kite might know a lot about this too because he, he helped cover it. Uh, yeah. But So the Critical Living Weapon is basically like you were able to, there was a way for you to keep your Living Weapon alive as long as you were drawing uh, the experience from the enemies, the the uh, Amrita. And so you can keep her alive and you were dealing critical damage uh, every time you swiped with your weapon. Because uh, your, your weapon basically transformed into like the spiritual thing that was so much more powerful than it usually is. Uh, they decided to nerf that as well. That was the last draw. They, so any builds that people have been working on that they invested dozens of hours into, all for naught. They destroyed that game, and it pisses me off so much. Suck, suck, suck. Thank you yeah. for being so open in your therapy session. Yes. <laughs> I needed to blood it all out. I'm detecting a lot of anger. A lot of anger right now. <laughs> no, that reminds me of like Diablo Free. Every time when you find a decent yeah. build, you immediately patch, and you're like, "Okay, what do I do now?" And I had to look for new gear to adjust to my to the new build, and once that's viable, it's immediately nerfed again. You know, well, that's like... that's very much the Blizzard way of doing things. Is when the community complains, they concede. Overwatch is being okay, I guess, but at the same time, they're, they're still doing little, they're doing some weird things with that game. Too, uh, so. Oh, I'd say they fucked Overwatch pretty bad in some regards. <laughs> but... Some characters, I agree with that. Kazuma, though, you you were agreeing with me though on that some lesson. Um, or... Oh, absolutely, yeah, no. Uh, but conversely, I got Neo as a birthday present from my boyfriend. I oh we I think we beat it in like two days, and then I immediately sold it for fifty dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. um, because. There you go. Um, the game itself, like, it's very Souls-like, and I don't like saying that because, like, everyone's like, oh, it's, like, the Dark Souls of whatever, and that's just become, like, a way to describe a game, but no, it is very Souls-like, except for the fact that it has some of the most bullshit artificial difficulty I've ever, like, had in a game, and, like, I'm, I'm not awful at video games, I'm, like, whatever, like, my boyfriend's, like, 23, like, Souls Gwyn, New Game Plus Plus 7 or whatever on Bloodborne, and he, like, did some of this too, like, this game. But there was this one fight. It's a fight in the castle against the female ninja. Oh, that I think yeah. That took me five hours because I decided to go with a pole arm in dual katana. And the game really wants you to stick to certain builds, even in its, like, most basic version. If you don't do this and don't use a specific living weapon to mitigate damage or have certain gear that you have to grind out... Uh, and it's all random drops, then uh, you're really fucked for some boss fights, to put it that way. And I don't mind, like, unfairness, but that was just that was just too much. Uh, coupled with, like, it's really bizarre, weird storytelling, which I can kind of give a pass because it's Japanese developers, but I was also really, really angry when I got to the end. <laughs> I have, like... I, I know the, uh, intensely unfitting credits music. Oh my I... god, yeah, that's so bad! I mean, come on, Castlevania, it's simply the night. Kyle knows, that's all right. (laughs) That can be all right sometimes. I'll just briefly say is that, you know, yeah, it's artificial because um, even by the third expansion pack they put out, you were still facing the first boss of the game. They kept putting them in there. It was annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, so in my opinion, like, I I wouldn't have Neo in there just because of my experience with, like, the base game and how, like, artificial the difficulty is and how little, 
story content there actually is for it to be, um, uh, I guess, fall under this kind of category because the items you get in the game, it's not like you in Dark Souls or Bloodborne or any other title similar where you'll find an item and you'll go and read about it and it'll tell you more about the world itself. There's none of that world building in this game. You have cutscenes, you get a little bit of like the uh, illustrated backgrounds and motion graphics for the living weapons, but the game narrative is all in all pretty vague. So yeah. there isn't much to work off of in general. Um, so it, it lacks in that regard. And if the gameplay can't really like speak for itself, if they've nerfed it as bad as like Zach has said, then it's no. Like I, I don't know. It's not really, really deserving time. I really enjoyed Neo when I played it enough to get the platinum trophy, but I definitely feel like even discounting all those post-launch problems, there just was too much repeating content in the base game. That yes, it, yeah. I mean, I, I will also say that you know, it's a even with all that said and all my frustrations, it's that they could really fix it in Neo 2 if they just learned their lesson. I mean, obviously it was the first attempt at doing something like this, but boy, the problem with uh, is that when you in Souls, of course, like Casmo's kind of saying, is that uh, everything is kind of placed uh, deliberately. I mean, Kyle knows this. It's like you know, you go to that spot to find a certain weapon, and that's going to help you in this certain regard. And and Neo, of course, being so loot driven. Uh, they don't really have that. It's just like, okay, you just happen to find this thing and I can add it to your person. But um, I think if they got rid of the loot, uh, the loot aspect of it, and, and got rid of that, I think that would help a lot. I think that might solve a lot of the problems. Because that's oh, what absolutely. creates a lot of the imbalance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Neo is a is a fantastic foundation of of like that. Neo is a good is a good like kind of example. Of like okay, this is kind of like how you bring back like this dead project that's like this was literally like the first project announced for the PS3, uh, and kind of like taking inspiration from Souls and kind of making doing your own thing with it. But obviously, like you know, all your arguments like you know are damn well convincing of why this shouldn't be in the top ten, top fifteen, maybe. But I don't want to celebrate like, this game, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> it's it's a but it's it, it's a nice first shot at at it, and hopefully in Neo two they'll have learned lessons. Uh, I I just like to add about the story of Neo. Uh, well, I find it uh inter uh, well, I find the pacing good in the uh lot. In the launch story, uh, when they go to the DLC stories, I feel like uh, the pacing becomes a bit off. I mean, uh, for one DLC pack, uh, I'd expect at least about five chapters or what, but they only have like two or three chapters, so I felt it's a bit lacking. So I felt a bit disappointed in the post-launch story. Yeah, like even like the expansion packs that came out, it, they weren't that amazing, you know, because you mostly had like one or two. I mean, the, the last one had like three story missions, but like in the first one, it was like a main one and one was like a boss fight. You're like, okay. And then the side quests were like, face the first boss of the game again. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> so it's also, it's also like, you know, it's also cool that like this is one of those few games that like has like the PlayStation Pro support of like, uh, oh, do you value resolution? Do you value frame rate? Giving you those options, and uh, as well as you know, before its release, holding those like you know those alpha and beta tests, like kind of getting feedback. Like, oh, what nice. do you think about that this? Nice. Yeah, that was that was a cool thing about yeah, it. Yeah, if, if I mean, I, I'm totally perfectly fine with that, and I think that really helped it have a good launch. It's that yeah. everything from then that point on hurt it so much. Seems but there's not really a game that Team Ninja's done like this, so I agree. I understand that. Yeah. So okay, well we got our ten. With that being said, so uh, uh, let me just say before we get into this is that despite the fact that we have this top 10, chances are this won't happen. But if there's any games that you still feel strongly about that we put in the long list, uh, we can still debate about it. But 
here's what we got the top 10 in no order at this point. We've got Persona 5, Nier Automata, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Divinity Original Sin 2, Yakuza 0, The Legend of Heroes Charles in the Sky the Third, Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valentia, Horizon Zero Dawn, Utuwa Romano Mask of Truth, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I'm just so, happy Horizon made it. Like I'm yeah. glad because I thought that might be a struggle to get it in and in so, the end. I, I voted I for Fire Emblem Echoes and I really liked Fire Emblem Echoes, but I I I'm surprised it actually is like even in our top ten. I kind of consider. <laughs> I thought I, I kind of think... thought like I was maybe like alone and like I like and how much. No, I really like. I we really got Apocalypse it. to win last year, so you know like, anything can happen. <laughs> so. I I think it's the best entry of the recent Fire Emblem games. A lot of them have some. Kind of fundamental flaw, and this one kind of sticks to its roots and delivered I mean, on. I, I have issues with it, but but like I, I really I still really liked it, and it's probably gonna be in my personal like top five or top three even. But I just kind of surprised like no one I'm wanted to kick it out right away. I'm surprised he didn't nominate Etrian Odyssey five. Oh, Etrian Odyssey five is that is that worth? I, it? I have enough of drawing maps. I bet Adam he covered it for the site. I don't think, I think looking at our top 10 right now, like, I like Etrian Odyssey 5. I think it's a good game. If you like that type of, like, dungeon crawler, Etrian Odyssey 5 is basically, like, exactly what you want and exactly what you expect. But looking at the top 10 that we have right now, I can't really think it would fit in more. Like, I would have to knock something out. I don't think I can knock any of these out. I mean, maybe even anime. Anime, anime, I might. Okay, I will say this. (laughs) Okay, if you really want to be, if you want, want me to be very blunt about this, People seem to have like this real emotional attachment to Nier Automata. I didn't really feel that, and I beat that game the other day. Utuwa Romano Masquerade. I was devastated in playing. <laughs> so I'll be. I'll say it. I'll say it. Nier Automata. Uh, uh, let me also mention. Nine S got kind of tired of him. I think he really hammed it up, and I got kind of tired of the way like he was character. He's like evil maniacal laugh and all this stuff. I was getting kind of tired of that character, and when well, they I I, I, between I, I, I strongly H2, disagree. Oh, I wish Same. you the best of luck with this argument. I honestly do. <laughs> it's, um, it's a death sentence, Zach. That's fine. I did not like 9S as a character. Okay, okay. No, I so, I mean, I, 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 as one of the first <laughs> people who kind of went, went into this, I reviewed it for the site. I didn't know. I played the original Nier. I played the other, you know, Dragon Guard games. So I've been, you know, I know oh, you. I'm sorry Taro. about Dragon Guard. So, yeah, I know. It's. Uh, same here. Um, so, I went into Nier Automata, you know, without any expectations. I got to play, you know, this game. Pretty blind, you know, I didn't have anyone say anything about me. Obviously, I was playing the Japanese release because uh, that had, like, the English uh, language on it and English uh, text. Sure. Uh, so I went I went into this game, like, knowing, okay, like, this will definitely be probably one of, like, the Yoko Taro style of, like, it'll probably have, like, a decent story, like, interesting characters uh, have, like, a deeper message behind it. And hopefully, you know, the inclusion of Platinum Games be more serviceable, like, to play. Uh, but... I, I think Neurotomata's like greatest strength for me, uh, just going into it like completely not doing anything, is it's uh it's a narrative that you can really only be told through a video game. If you got like a movie, <laughs> film or novel adaptation of this, it wouldn't uh hit the same way that Absolutely. you know it is presented as a video game. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of really neat tricks, especially with, like, you know, the rec- even recording like your option settings. Like, why is there like a recording button over this like when I'm doing my options, like what the fuck? And then you go to Route B, and then you're taking it from 9S's perspective. It's like, oh, oh, shit. I definitely l- lingered on this menu for, like, fucking forever, <laughs> uh, tinkering with that, because seeing what, like, you know, what little dialogue they would have for each setting. Um, 
up to like you know the the way they do inter- integrate soundtrack into the eight bit hacking things and uh, the transitions to that and so many other things about this game. It's definitely one of the landmark titles that really shows uh, like the, the strength of the video game medium that a lot of games would like would like to strive for, but Nier Automata that really perfectly nails yeah. it's a uh, it's not it's not it's not a perfect game by anything by any means you know i think route b could have presented, oh, could have been presented yeah, a lot more elegantly through, yeah yeah you know uh definitely with nine s's uh like one of the most of the revelations early revelations are in route b but it could have definitely been presented a lot more elegantly uh it, it was definitely taking on that near style of like oh you have to go redo this whole like th- this part of the game again <laughs> yeah. but you know but it's, but you know the original near did that too yeah i know that yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh but then you get to route c and like uh i had no idea that route c would be all new content it would be a continuation i thought it'd just be uh end with uh you know the after beating up adam and eve and after the boss fight uh, so it's going to route c and the way to present that saying oh here's exactly what happens after it the ramifications of what you did the 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 presentation of like how the each, each of the credits are uh presented to you <laughs> during like the devastation of your home base and then finally getting to like the the title of near automata again in route c it's like it's one of those magical moments it's like wow that's that's very bold of you to like lock this out after uh, asking the the player to complete this game like Two, two times already and having and having the like, you know, little uh gamey things about it like in the pr message after your first uh, playthrough of, like saying hey from the square enix pr team look i know you just beat the game but there's more to so, come so, like so, new stuff here's my one sorry okay sorry go ahead go for it um not gonna mention who but um i also played the japanese release and it turned out that the japanese release had come out before i believe uh review copies had been sent out yeah. So there's mm-hmm. somebody that I'm mutuals with on Twitter who writes for one of the bigger sites, and he was actually asking me because he was originally going to write his review after re- finishing Route B and not even touching Route C. I had to convince him to finish Route C and actually see ending E, and he said he was going to give it like an eight, and then he ended up giving it a nine. And this so is this one is, of the bigger sites. So this is the thing. I think if there's one criticism I have of that game, it's that that PR message is awful. Because it yeah. doesn't really convey to you what you need to know, which is what mm-hmm. what it says is, oh, please play the game again and there'll be some different content. What the message yeah. should actually say is, you please didn't play the game, the game again I, if you haven't completed it yet. My thing, yeah. I, think, I, think it's, I think it's a big sticking point, and I think, you know what would totally alleviate this whole thing? Because so many people get caught up on the endings. They should have just called them chapters. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you finish chapter one, you finish chapter two. Because pe- yeah, I've seen people. It's like, oh, I finished, uh, a, I got ending A, and then I quit. That's like, what did you even play this game for? Well, uh, yeah, like it'd be chapters at the same time. Yeah. You'd be like, well, what? Well, they would start the new chapter saying like, four weeks earlier. Like that's but that's the only no, way I can see the deal. No, but the thing is, like, yeah, but that that a story doesn't have to be completely linear like that. Um, like play out li- exactly in a format like that the thing is that it, it literally is that if they called it something else people wouldn't stop as much i do i do agree like i don't really get why like ending a slash ending b like why is it even like called an ending like it's, it's, one, it's one of those things it's like it's 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 one of those yoko taro things right he, it, it, it's, it's one of those bad things like to say it's a yoko taro he, thing but that's what he does with the video game medium he subverts your expectations he, using terminology that like what what would be a you know normal comment, connotation behind it he kind of flips it on its head but for the for the better and for the worse i, I just straight like, 
like yes, it subverts expectations because they call it an ending when it's not an ending. But I'm, I guess I don't really know like what is the actual like value. He or said what's he the said, reasoning for calling it an ending. Uh, so he said it's if people want to stop, they can. Like that he thinks that there's a like a relationship with the game and the player that the the more they play, the more they're going to get out of it. Like from what I understand, that's why he still calls them endings. Yeah, it's a lot about the experience. But honestly, like, um, I want to bring this up. I actually want to know what Natalie thinks about this because I remember Natalie, you were like really, really about this game, mm-hmm. and this was like your thing. So like, I actually really want to hear like all you have to say about Nier. Oh my God, I have so much to say. So yes, please, it's like, please. Plenty so hours it's later. Disorganized oh my in my out. head, but I am absolutely behind everything that Josh said. I feel like it's. It reminds me a lot of games like um, the Zero Escape series, in which it really takes advantage of the medium. And I'm a sucker for games like that that really utilize the medium in order to craft its story. Because I don't think Near Automata would work if it wasn't a video game. Um, you can't just translate it. Like and the way that it tells its story exactly to like a book or a movie, it really uses the medium to its advantage. Um, I mean, I have so much to say. <laughs> I was just Go planning ahead. on kind of like going, like jumping in when going over different aspects of the game. Um, I mean, needless to say, tell, tell, like... tell us your favorite favorite part of Neurotomata besides everything. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, I, I have something I want to say. If maybe you wanna, if I can like start saying something, and maybe I'll trigger something you can jump in on. So I mentioned this in an, in an earlier podcast, and overall, I'll just kind of a condensed version of it. I liked Nier Automata more than the original Nier in terms of its storyline and characters. I felt the original Nier, and I, I still think the original Nier is a good game, but I didn't like really, really love it like a lot of people or I guess the cult following that maybe loves it. But I felt like it was a little bit too in your face. It was almost a little bit melodramatic, I felt, where it was just kind of like, like the game was almost like telling me, feel sad now. And it was just like, it was a little bit like I was being hit in the face with a hammer. Like, why is this being so so upfront with everything? And I think Nier Automata subdued it and toned it down a bit. And I felt like it wasn't... I was actually very surprised at how how lean the game is. There's not that many cutscenes. There's really not a whole lot of like dialogue, and even the most a lot of the dialogue is like delivered like during the game and while you're playing the game. And it, I felt like I really appreciated that. When I beat Near Automata, I was doing some reading, and I saw that Yokotaro described it this way. The original Near, he described it as like emotionally wet where like the emotions that the characters portray and the the the, the way that the storyline is given is that it's very very wet in terms of how it basically is portrayed from game to the player I guess but he called Nier Automata to be drier and I like if I were to read that before playing the game I'd be like this is bullshit that doesn't mean anything what wet dry what the heck does that mean but I kind of understand what he's going for now I think whereas like the way that Nier Automata like is presenting different ideas in terms of character motivations, what each character is looking for and things like that. It doesn't beat you over the head with it. I kind of feel like it treats the player with a little bit of respect in terms of like, oh, so that is why he is acting in this way or they are acting in this way and doing these things. And I kind of feel like I appreciated that level of the game is not treating me like an idiot. And um, let me just bounce off of that to say, 
um, a lot of video game stories I feel are uninteresting because it's it's usually you usually have some sort of villain character doing something stupid or pigheaded and <laughs> causing a conflict, and then the characters have the protagonists necessarily have to kind of overcome it and things like that. Nier Automata is different. There really isn't like a villain in a sense, and the conflict that the characters have to basically overcome it's a different sort of conflict, and I kind of feel like it was it's not something you see all the time, and it's something that. It, it certainly made the game way more interesting. Like the thing that the characters are struggling with is actually a lot more tangible and believable yeah. than some yeah. stupid I, villain being really yeah. stupid in a lot of other games, you know? I, so. I, I like that. I like the, the struggle's already over for them. It's like, how do you live after the struggle? Yeah. Is that, there, there is a subtlety of writing in that game that is just not in video games almost ever. Um, like there's there's one little it's so hard to talk about this game and not spoil anything but uh everyone that's played it and if you played it you know what i'm going to talk about what i'm alluding to so there's a moment early in the game right near the start and or not near the start it's like halfway into the game uh, or halfway into the first uh route and um uh 9s says to 2b that you know my friends call me nines and he's like trying to get her to do it and he's trying to like inch her towards and she's like oh 9s works fine and then later in the a little short while later, she calls him nines and he's like, Wait, wait, what? Did you call me nines? And he gets all excited and he's like, Oh, and and when you when you when you first play in the game, you're like, This is like some like corny, like, oh, she's warming up to him kind yeah. of thing. Like that like it kind of plays on your expectation that that's what that's what you think is happening. And then you find out later the real reason why she called him nines at that moment. Um, and I'll, again, I'm not going to get too into it, but it was, it sure. just, a, yeah, the way she, that it she, she, yeah, she let her guard down basically. Um, uh, because yeah, I can't talk about it without spoiling it because <laughs> I refuse to spoil that moment in particular, but yeah, that, like, that's the, like the one thing, like when I realized that plot point that you're discussing right now, like that point, like that, that that's like when like a lot of things in the game, like you're you're almost like your lens realigned. Like, oh, you're, oh wow, that's what's happening. And like, so I totally understand why you don't want to spoil it. Yeah, it's a huge so, moment. And that that you know, it's like, uh, I mean, I God, I remember like one one time I described playing that game as like listening to like a Tool album when you're really high. Um, <laughs> and I still okay. stand by that. Yeah. It um, makes replaying it go. worthwhile because you get to see how everything has now been recontextualized as a result of finding out the truth about everything. Yes. So and it makes replaying it not a chore in any way. Like I, I, it took me a while because I was so emotionally destroyed after the ending. But eventually, I did play it again pretty soon after, and it was so nice to go back and see like, oh, that's why she does this, or that's why that's happening right now. And I think the way that it recontextualizes its events mm -hmm. is really yeah. effective. And going back to the whole point of it not having a central villain, I think works so well in terms of the themes it tackles on, specifically what it means to be human, because it doesn't just go into why how, or like how can machines be human. It's more about what makes a human human. And I think mm. it really fits well with how the theme, the, the game, like, it tackles on the theme of we are kind of like we we're responsible for creating a lot of things on our own. Like we're at least 9S and the Yorha squad overall, they're responsible for 
the machine war you know they play a part in creating their own enemies i i think a lot of 9s's character is really about how he contributes to the marginalization of machines and how they are oppressed and how you know it's not just us versus them but it's it's you creating your own sort of enemies it's you creating the them and kind of like figuring out how you're accountable for those things and how we can sort of try to be better as human beings by not just seeing the world as you know us versus them or staying willfully ignorant but in choosing to be better sort of like a2 does i think she she goes into the world thinking a certain way very similar to 9s but she decides to go out of those you know ignorant ideals yeah i feel Mm -hmm. like it's important to mention that a lot of a2's character when you first meet her in the game has already been set because Technically, Neurotomda is a sequel to the stage play that uh, Yoko yeah. Taro did. <laughs> and Fair A2 enough. was the uh, protagonist of that stage play. So a lot of your character you're seeing in the game actually stems from the realizations that she found at the end of the stage play, which is basically you already know about, if you've known about the stage play, you already knew about the twist for Neurotomda. <laughs> well, even then, it's like, uh, what were we talking about, Natalie was talking about, it's like for A2, it's that like, Oh, now we've got to second guess what the people back at the bunker are really doing because suddenly it seems like I can't really trust them because, like the, fir- the one of the first things A2 says is that you know uh, they might not be telling you the truth about what's really going on. I, I want to but- bounce off the A2 thing real quick. Sorry, uh, there like there's actually like in the in the game itself, not the stage play, but um there's a terminal that you can do some side quest or some mini quest to like open up and actually start, like read basically her past. And I think it's like totally optional. So I yes. could totally like, um, and her, basically her relationship with the actual like uh, resistance uh, leader and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like it's like, there's, there's a lot of like background and story there that I think you could, some people might totally miss. I mean, at the, and, and it's yeah. also, I'm sorry, just to briefly, uh, yeah, go no, for you it. go ahead. You haven't talked yet. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm just saying. I, I'm. I'm glad that like you know we got, we came together to like talk about this because let me tell you how hard it was to like review this without t- say, saying anything <laughs> about it. So I had to like go to justify to Alex like, hey, why are you getting giving this a perfect score? It's like, well, uh, it's good, but it's a like, good game. This Tom. is why. It's like it's like but why? It's like uh, it's, how uh, do I say I, that? I definitely. It's just kind of some touching on uh, what Natalie was talking about. Uh, there's like this whole theme in this game about like the kind of like the children inheriting not literally children but like the another generation inheriting like the like old prejudices of like the um, prior generations and how you can like graft these like prejudices against you know a people onto your children and see how that kind of destroys them and to the point where like they don't even know why they're fighting or why they hate these people or whatever. Yeah. I'm being really vague again. No, oh, it's like uh, it's like one thing you can mention is like you know Pascal and his village. You know, like the, it, nothing really changes that much with Ninus's uh, feelings on the matter or to Beast for that matter until they come across Pascal's village and the way his uh, village is com- the way that they're presenting it. It's like you know they don't want to fight anymore. They're tired of seeing their kind being destroyed and so they want to change things. It's a very like uh, Natalie was talking about a humanistic approach to something you. <laughs> don't really think about because they've got oh, like feelings in that way one of the one... I, I really want to talk about something right now um kind of ba- um springboarding off of the talk about pascal's village and what kyle was talking about with um teaching the younger generation about something without really giving context to i feel like a really good portion of the game that kind of sells that is what happens with the kids that were taught fear 
Yeah. Yeah, that's boy. I mean, we don't. I don't want to spoil that either. But boy, that is that is that's very hard. stressful. Kind of like, <laughs> you know, traumatizing. Because yeah. they were taught here, but they weren't told how to deal with it or what the importance of understanding fear itself. It's just accepting it. it. Yeah. That's... So I, I I remember one of the earlier discussions I had with Alex when I was uh, reviewing the game was like you know he was giving me like you know these these counterpoints of like how do you defend this like for example like the like the drab and like lifeless open world and like how what like you know, the washed out uh, atmosphere it has and I was telling him it actually adds to the game a lot because this is a story that you know is post post apocalyptic and you know not it's it's not a it's not a happy game by any means they they kind of frame it in a way that's like. How do you continue to live on when, like, your only purpose is this? You've been programmed to do this, and it, and just uh, combine that, like, with you know, the overworld themes, the soundtrack, which is obviously one of like the, the greatest uh, this year. Um, that I really, really came away from it. I I thought I was like kind of question. It was questionable at first, but after like you know, ten, like maybe ten hours or so, it like it like clicked with me of like, oh, this is why they decided to uh, decided to have this washed out look, and why they decided. You know that it's really clearly going for this kind of drab tone, but it's supposed to be in like this kind of hopeless kind of kind of manner. And then we start exploring the world and saying like these different aspects, like every locale in that game, uh, kind of builds upon uh, foundations of humanity of like how we decide to structure our uh, uh, like what makes us human, our humanity, how we decide to contextualize things to bring order. Like, for example, when you go to the Forest Kingdom and how the, it's a very uh, monarchy structure, but what, what are they protecting? Oh, they're protecting like this little, like their king is just barely, not even uh, like an infant yet, you know? And uh, when you and you uh, go to this uh, Pascal's village and uh, what kind of structure they have, it's, it's, a, it's such a, a very strong, fascinating game that like it's able to kind of neatly wrap up these very, very, you know, deep concepts that we can all relate to, that we can all observe, but it kind of presents them nonchalantly, like, oh, that's why it's uh, crafted like this. It's, ugh. So yeah. it sounds Absolutely. like... Powerful. Powerful. Sounds like Nier Automata is on our short list, so yeah, I think I, that... I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure Nier Automata is top five, and we're going to be arguing for it later as well. Yeah, so. let's, uh, let's go ahead and... Like, I, yeah. Let me just say one more thing. I do think <laughs> it's great. We'll be talking more about. I, this I do later, think it's yeah. great that this game, like, you do not have to have played the original Nier at all. No, I didn't play, play the original Nier. It's said like a yeah. thousand years later, yeah. so you don't. But but I do think it's actually kind of interesting if you have played the original Nier, and that when you start playing Atomata, I actually saw someone mention this on Twitter. So this is not a fully original idea, but it's a good idea or it's a good thought. Is that like if you have played the original Nier and then you start playing Atomata, like the mystery element of everything kind of is amplified. Like what the heck happened? Oh yeah, I I I played Nier yeah. all all of its endings. So like I came into that with the, with that lens going to send. I 100% agree. It's like, what the fuck is oh, going yeah. on? Oh. <laughs> it was even it was even stronger for me because I actually finished up near like halfway through January, and then near Atomna came out like a month later. Oh shit! So it's yeah. like back to back. I will say at least it is touched upon. If you have played it, it makes a bigger impact if you know about the story between Devola and Popola. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yes. The Devola and is... Popola thing, like I will admit, that actually made me cry. Like, it was, it was really sad. Yeah. You know? like, like, I, I, I actually like even though i thought this game was really nifty and i liked it a lot there was like no moment like in the actual like with the main cast of characters that like really made me tear up but that devil of hopo like side story thing like that really got to me 
Well, like in the first yeah. near, like the biggest yeah. moment of the first, one of the biggest moments in the first near was that text area. You know, when you're just reading text from that yeah. village over and over. The text adventure. That's what they do in this game too with that moment, and it's just as powerful. You know, and it kind of reminds me of like, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's many, many other examples, but it kind of reminds me of like the Lost Odyssey dreams. You know, just a little bit. The, yeah. You the music, yeah, the text, you have yeah. some background art that you know doesn't show too much, but just kind of sets the mood, and it just you know it gets you. Well, we'll be talking more about Nier Automata when we are arguing it, but it sounds like, yes, it's moved from our top 10 to our final five. And so let's I talk just about... want to let everyone know that I am like, while while this podcast is going on, I'm making sure my Steam version's up to date and I want to get back to it like as soon as this is over. <laughs> hey. Oh, boy, yeah. There we go. I'm you haven't beaten it yet, so, you know, it's... Uh... In, 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 okay, so Nier's in. I think in real terms, uh, and we can go over them all one by one, but I, I in my opinion... I think the, the the top four of that original Final Ten is probably four of the five. I I think so too. Yeah, Persona Five, but, Legend of Zelda, and Divinity, which so, I assume to you were talking about. Just to be clear. Yeah. So let's go. Well, we could those. talk about. I think we could talk about Zelda and Divinity. Yeah, we haven't or, talked about any of those games or yet. Persona. We haven't, we haven't talked about Persona. Yeah, I I think the safest one to put on that Final Five that we can talk about right now is Zelda, Zelda. because I think that's oh easily my Final God, Five. Zelda's and, so good. Zelda is just a fucking. La- un- un- fucking phenomenon like oh, landmark so title in this year there's, there's the... really not much to say about it really is exactly it, it, it speaks for Just itself the same okay, so what do you guys how do you guys respond to when you see criticism where they say zelda's world is big open and empty like that's, a, that's they're a fucking stupid is yeah, that they are. <laughs> like <laughs> the the only here's here's i think that the the game is just like i'm i'm only just started playing it but i think my thoughts are some of the the praise this game got, um, like I, I thought it was like actually like like people are like oh it's revolutionary it's there it does so many new things I think the truth to Breath of the Wild is it does does ton, tons of tiny little things that are really good um, like like it's so much better to go to the top of a tower and like because like all the open world game tropes are here as far as I'm concerned I think they are maybe you all don't agree but it's there's a tower only this time. You don't just clutter a bunch of shit on a map by going to the top of the tower. You go to the tower, and you look around, and you find stuff. That's so much better. Like, I remember at one point, I I went to the top of the tower, and I saw something in the distance on top of a mountain. And I'm like, what is that? It looked like a big, like, Zerg mucus thing. And I'm like, I am (laughs) going to go see what that is. What is that? I'm going to go see what that is. And it took me, like, 45 minutes to fly to where, you know, fly and climb and get to it. And (laughs) then, and then, and then, it was a long ways away. And then when I realized, oh, fuck, it's a huge dragon that's, like, like just sitting there and oh, i'm like that's so about. much better than if because if that was a if this was like fucking assassin's creed who gives a fuck um it would <laughs> it would be he, he would be like a cut scene of a big dragon flying around and he would be an icon on the map of where all the other dragons are and finding stuff that's what's so good about that game. As it's a just... side note, it's interesting that Assassin's Creed wasn't even on our long list. No. I mean, uh, <laughs> is it though? Is it really? <laughs> I, mean, I, I would say, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think your feelings. But are but that that together. that's that's what I think is the kind of like the quote unquote the magic of that game is just and... little things like you get to actually like explore. Because like I was thinking like the only maybe the only thing about the world that I I kind of have seen this argument is. 
and god i hope i hope no one kills me over this but like i really don't think the story in zelda is anything interesting at all like it's oh, very it's it's, the weakest part it's, it's, it's it's very clearly like they made a game and they put a story around it which oh, is yeah, like yes. happens which is going to happen a, a lot in Nintendo games. But but, Adam and I were talking but, but about the this. reason I brought up the story is because I know some people like like something I love in like The Witcher 3 is like going into a village and like learning its whole history and talking to an NPC and everyone is so awesome to talk to. And now, you know, there's games like Skyrim even that like they have that aspect. But when you play Breath of the Wild, that's like maybe the one weak point in the world is like no one's really that interesting to talk to. Um oh, in my opinion. Okay. Well, actually, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, can I actually talk about how people complain about like the emptiness and like the vacant aspect of the world and how that actually contributes to the storyline? Yeah. Go uh, so mm -hmm. when people talk about this game being empty and it kind of being like a negative aspect of the game, um, I don't think they're really thinking about like the narrative of this game like as a whole and all of the events that have like culminated to this and how this mm -hmm. sort of like endless expanse that's no longer populated really plays into the narrative or the thematics of the game itself so mm -hmm. i really wouldn't say that's like a, a negative aspect because you have to like go through the ruins of this like forgotten kingdom and everything after this huge cataclysmic event basically happened um and i feel like it really adds to the sense of exploration kyle was talking about because you have this expanse and you don't really know anything or have a good understanding of what's going on and as a result, it allows for the player to create their own unique and individual experience and to um, have their own uh, style of storytelling kind of uh, help them expand on this. If if you uh, know what I mean or understand, sorry if it's not too coherent. It's, I, I think you're talking about that. Can I bounce off of that? Mm -hmm. so, of course. So, like, the storyline stuff, like, it is pretty lean in that there's not a lot of it, and it's not, like, okay. it's not, a, like, especially, like, I don't know, like, on its own, like, really well-written or compelling or anything, but oh, I, I, I do think... No, I don't really mean that as a negative, though. It's hard to explain. <laughs> oh, man, I love but it I, way more than mostly people here, apparently. <clears throat> anyway. But, like, one thing I really do appreciate about, like, the storyline and how it's integrated into, like, the game world is that you can... It basically opens up to you as you explore, so kind of bouncing off what Kyle and, I guess, what Cosimo was saying. And it's just, like... I like how you can kind of like, there's like four different branches of the storyline, one for each of the champions that you can do. And they kind of like just open up as you like explore and meet these people and do these areas. It actually reminded me a little bit, uh, just a little bit of like Legend of Mana and how it has like three interconnected oh. storylines. Sure. Um, it's it's a totally different type of game otherwise, but I, I, I kind of appreciated how, like compared that to a lot of open world games, like heck, Horizon Zero Dawn where you have like a main storyline and then you kind of like intentionally explore off the path to do like side quest stuff. And it's basically like you're consciously making that decision. I'm going to do the main storyline or I'm going to do side quests. And, um, and what's astonishing is how you can just discover this stuff and it can be enormous. Yeah. I think the big yeah. one that a lot of people discover after time is uh, the whole town that you can set up. Okay. Yes, you can build your own town, that's right. Or help to build it, anyway. Like, And I probably found that after 100 hours, and I was like, what the fuck? I didn't know about it until I came across it. <laughs> the, only, the, the only nitpick I have on that is that I spent a lot of time chopping wood for that 
damn carpenter. <laughs> I just ran around wow. circles in the place and just chopping the trees in there. I was like, am I destroying the town I'm trying to build? It's kind of weird, but you know. But yeah, uh, Adam, Adam and I were discussing when you were talking about this, you know, shortly after release, is the it kind of flips the whole open world checkmark thing on its head because you have no check marks. You can do whatever the fuck you want. It, get, it, it definitely, like you guys were mentioning, like the tower thing, but it really encourages you to just explore at your own terms it's not telling you hey go here like you know you can go here if you're like you want to advance the plot if you want to get like a new power from the one of the uh four, four main locales that you can get it uh get it at but it's, the, it's one of those things it's, it's so very free you just feel like you can go like anywhere you want without any boundaries anything like the the only thing that'll, that'll limit you is like say if it's a temperature or something but you can easily you know fix that up if you get like the proper equipment or if you can't go here because you don't have enough stamina you can always go find a shrine yeah. it just, it, it's it's so just like it's so hands-off and that's what i love it because it's so hands-off well, that like it's not giving me any tying to home. that is like tying together what josh is saying what kyle said earlier um you don't have a map with a bunch of check marks on it but you're given those five beacons and you're given those stickers so you go to a tower and you're saying oh i want to explore that i'll put a red beacon on it i want to see that i'll put blue yeah, it's, it's all up to you, like the little stickers thing. Well, you'll meet the like, Linnell, yeah, and you'll be like, okay, well, Linnells carry, you know, materials and weapons, so I'm going to put a, a skull on the map here because the Linnells are dangerous. Uh, <laughs> then, I, I, I will then say that. You find someplace else where you're like, oh, this fish, I like to cook five of these together because they increase my strength, so I'm going to put a, another sticker here where I can find a bunch of these. And you're like, it's instead of giving you, like, a checklist of this is where this is, this is where that is, collect 10 out of them, Click twenty of them. It gives you a tool set to mark what what is interesting to you. It's 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 such a dumb little twist, but I think it works really well. Like by the end of it, I was bumping up against the sticker cap because I, I was marking like enemies, where the dragons are, materials, you know. And it, it's it's such a neat. They don't talk. Well, and, and and so I will say at least that like we're talking about Legend of Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn. I will say with Horizon Zero Dawn, I did appreciate the fact that because I went from Zelda to that game. I didn't have to deal with the stamina. I didn't have to deal with the bullshit. Like, when it's raining, I can't climb anything. I hate that so much. <laughs> Having to sit around and wait because you're like, I got to climb this, but I can't get up it. And there's certain shrines that you need to have the ability to climb to do anything. So, uh, obviously, they can really fix that if they decide to expand on it in a sequel. But, like, those are, like, the two big shortcomings. But otherwise, on, next on... An adventure, like I said, I like that story. A lot better than I think some people are kind of giving the credit because uh, I like I thought that it was a very mature storyline and like even if it looks the way it does with the cell shooting style it's kind of like the Wind Waker argument right um, the fact that there's people actually dying in that game you know like there's like these really uh, tragic moments that are occurring that you wouldn't really expect that like you'll never see something like that in like a Mario game you know and and Zelda they can do that stuff and that's why so many people are in love with the series is that they're willing to go places that a lot of the other mascot characters don't necessarily go to so I I think I will say I find it kind of ironic that you're complaining about um, the inability to climb in Zelda comparing it to Horizon Zero Dawn where that was probably one of my biggest complaints with Horizon yeah I was jumping up the environments I had no trouble because I was jumping around the mountains yeah but but it just looked so stupid Uh, but uh, I want to hear CD though you you were talking for a moment there Uh, I was just saying in terms of story I guess one of my criticisms of it is that you can actually go through the whole game and not actually find all the memories to actually see the story um but then i guess the main um you know being kind of plopped in hyrule waking up and all that kind of stuff is the fact that in terms of the series um and i guess 
the original concept for it was that you're just being I felt like it fulfilled kind of what Miyamoto wanted to do when he first started the series in the sense that it's your own story Link being the name of you linking to the player in that sense um, and I think you know kind of how Josh was talking about Nero or someone said earlier one of the benefits of being able to review the game before it releases is that as soon as it came out like everywhere on Twitter websites everything was like really spoiling a lot of the surprise and the sense of discovery was really um, I think Come what on. impacted a lot of critics because it was like you know everything you were doing in that game um, was a surprise um, yeah, this was before the praise, before, you know, like, you know, critic scores, just like going to a game completely, you have no idea what you're in for. Yeah, yeah. I think it really and, you helps. You know, I, th I still feel like the writing is really good with the characters, because some of the people you meet in that story are so adorable in some ways, <laughs> that, like, I, I love the, the dialogue between the characters at times, too, and I think that that helps a lot with the world building as well. So, um, let me just, first of all, let me reiterate, when I said, like, the story is like a little bit minimal or whatever like i don't really mean that's a bad thing it's i really want to emphasize that it's like you almost kind of just you take like the bits and pieces it gives you and then also the bits and pieces you kind of find as you explore and kind of put it all together and i and i like that rather than having it be like like skyward sword where it just kind of has endless cutscenes. um but one of the things i think i do criticize about this game is that and this is true for a lot of 3d zeldas so it's not like this is really shocking or big but i do think the combat you know is a little bit uh, simple, disappointing. I don't know how to describe it. Like oh, that's probably, like, probably that the one. word. Simple, simple is probably the word, right? Surely. Well, I don't find the game fun for me personally. The exploring is fun, but the battle systems, like, it's kind of like clunky at best. You know, that's what I feel. That, that's I'll like the that's that. like the one place where I clearly would say Horizon Zero Dawn has an edge. Is like sure. the, that, that 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 game is like it has like a combat hunting trapping system fighting like these large monsters that you don't really see that often and like it's just really cool to figure out like different strategies of taking out these different sorts of beasts and like you take them all on in like a different sort of way whereas Zelda and this has never been Zelda's strong suits so I really don't want to like give it harsh marks too too many for this it just it's just it does feel like you kind of just fight everything the same way. Oh. Um, but yeah, and in Horizon Zero Dawn, I didn't have to worry about my weapons breaking yeah. every five yeah, seconds. That, that got sucks. really annoying. I'm like in the early parts of Breath of the Wild, but that's definitely one of my least favorite things about it. I, I will say, though, for the most part, when I played Horizon Zero Dawn, I was mostly cheesing my way. Like I was like jumping up on mountains and scaling it like Skyrim I would, and then like hide behind like a, a, a mountain ridge to attack <laughs> an enemy. Uh, and I very rarely got up and close up close and personal with a lot of enemies because there were ways to get around that. Like I even cheese like a door like that was supposed to shut behind you. I was able to roll out of the way and just completely destroy one of the hardest bosses pretty simply. So it's I don't know if I got the same experience some other guys did though. Yeah, I probably did the same thing as you. I kind of hide and try to fight them like way far back. They yeah, just Horizon was pretty easy to cheese. Like the thing I, I did is I froze most enemies and. I remember, like, in one side quest, it really should have been a, a story mission in Horizon. There was, like, a corrupted Thunderjaw that you had to fight. And I froze it, took its um, cannons off its side, and when it was frozen, I just went ham with its own cannon, and it basically made the fight super easy. Fighting the large, uh, you know, robo-dinos in Horizon is the best part, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, um, on, on the combat, I do think fighting the human enemies is pretty bad. Um, but this is this is uh, the one thing 
sorry, just because, you know, this started about Zelda. The one thing I want to say is Horizon might be more intricate, but one of the in combat, but one of the things that I think you can't underestimate in Zelda is the way you can sort of use its interconnecting systems to in combat, whether that is, you know, uh, luring an enemy carrying a sword out of cover during thunder or throwing a metal weapon during thunder right as the strike is about to hit and throwing it into the enemy's face. Um, that's, that's the most badass thing I ever done. Like, yeah, game. Or, or so things good. like how, how satisfying it is when you realize that like fire enemies aren't just weak to ice attacks. It just straight up one hit KOs them in, immediately. There's some satisfying shit with Zelda's combat um, mm-hmm. in there. There really is. No, yeah, yeah. I don't, it's definitely not like it's simple, but I, um, it, it you know, it's it's what it needs to be. I don't really need it to be any more intricate than it is. Mm. It's a di- it's a difference between a game that is built with rules and letting you do what you want to do with it, versus a game that shows you here's an enemy, this is how you take it down, and then you having to then. Uh, use your own skill to take that enemy down. Yeah. Um, I mean, are we drifting I... into Horizon? Or... Um, if we're going to be drifting into Horizon, I want to say right here that I don't think it's it should be in the final five, but I'd like to hear your thoughts otherwise if you uh, disagree. I want, I want Natalie to talk about this because Natalie reviewed it. Um, I personally think it should be, but I also won't kind of like die fighting for it Um, (laughs) It, we need a five yeah (laughs) yeah but i really did enjoy horizon zero dawn a lot i think i think i expected uh not that much from the story but i actually really like the story and i think in particularly like i think about its ending a lot and i think about how the ending pretty much nailed everything that it needed to do very well uh like that ending like at the end i remember i was playing it for review and i was sleep deprived but ultimately, I <laughs> so I was sleep deprived. But I did cry not because it was sad, but because it that because you were sleep deprived. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, um, and also because that ending, just the way that it's presented, it's not even sad or anything. But it's the music, the combination of the music, the dialogue, the visuals. I think it really nailed it. And so I ultimately cried because it was it was so well executed. And I think the story exceeded my expectations i think it starts off pretty slow but after a certain point and i think kyle feels the same way that after a certain point the story does pick up a lot Mm -hmm. more than it did at the beginning um i mean i i give it a nine out of ten i think the combat was super enjoyable the story was good i love aloy uh, I'm excited that it's going to get more games for sure. <laughs> it's, it's crazy um, when you think yeah. about the parallels between Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn because it's the first real attempt that both sides have really made an open world game and they really nailed it in many respects. Like we're yeah. talking about the Killzone folks making an open world RPG, you know? Yeah, we, we had a bigger surprise, the, I think, Horizon to win oh, yeah, because totally. yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. it was definitely, um, I would say that game is, takes most of its inspiration from Witcher 3. Um, in For terms sure. of its design, oh, like, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so it's it, so like, nice, yeah, yeah um, like the bandit camps and everything. Um, that's another thing, those are in Zelda as well. They just don't say yeah. they're bandit camps, they that's just, right. That's they have like yeah. a big yeah. skull in the ground, that's <laughs> all you know. Yeah, but and, like, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that was gonna say that I'm playing Breath of the Wild right now, and one thing that Maybe I just haven't noticed, and this actually does happen in Breath of the Wild, or maybe it doesn't, but I do find myself remembering Horizon Zero Dawn and how the world kind of interacts 
like on it like with each other like uh sometimes you'll see bandits fighting robo dinos or you'll see them fighting amongst each other and it makes the world feel really alive nice. so i find myself remembering that while going through breath of the wild and expecting like certain it uh, kind of that definitely sort of happens in Zelda. it happens yeah, but it like does. it's like some towns people that are like traveling around they might get attacked suddenly or some people that are hunting for mushrooms they might get attacked uh but it doesn't happen as often or as dynamically as it feels like in horizon zero dawn though can, can i just say that i think one of the hardest times i'd laugh in a game ever was when i was fighting a bunch of they're called bobobkins whatever the hell are they called uh, uh goblins. Bacoblins. 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 and one of the big bacoblins grabbed a little one and threw it at me. Yeah. I laughed so hard. <laughs> so good. I, love, I had that happen too, and I loved it. Yeah, it's just a complete aside, but there's a lot of little things in Zelda that are really understated, and I think that's that ga- that game's... I know I keep saying it. That's that game's like greatest secret is just... I- it it, has, it understates a lot of things, and that's what makes them better. Because it's like in so many games, it'd be like, oh, this is the now we're gonna introduce the mechanic for the Bobobkin, whatever. <laughs> the tosses the little is friend at you. Uh, well, my, my um, this is actually from Zelda was um, comedic timing, I guess. Was when I threw a metal boomerang during a storm at Ilzalfos. It grabbed. I was like, oh crap! But then it got struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. So there so there oh god, what are those what are the sandworms in that game called? The big sand Oh Bulduga. Oh god, that was amazing I when it's... I right, I did a side quest where you had to like go kill one to go help a Grudo um that's like sick. And like it literally if you've ever seen the movie Tremors, it literally follows the, the the rules of the movie where you have to like stand on a rock and then throw an explosive out and then the, the worm will come up and grab it and you have to set your bombs off. I'm like, wow, this is Someone in Nintendo clearly likes Kevin Bacon, um, but uh, <laughs> yes. it was. There's it was also great. other small things like I didn't even realize this, even though I think I even heard it beforehand. Like if you take like a rusty weapon and throw it at an Octorok, he'll shine it up and shoot it back out at you, and then you can use it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that like, useful what? To know. <laughs> and there's just a lot of like, there's a, there's a lot of you things always, like that. Yeah. You don't know. You, like the game doesn't. Exp- the game doesn't like tell you you can these are all the things you can do like it allows you to find them on your own and that's cool actually it does tell you a lot of things but you have to search for the explanation yeah because like in a lot of um what were they called they weren't no no the kind of huts (laughs) the uh stables yeah stables yeah stables like almost every stable have a picture of an ingredient like on the wall and you can't like write it down you actually have to like take a screenshot of it or remember it in order to know okay that's how you make that ingredient it it, there's a lot of show don't tell in that game, which is always great. That's that's sorry, go on, Natalie. Oh, that I think it does away with a lot of gamey things in the sense of like, of course, if I hold a torch that's on fire and I kind of like pass it through a field of grass, of course the grass is gonna catch fire or if i go to a tree and i see that there's apples i can get it by getting my axe and just whacking at it and like of course it it should realistically like you know go down and fall and i think a lot of games just kind of like don't think about these things well it seems like with zelda so many little details and so many little things were considered and you know actually in you know implemented in the actual game fascinating that's 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 i totally agree with that alex yeah i mean it's 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 clearly it's it's on the list right yeah this is this is the thing it is one of the best games ever um absolutely 
best one of the best Zelda games. Oh, okay. I, I, I think it be, I think it comes down to since there's a lot of talk of Horizon Zero Dawn, does Horizon Zero Dawn? So here's, I, can, I, can I have some thoughts on Horizon Zero Dawn? I apologize if I'm talking too much. Um, no, but, go for it. No, we didn't. So know. I liked Horizon Zero Dawn a lot. I didn't like love it, but there were parts of it I thought were really well done. I do feel like it. It kind of feels a little bit silly in a way to compare it to Zelda so much, but I guess both being open world games releasing like within weeks of each other. That's oh, we never. <laughs> Yeah, I do feel like Horizon Zero Dawn. Like I, th I think the combat is its high point. Not only because is it 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 works and it's fun and it's dynamic, but it's also something that's kind of new and different. Um, like no other game, you're like fighting giant monsters is like the norm, <laughs> and the way it works. I do feel like, yeah, I, I guess, I do feel like it is kind of in the trappings more of a this is it feels more like this is a typical open world game than zelda does um i also think that i think that aloy is a great main character like i think she's yeah. fantastic and the way that she reacts and the way that um she is driven in her in the storyline and the way that she reacts to things that happen is very um natural and it works for me but i do feel like the story itself is also a, a little bit i don't know i felt like i was slightly disappointed in it like i kind of feel oh. like aloy is a better is a i, I feel like aloy is a great character who finds herself in a storyline that's maybe not so great um i totally agree with that point actually i can see that yeah. I, I can yeah it's all it's all stereotypical yeah. in some places i i actually feel like it's like a wall-y done Cliché. kind of poorly that's kind of like in a way wall-y oh that's <laughs> wow that's okay. tough there oh were, wow that's, that's, damn that's there were little there were little nice. things about horizon story that kind of annoyed me i'm like what kind of asshole scientist thought you know what these robots should eat like the biomass <laughs> yeah like, like oh like, my gosh like, I, I can't believe it you said wally and like yes <laughs> she does sound a lot like wally wow and like, and by, like, like why? behind they go someplace else oh it's like so they, like maybe we shouldn't make it so that the robots want to like eat us like maybe this is a yeah what could possibly go wrong <laughs> i mean well i mean to be fair we're kind of going that way as a society so you know <laughs> like we're giving them their own like thoughts like look at anything like the was it boston uh uh tech students are doing it's just uh, i think that we're going mit students and everything like that you see the walking dogs and well stuff like yeah that. I, no, think, I think i think it's a great game but i i think if it comes into this top five, it comes in towards the end. Yeah, it's going to be borderline. And so I think we I probably agree. need to talk mm -hmm. about the other obvious contenders. I'm, o I'm okay first. with sure. having I'm okay with having Mask of Truth not make it to the top five. I know that's a surprising. I will say. <laughs> no, it's no, no let's fight for it. It is a I, good. I, I think it's a good. I think I do think it's it's a, one of my, one of the best. Look, games, but it's not going to be top five. You've done your yearly forcing your anime game into <laughs> into the fucking thing. Right. But 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 see, I, I think because I know there's going to be we're some. We're talking about the other anime game that we haven't even talked okay, about. Okay, let Leah. I know there's going to be some Persona. Let's talk about Persona Five. Okay. okay. I'm ready to drag oh, that game to filth. That game is not <laughs> great as it uh, is. Let me yeah. start. So, uh, I think that game right. is great. So, here's here's. I think it's here. great too. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Adam can go. Go ahead. So, Persona Five, I think. How, let me start with just bullet points. I think in terms of like its mechanics, in terms of like how the game plays and how the game systems with the battle system, the personas, the fusion, and the social links work. I think that is probably the strongest of 
three and four. It's basically it didn't change a lot, but I think it kind of polished things up. Um, it made the kind of the connection between like the different social links and how they help you in battle and things like that. I think that part is, I think honestly is like no questionably better than what Persona three and four do, even though it's maybe not dramatically different. The storyline is, I felt was a lot more focused than Persona four in a direct comparison, which is on one hand, a good thing and one hand, a bad thing. I feel like Persona four meandered a lot more in terms of like what the characters are doing, what, what they were talking about, the different events. But I also felt like it allowed the characters to be characters. Whereas Persona 5 is so focused on its thematic elements, I almost felt like characters were spouting exposition 90% of the time and not, oh, yeah. allowed, not allowed to be characters as often as the Persona 4 or even 3 cast. And I also feel like because it is so focused on its themes that it kind of gets old in a sense where it just it feels like it drags a bit, um, and also the game length uh, you know, contributes to that. I'll stop there. Here's my big thing with the game, and I went over this in my head a lot because I wanted to... I, I didn't get a chance to actually... I was going to write something and present it all to you, but okay, folks, am I talking about Persona 4 or 5 when I say this? You are the out-of-towner who goes to stay with a parental figure and his daughter... You meet a, a girl and a guy. They have kind of have a history. You meet, you awaken to a persona. Every once in a while, you get a new party member, and you have to defeat a shadow that's linked to them to go on to the next part of the game. Um, and the, those are each, you know, arcs within, you know, those are the character arcs within the game. And I, I guess I won't go into the end particularly but like i really thought like like this game's story was like it felt like persona like you know how people feel it, about it, the four you know how people feel about the force awakens that's how i felt about this game but, but where it felt the like the same thing again yeah but it his, copy the his, formula though it's that's because it, that, that formula isn't that different either to to persona the third one really um but in that game obviously in that game, obviously, there's the tower and sort of you. It's, it's sort of you know it's the full. Was it the full moon? I can't remember that fucking. Game. But, the full moon. Um, it was the full moon. But events, like it was, yeah. it was the same. The same thing. Ultimately, the thing that I would say in response to that is you're absolutely right. It is formulaic in the same way that, for instance, Zelda became formulaic for years. Yeah. Um, but there are things about this that is that that end up being significantly different to three and four. So, for instance. You know um, the manner in which you are pre-preparing for every single dungeon, uh, the the casing the joint, so to speak, as opposed to um, it, going, yeah, narratively yeah. and gameplay-wise, it feels the same beat that the real-world detective work did in the in four, but it feels quite different because of the nature of it. Likewise, you know um, the manner in which uh, sort of stuff plays out in those dungeons that's that's probably the one thing that i that, that i will say is a good but mixed thing about that game in particular is that they really try to do something more interesting with those dungeon designs and yeah. sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't um can i um oh. yeah, go for it. yeah uh, go for it. i actually wanted to talk about what alex said about uh, the the game being formulaic and honestly i have no problem with games being formulaic as long as like they're good games and persona 5 does have relatively good like combat as like all persona games do the ui is absolutely gorgeous it has a lot of great visual effects 
where the story is concerned, so many characters felt flat and the plot was so shallow yeah. and so underrealized. Like, Wait. I feel like people enjoy this game because they really hyped it up for themselves. Not, like, like, they're not really looking at it for what it is. Show, show, show of hands for everyone in here. Who guessed who the villain was within three hours and then, like, 80 hours later? You were like, you expect me to be surprised? Well, yeah. certainly the, no. certainly, <laughs> certainly the, certainly the well, quote-unquote that... twist um, is obvious. I don't think it's like I, I didn't even really consider it a twist. No, it's not trying to hide anything. Yeah, as soon as it says pancakes, you know. I mean, I think the twist that, is more about how everything happens, less yeah, than who is the one that does I don't it. E I don't even mean, okay, we're, we're going into spoiler territory. I'm not even talking about the god thing, I'm talking about the politician. Like, yeah, as soon as they cover his face, literally, as soon as they cover his face in the opening cutscene, I'm like, that's the bad guy. Like, right, I knew it right away. Um, well, and like, was, and uh, go ahead. Sorry. I knew he was the bad guy playing a Japanese version just because he has Char's voice. When you hear someone that has, has Char's voice, he, he's automatically a bad guy. You don't but even need but, to guess. but also, here's the thing: I don't think necessarily the game is the, the twist isn't so much that that guy's the bad guy. When you when you see the flashback, um, there's sort of a suggestion of who he of, of who he may be. But I think the thing that that, that the game is. So that's obvious at that point. I think that the thing that emerges as you get into the game, when you encounter them in the hotel after, would it be after the the, the art heist? I can't remember. Yeah, but like, yeah. it's like a um, test, I think. the thing that becomes clear is the level at which, uh, the level of the power held, the level of the corruption, and the commentary that tries to make, whether it's successful or not, is a is a different question. I think mm -hmm. is the more interesting thing than, oh, this guy is the villain. It's sort yeah. of like, it's sort of like. But, I mean, admittedly, you I, know. Um, I said this before, sorry, real quick. I just, I don't think the fact, I don't think, like, the game wasn't even trying to hide it. So I, th I think the fact, if, if your argument is this was obvious, like, I feel like it wasn't really meant to be uh, something that I, wasn't obvious. I, 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 think, I feel like it's a, it's a better, it's a better, like, way to, like, put a villain out there than, like, what Persona 4 did at Adachi and in the gas station attendant. Well, I, <laughs> I don't yeah, like the gas station attendant because it was just kind of like an asshole. It's out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Really. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> what did you want to say? So my thing is, it's it's not just that it's obvious, and it's not just that it's that point. It's like the whole game treats you like that. The only surprise in the whole game is obviously you all know what it is because it's the only, you know I guess actually I actually don't like... know what you're talking about off the top of my head. Like I, I, Igor. Oh. Oh. Uh, yes. There was... yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna say that beyond that, but like, there's so many moments where this game, like, I just think the pacing is straight up atrocious. Like, so, like uh, the the final twenty hours is so so drawn out. Like, yes, I remember that there, there's one part that I love, and it's like, um, it, it you know after the whole you know all the bad god now i have to be vague as hell but you know all the, everything's looking really bleak and you finally get your friends back and you have to talk to each one for like five plus minutes which is an, again another bad pacing but then the what's the song called um what's the really really good song the, rivers, the, the in the yeah, rivers in the no, desert no no not rivers, not rivers in the desert the um when you're about to do a heist and like the opening oh, riff plays, um, uh, like life will change. Life will change. Life change. Yeah. So right. like, so no, but this is what I'm saying is like this is such a great moment because like that song kicks in and you're like, okay, you're still the Phantom Thieves, you can still win this, and then they throw three pointless fucking mini bosses at you, oh, God, like yeah. that just kill the pacing. Like that game 
drags its feet so hard. There's no reason for it to be a, like a hundred hours. There's no reason. Can whatsoever. I? I was saying this earlier, and I don't know if I said it well, but I think one reason why Persona Four, in terms of pacing, in a in a way, kind of felt slightly better, is that it had a lot of I'm going to say this poorly quote filler content where there's a lot of like days or events that were going on in the game with the characters that really had nothing to do with the storyline. Yeah, and I want to note here, Golden makes for worse yeah. for this reason also. So, yeah, I, I, I totally feel like agree. 5 has less of that, which is on one hand good, but because there is less of that and more just focus on the storyline at hand, it drags it out. Whereas yes. with, with 4, you can kind of like almost compartmentalize, okay, this part of the storyline in this month is related to this murder and it's important, and then like in this month they're just going on the ski trip and it's really not a big deal. Whereas 5, it doesn't really have those types of like separated moments. It's just kind of all one long big plot line, and it, I, think, yeah. I feel like that almost makes it feel longer. Yeah, it's... Can um, I also, and I, can I I think, also uh, mention... Sorry. No, I think uh, Kazum, Kazuma mentioned this too, that... Um, uh, the characters feel flat, but, like, there's so many moments in this game where, like, like after, like, Anne's arc, like, she might as well not even be in that game. She yeah. doesn't even, like, do anything. It's like Yukiko. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so bad. It's, it's so bad. This goes into the whole, the whole like, Persona 4 and 3 thing. It's like, after every, like, party member gets their arc, they're kind of forgotten about in the storyline. Like, tell me one significant thing Yukiko did after well, here's her the arc. Here's the thing. I was saying, yes. I, 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 mean, I, I, would... I think they're all guilty of that to some degree. Yeah. I do think... Other There's games did a better job at having characters interact with each other as characters, even if like their arc and their role was like largely diminished. Like Chie and Yukiko still like had personality, and still like the way they interacted, like you could feel like you could like relate to them or learn about them as a character whereas in persona 5 i feel like once their arc is over there's less of that and basically what i said before is they're just spouting exposition all the time they're just another another mouthpiece to yeah. to, to state something and so i kind of felt I, like um, it's oh, exacerbated sorry did you want to say kazuma um i really wanted to bring up the subject of Anne because that's like one of my biggest gripes with this game is that once so, you complete the character's arc they're not only literally forgotten but so many of these personal character arcs are just so poorly written. Yeah. It's they really do a disservice to the character and especially Anne. Um what? I actually talked to Natalie about this like personally and I think we kind of feel the same way about it that the resolution for her character isn't really great and she's just kind of there uh, to be sexy and they just completely overwrite any sort of progress they made in trying to talk about how she's othered or how she's a rebel in society through her own character arc and then she's just fan service that and that's it and it's some of the most like bad and disrespectful writing i've seen in a game that tries to tackle this kind of subject in japanese society like that i've seen recently like it's i, I remember crazy. listing out i remember listing out i want I, I don't know why i was compelled to do this but listing out all the things in the game that feel like they're like anime hijink or something stupid like that and then like after listing all these out i realized wow like each one of these has to do something with aeon being you know, harassed or something. It's just like, well, so, yeah. so, so, why do so they treat her so thing. poorly? I think, I think her and uh, Ryuji both are just both based around this thing of they, they, they have this, this, this thinking that they, they need to have those three characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or rather, those two characters around the protagonist. Um, well, yeah. Um, and, but you can have tropes, and you can do them well. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. But the impression I get is, and why I perhaps 
she in particular, but I think I think the both of them fail yeah. compared to other members of the cast is that they are really there to gateway you into the story, and then as soon as you've actually done that, they have almost served their purpose to the developers. So they, and this isn't an excuse. So they and then they they sort of drop them and and do do the interesting things with other characters instead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I compared them to Makoto, who seems to be important throughout the entire story, and it's just like night yeah. day. Uh, like I yeah. felt my my two favorite characters. I don't really want to get into a character debate, you know, but I I like Makoto and Futaba a lot. I felt like the way those characters, not only their actual like arcs, but the way they were kind of in- integrated into the story, Futaba with Sojiro and Makoto with her sister. I kind of felt like they not only were they more interesting characters, but they felt like they had more purpose because of the relationship to like other characters in the storyline, whereas a lot of the like Yusuke or Ryuji or or uh, Anne, I kind of feel like they have and, less purpose. So and, and and this is what I mean about about those early characters yeah. who serve to get you into the game because I actually think this is a problem that 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 the third game has as well. And for instance, and and I think um and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think that uh, Yukari and Junpei are similarly fucking useless and worthless. Um. Yeah, Yukari's bad. Junpei and, comes relevant later I guess on, so. but, uh, but like, barely. Uh, and and four avoids that problem weirdly. I just think because it's a more condensed group, and weird. Actually, I, I think if 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 you combine Chie and Yukiko into one character, you get a character who's similarly useless. <laughs> yeah. um, but because they end end up split, they have to find more things for them to do that are individual, and they avoid the problem that Yukari and Junpei and uh, Ryuji fall into. But anyway. I actually do like Ryuji as a character, though, because like all of his fucking reactions, like it, it kind of it, it helps me like realize, oh, okay, there's actually some character in these characters, you know? Like Ryuji is one of those like it, he, he's meant to like be the character that you don't actually like, but he's one of the more interesting characters. He actually has like a certain arc of like, oh, he realized he has he fucked up uh, with uh, Morgana, and like he, he's having trouble like realizing that like he has to make up with Morgana. Oh god! Uh, I actually do like. I actually do like. Like, even though I dislike Ryuji, I appreciate that Ryuji was there. Any, I mean, poor characters. Can we talk about Haru? Like, <laughs> Haru, Haru falls under like the Naruto better. arc of like she. Yeah, she yeah, like, she she, uh, she, falls, she falls under like all that after knowing these people for like only a few days, and then her father. Yeah, what happens to her father? That she instantly trusts them immediately it just does not seem realistic to me yeah. she she she's an unfortunate uh you know has the unfortunate disease and naoto has uh of like they got re- uh introduced way too late into the story so yeah. they barely had any yeah. time yeah. To actually <laughs> out. i also feel like haru was like most obviously like trying to be like the the try hard sympathetic like don't you feel sorry for her don't you just want to comfort her and it's just like come on but <laughs> i i will say haru is fucking awesome in battle oh my yeah. god so, she, yeah. she wrecks so, house. So, in so here's the thing. This is this is the this is the, the the thing. Despite all these complaints, and I think they're absolutely all valid. And I think the the, the, the final stretch of the game is is very rough. I, I still <laughs> think it belongs on this top five. I don't think it's the winner. I, I, I mean, RPGsite.net did give it a ten. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. That's one person's opinion, by the way. Well, I actually well, think the games are falling apart on the Haru arc. I think the game was falling apart a lot quicker than what you guys were expecting. I think around Haru's arc, the game's already falling apart. Yeah, the that dungeon, that one's really bad. Yeah, uh, the boss in that dungeon's kind of annoying. With then the, the casino time. arc, 
you can actually be fucked out of your file if you spend the coins buying items first before you start gambling, and that could lock you five hours trying to grind for coins too. Uh, okay, can I oh. can I bring can I bring something up? This is mostly just me being snarky, but something I really hated was during the interviews with Say, where she'd be like, "Oh, I see you're wearing clothes. Do you know a tailor?" And then like, "I am thou," and like, yeah. it's like not ever. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I love that. Like, it's so like, it's like a really dumb yeah, thing it, about that like, kid that I actually like, really love. Like, I saw some and like literally everything you do she's like oh you you did this like i think one of them's literally like oh you must have had a master strategist because you like went play show <laughs> i think it's ambitious yeah, in that aspect. Like... i mean yeah it's it's it's, fu- it's fucked up but it's, I, I like you that know? i like that the i thought that they're uh, really like i respect for you what know kind of, what kind of da does the... that like where why were you playing show you little fuck well i mean I'm... i really respect <laughs> their ambition about I mean, that you know, like how, the way they framed this of like a cat oh, you know they should have had it like you finish the show just like it's like you know what? I slept with your sister too. <laughs> <laughs> Moved on from there. Oh my gosh. Hey, uh, uh, yeah, that's, one uh, thing I will say about the game, because I've seen like I'm super negative, is like the art direction is like really amazing. It looks so well, good. So, so this, so this is the thing. I think in, this is it, like it does. It is a game that becomes more than this. Like so, uh, I guess my opinion on the matter is, if you look at the individual component parts, Nier is a better game. Zelda is a better game. Yakuza is probably a better game, but then when you combine what there is, and you look at every, you look at the complete thing, and you look at the way it's presented, and the confidence it has, and all that sort of stuff, it is something really special. Yeah, it's more than the sum well, of its parts. I still, I, I, I still feel really bad about the game. Package that didn't really deliver. It's like it's doing the same old. It just got new dungeons. And well, let's let's like... talk about one of the controversies around it because this is like kind of the start of it, and then Dangaropa kind of booking a little bit the localization, <laughs> the quality yeah, of the localization. Yeah, the local... wow, that was terrible. That was actually terrible. So, it was yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, it was like there was a lot of and like just like straight up like some of the sentences that you'll see in the game like don't even make sense at all. Like, what am I reading right now? <laughs> I, th- oh. I think it was especially like I don't know I think I've seen other people say this but like I think it did get better in the later half of the game but early on it felt like it was just like periodically like every once in a while there's just like a sentence that it just didn't like no one would talk like this <laughs> I'll say that I think it was a better translation than Ease 8's original translation but that's oh. not well, so this much. is the this thing I was going to say people, people people you know you can't speak about this like it's like it's Ease it's not but it, it it sort of it sort of yo-yos back and forth between great and 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 really really bad. Yeah, and, and it, that that's the problem. And obviously, when something yo-yos as opposed to at least for East, when it's consistently bad, you understand that it's consistently <laughs> bad, and that's what Fair it enough. is. Well, Fair but he's, even East kind of yo-yos a bit, but it's just yo-yos from bad to completely terrible. From... No, I think there are elements of it that are no, really, I, I, really I, good. No, yeah, the East actually had like actually like had a serviceable thing. Like, sure, they're they're going back and fixing it, but like the thing that they have right now isn't like fucking unplayable. Like, yeah, you can understand, understand it. Like, it's, it's, no, it's, it's dry. Online, yeah, um, hollow fragment. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, oh, like it's a dry translation. <laughs> exactly. People wanted something like Xseed. That's kind of like the main thing about it, among other inconsistencies on it. But the, for the most part, it's understandable. You, you it's know, just too literal. It's just a dry translation. Yeah. I just think you know, um, like I say, it's 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 for for my money, my whole opinion on Persona Five is it's not as good a game as Four, in my opinion. Um, but I do think it's a game that is absolutely uh, it's it's a game that's more than its problems. 
I it'll, be the, it it'll be the fifth of our top five, you would say. I feel like it. Well, the the top five doesn't go in an order. It's sure. just a, It's just a, It's just our five best picks. It'll be but the like, last one I, I, I just. Well, no, there is no order, so there is no first or last. Well, there is. We're going to pick one as our best game of the year, but then all the others are just. They're just our other winners. I don't think. Um, okay. Should, 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 uh, should, I, should, should we sit on Persona it, Five until we thin it out? No. Um, the way I see it is that I feel like we should put either Persona Five. Or Xenoblade Chronicles too, because I, I and in that like case people... it's it's fucking Xenoblade. I, I don't know. Uh... Persona. Like there is no question. Mm, man, I don't I don't like this either or thing. Like if, we, if this I, is one, you can't have the other. I don't know if I'd like that. Top five. I just don't think it should be. Both of them are heavily flawed games. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they're both heavily flawed. I feel like there's an argument to be made for either of them to be in the final five, but it would have to be at the expense of the other. Mm, I don't know if I like that. This either. Yeah. <laughs> I know what my final five is, and Xenoblade isn't in it. Same here. That, that's like saying we can't we can't have both Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn on this list, but because they're kind of both going for very like some similar things. But like, well, should we yeah. actually? When you guys talk about localization, I start the game most recently in my mind is Xenoblade, and we've really not talked about it. So should we? Oh God! Good segue? Brian, you're a robot. Yeah, you're oh, sounding really weird. <laughs> No, Brian's going the whole Neurotomata <laughs> route. Oh, no. He's becoming a robot. Um, <laughs> <red eyes. laughs> no, well, I just, I just, I, I, I just, like, like we can, we can skip to another game, but I, I just think, um, on every metric, even on the raw metric of like, uh, of like totting up number of, um, number of people who nominated it. Like I feel like Persona is an obvious top five game. Yeah, yeah. but does it have to be there? That's the thing. I, I think I, I you know I I think it, in spite of all the places in which it struggles and all the places, it's the Final Fantasy fifteen argument from last year. And I and I after after we were done and fifteen didn't get anywhere in anything. I I really ended up regretting it because I just thought to myself because much like Persona five. Although Persona 5 is a much better game than 15 anyway. But much like Persona 5, I think they're both games that, like I say, are are more than their errors and their missteps and the things that go and the things that go wrong with them. Um like there's so much about it that is slick and cool and well presented and the combat has this really snappy, satisfying thing. Like the so the thing about Xenoblade, for instance, if you want to compare it to that, is Xenoblade is incredibly deep and there's shitloads to do and all that sort of stuff but it's very rare for me to feel something while i'm playing xenoblade it's like you know the combat is you set up your stuff and and things play out in the auto battle and all that sort of stuff and you're triggering your 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 skills and arts and all that crap and it's all good but like it's very rare i feel something whereas there's a weird combination of animation and art and music and and game design where when things are going well for instance in persona's combat it is it turns you into this robotic sort of your brain is just jumping to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing it gives me the same sort of weird adrenaline rush that i get off uh when a combo is coming is coming off well in a fighting game or when you're burning up a streak in a rhythm game it's really hard to 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 articulate properly, but it's so rare for an RPG. I will admit, oh, I in Xenoblade that. 2, oftentimes, by oftentimes I mean most of the time, like, I'm not really paying attention to anything but the user interface. Like, I'm just looking at all the help bars, the the art meters, the uh, 
you know, the, the combination, you know, what elements are up and things like that. Yes, you have to pay some attention to your so. character positioning, but <laughs> I feel like most of it is just like looking at the user interface um, so the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, like I will, I'll, I'll lay my cards on the table and be, and be playing about it. Um, and I'll make my case as we go down the games for why I think this is the case. But like I, for my top five off this list is Nier and Zelda, which we have. And then it is the other three that are at the top there. It's Persona, Divinity, and, and Yakuza. I would I, put, I would definitely put Trails in the Sky third in the top five. I would argue, for, I'm going to argue for Trails in the Sky. Like, I don't, I'm pessimistic it'll be there, but I'm going to argue for it. It deserves to be up there. Well, how about uh, to make this stream us a little bit better? How about we do that right now? Like, we choose our top five and find out who, who actually is going to be up there. Because honestly, like, some of these games, if no one's really strongly about, like, Fire Emblem Echoes or... Well, I mean, I well, so the, well, so the easier the, the easier thing to do is probably to do to do this and to say, okay, Fire Emblem Echoes. I don't and think it's gonna make anime. It. Well, we know that. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to tell me. <laughs> I know that and, much. And probably, probably Horizon. Yeah, probably Horizon. Don't make it to into the to, into the final final set. So then you've got the question of of. And then I don't think Xenoblade does, but that's a debate that we have to have because I know a lot of people really love that game. Um, and then that means one of the remaining four... Oh, three, four, five, seven, one of the remaining... Two, two, of the, two, sorry, two, rather, of the... Of the I will definitely say Divinity Original Sin, merely one of my favorite games <laughs> after just playing it. Brian can speak to this way more, but we haven't talked about it yet, and I think that is just a downright... It's I better it's than the first one. It's incredible. Do 100%. I do I sound robotic still? Nope, you're good. Yeah, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, you're okay. always a robot yeah. still. <laughs> so divinity. I guess this is my cue to talk about it. All right. So one of the I don't know if you can strictly call it a weakness of the first game, but one of the one of the odd things about it was that it had a very unique flavor in terms of its dialogue and its I don't want to say story, but just the way it presents itself. Oh, Divinity Original Sin One, and I haven't played the other Divinity games. They're, all... They're bad. Don't worry. It's, it's it's very whimsical. Like it's very like within the first two hours of the game, you're using a teleport prism to teleport into someone's bathroom when they're showering. Like that's the sort of game it is. And then like you're led on your quest by a little kooky imp named Zigzags. Like it's just very like weird and I don't want you whimsicals. I don't want to use the same word. Over again but that's a, kind of exactly what it is where divinity 2 i think that's where it departs the most from the first game is that it's like very much more grounded like there's still like you're still you still have a, a trait where you can talk to animals and you can solve an early quest by throwing a talking dog all so it has it still has that flavor but it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it, I, it just it tones it down to a place where it's it's characteristic without being over dominating so i think that was kind of a good improvement there from the story side of point side of things do you have any take i mean on that? it's i mean I, I only played for it about about um eight hours so far eight or nine hours and yeah it's like as someone who fought hard for divinity original sin it's amazing how different how many different ways this game approves upon the original like they've added for example in the combat instead of just having a health bar now you've got a physical uh like an armor bar and a, like a magic uh, armor bar and these kind of fluctuate based on the class you are so like a, a sorcerer might have a higher magic defense but lower physical defense that plays into the combat as well oh, still got like 
Yeah. That's definitely a good a good improvement because oh, yeah. in the first game you could just kind of figure out like all right what are my brute force it <laughs> yeah. what are my what are my top two or three arts and let me just do that in every single encounter all the time yeah. from from hour ten to hour ninety, um, but in this game it's like okay let's say you've got a a very very strong tank type character with a hammer and they can deal tons of physical damage but oh you just ran into a group of enemies where they all have one thousand physical armor and you're not going to you're not going to go very far doing that so you have to you have to have your your little group of four party members set up in a way where you can take that and be like okay what can i do differently to to target this guy's magic uh defense which is far weaker and the game since you can like cross class and use spells from different you know realms or books or whatever you can give your uh your hammer tank and like necromancy skills so that they can actually like you know, not only can they dish out physical damage, but they can keep themselves alive by using their necromancy to uh, steal health and things like that. It's just very, it, there's a lot of ways to tackle all the different sorts of situations that the game throws you in, where yeah. the first you can kind of do the same pattern over and over again. It's it's great, and they still have all the same elements as before, where you can use, like, you know, uh, the magic that you use can affect the environment. So like you lay down a fire spell and it just stays burning and burns up people. You can put down water. Uh, if there's water nearby, you use electricity and then it just creates like this shock trap uh, that damages people who walk over it. But also just going back to the story, it's great because yeah, you're talking about the music. Sadly, the uh, last composer passed away uh, a few years ago, but now you've got a new guy who, if I'm not mistaken, did the music for Crisis, <laughs> and yes, he did. Uh, oh yeah, he did a great job. I mean, obviously this guy is um, very talented because he, ma he made this amazing uh, fantasy soundtrack that really fits in and makes everything feel so uh, epic in, in some respects. Uh, but you know, just talking about the story because I think that's easily the stronger suit. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit about in the review, Brian. But like right off the bat, early on, your crew is like you're. You're a creative character, of course, who's got a voice, uh, which is important. But then you've also got, like, a lizard man, uh, uh, a skeleton called an eternal, and then you've got, like, a cat that's with you. It's it's um, it's amazing, like, having this this ragtag crew. But even then, like, all the characters are, like, every single character in that game is voiced. And it's way better well, than Skyrim. Oh, the game is interesting because it gives you the option. In the first game, you create two effectively blank slates. Yes. Like, it's, very, it's very Western RPG in the fact that like you you are your character they don't have like a pre-written history they have like yeah. obviously um some details but it's mostly a blank slate where this game gives you that option but also basically says hey you can select from this list of characters <laughs> yes and, it's so and like and so what that does is like you're you're basically selecting one of the quote-unquote party members to be your main character and then you select the rest of them to be your party members so like i picked los which is like this mystic uh jester of sorts slash performer who has like a demon entrapped in her and one of the late game quests is about overcoming that so it feels very personal but like if you didn't want to play as her and wanted to play as someone else you could still undertake that quest by having her be one of your party members it's oh that's pretty so clever that's pretty good so. yeah i mean like you were saying it's like you're mostly working with like two people and like their dynamics between each other and their uh, relationships and all that stuff but like in this you get to meet so many more people and, and the way that they're presented uh, with their unique personalities. And, you know, once again, it's like you're coming across these people who are all voiced and those characters, those same people might change and their voices change. And so it's not like, you know, like in L scores or something like that, where like you'll, you'll meet the same voice person like a billion times in your journey, that same exact voice. It's that they're all kind of like uniquely developed in their own way. And it's 
fascinating that they were able to do that. And I'm only, like I said, like about eight, nine hours in, and I'm already really getting a sense that this the world building is very well crafted. It's definitely an improvement on the first game. Has anyone else other than Zachary played this? I've played it, and I think it's amazing, and I think it's 100% the top five game. Oh, absolutely. No yeah, doubt. I, I no it. doubt at all. Okay. Right, that's, if, that's... If, if, I, if I had to be fair and list one weakness, it would be that the, the field system, like the fire fields or water fields, sometimes it gets a little messy where like every oh. single every single skill leaves a field where I feel like they could have maybe trimmed some of that where it's like only higher level ones left a field sometimes in some longer battles when, when seven or eight rounds have passed and every single skill in the game pretty much leaves a field it ends up being kind of like this elemental soup yeah you have to like wait for a while like okay when's it gonna go away when's it gonna go away yeah that's well, obviously that's i'm nitpicking because i think it's a great game but that's one thing where i'm like where there's a, there's a later part in the game where you're fighting a bunch of undead people and like there, there, there's like a thousand different fields going on at once, and on top of that, there's this death fog which you're you're <laughs> yeah. vulnerable to, and then they aren't, and you can't really see it because there's just so much visual noise or whatever. But that's that's totally that, that's just a nitpick. I do think that the field system opens up a lot of like uh, possibilities for like comboing and being able to like disable enemies by stunning them and then if you have someone who is impervious to that or has a high magic armor they can just walk right through it and then go smack at them while the other guys are completely you know incapacitated because they can't move it's just the pinnacle of like of like you know there's some wonderful storytelling the strategy is amazing i just think it absolutely is one of our one of our top five yeah i love it i i want to i want to draw a line on this now i don't think xenoblade 2 makes it i think xenoblade 2 goes down with the other three at the bottom there as as one of our top mm, ten. i don't know i don't know. Better I, than Zeno. <laughs> no, I just i just I, I just think that um the, i'm willing to the, fight more for uh trails in the sky than xenoblade i agree yeah it's so tough because xenoblade 2 is just like xenoblade 2 has a it, lot it of stories like it's, it's with well yeah it has a lot of problems but so I does think Persona xenoblade 5. Like, is is if we're gonna choose I think one Xenoblade of them. 2 is an extremely interesting game mechanically. It's also a very um, impressive game, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's in what it tries to do, and ambitious. like ambitious. That's a good word. Um, it's in like it does like things like the rare blade gotcha stuff, um, and things like that. I feel like there are so mechanics that you're like, how are this, how is this going to work and all that? And it just turns out like it works pretty well it, there. I don't, I don't um, love it. Absolutely. But it's like, it, it's, it, it's, I, I guess the fact that it's just different enough. Uh, I'm in chapter seven. So how far in chapter seven just started. So you're going to change your opinion really quickly on what on the rare blade system. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. About, Wait, I don't know you think he's gonna? You think he's gonna be some more positive on it? Or? No, he's gonna dislike it because chapter. I mean, I, I don't. I don't really like it or dislike it. I mean, I, I, I think I like it enough where it's not like putting me off of the game. I just think it's interesting how you can get these characters and how how much effort they put into like they each have a quest, they have voice uh, cutscenes and things like that. And, oh yeah, the heart to hearts is the crazy. And depending thing. on is pretty impressive too. And depending on like which character you end up getting different blades on, it kind of affects your party composition and strategy. Like for example, the fourth party member you get, uh, I got them with a couple of healers and a couple of tank 
blades. So now that fourth party member kind of has a dual role depending on what I need them to do. And I think that's really cool. But in a different person's playthrough, those blades might be on a whole other character entirely just based on luck of the draw. And they might have to set up like different party compositions and different things. And, you know, depending on that kind of permutation of blade combinations, I think that's like, I don't love it, but I think it's interesting. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I think I enjoy Xenoblade 2, but the more I think back at it and the more that I consider the small things in it that I dislike, I don't think it really deserves to be in the top five. In fact, I'm kind of surprised it got to the final 10. And if, if, well, if this, I, I had a yeah. talk with Josh about this. There's so many little things, and they are such little things. Like, oh, you can ignore that because you get so many rare blades. You, you'll be able to kind of craft your party no matter what. Or you can ignore this little throwback or this little drawback because it's not that big a deal. But it's just that there are so many where it eventually kind of does become not a little deal. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian and I have played enough of it that, like, there, it's a, it's a really fine game, but there's so many like you know the field skills, for example, and having to go reshuffle back, back on that. It's just I don't when you're putting this up against Persona Five, like both of them are have big ass problems, but both of them excel at very well, different things. So it's hard hard to like compare. Well, we were doing late game stuff. It, it, it is an apple. It is an apples for oranges comparison. But the thing that I want to reiterate again is like uh, Xenoblade Two is has really interesting ideas. Uh, and is 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 really um, it's a really cool game, but to use a really weird analogy, it's like going to a party and you end up a dinner party or whatever, and you end up sitting next to somebody who's incredibly smart and has a really interesting job uh, and talks in great detail and all that sort of stuff. And so you sort of there's a lot to do and a lot to learn and uh, you know a lot of conversation to be had, but ultimately you sit next to them and it is sort of kind of fucking boring <laughs> whereas persona 5 is the person that you sit I... next to that is like sort of a fuck up and you know not everything's gone gone right for them and they're like a fucking recovering alcoholic or something <laughs> but they are analogy. hugely enormously interesting and that is my <laughs> that is my comparison and that's that is both why i think xenoblade doesn't belong and persona 5 does well, I was having a talk with Josh doing some post-game stuff where I was like, I fought this level 110 monster. I'm like, hey, that's actually good if I want to like work on my, you know, post-game affinities or levels. And then like, let me try to find him again. Wait, there's there's two tombstones here, and I don't know which one's his. And like, I couldn't. It's just little stupid stuff like that where it's like, why is this even a problem? Like, I want to fight this rare monster again, but I have to like figure out. I, I, figure I, I out mean, where, yeah, figure I, mean, out where I, I his guess, tombstone is. You don't, it doesn't say yeah. on. It doesn't say on it which one's his. I just gotta open it and hope it is, and then realize, okay, it's that guy. And I, I will say, I mean, like before, before we dismiss Xenoblade Two out, because I know, I know, it ultimately doesn't make the cut. But I will say that's probably the right behind year on the best music of this. Yeah, it's, oh, the, yeah, absolutely. I will, I will agree. Um, but I just think, yeah, yeah. And then here's the issue: there are three really good games left. Yeah. I 1000%, I just, I would be in disbelief if we didn't put Persona on the top five, even if it's at the arse end of the top five. I put Yakuza in the top four, at least. I wouldn't put Persona 5 there. Yeah, I'd honestly put Trills in the Sky over Persona 5 as well. Cool. I mean, yeah, those I mean are keep good, in mind, hang on. So just keep in mind, now we're out of the, now, now we know how many numbers there are left. We don't need yes. the numbers, because let's not focus on that too much. Yeah, 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 the fun. numbers don't actually matter. Nope. But 
I, I think Persona Five makes the final five. I do too. I, th- I, I, I think, I think it comes down to Yakuza Zero or Trails in the Sky. The I third. think so too. I, I think, think that's. that's what... I agree with that approach. But I don't think As someone who hasn't played any of them. <laughs> I can't speak for any of it. Hmm. I, I'm, like, I'm like thinking about my time at Yakuza it's Zero. A very, very it's a very, very difficult. It's a very, very difficult decision. Yeah. I, the, the one thing I wish. <laughs> 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 but then we got. Oh my gosh. Let's just do a top six. No. <laughs> <laughs> we had a top seven before, but then we have to. We have to. Yeah, we, we used down. to. It's the worst. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> the worst. I really like the top seven thing. <laughs> so I reviewed Trails Third for the site, and I didn't get to speak on it a lot earlier putting it in the top 10 and i wasn't really expecting to like it like i wasn't going in like with a frown on my face saying oh this is gonna be bad but when i had played second chapter um i don't i haven't played nearly as many kaseki or legend of heroes games as some people in this room or uh, but i've played first three in the trails in the sky games and i i didn't like how the story unfolds in the first two i feel like it's very manufactured or kind of like hackneyed Formulaic. I would call it formulaic. I just feel well, it's kind like, of yeah, I feel, Thinking about a 2004. Like in a way, I feel like some of the ways it unfolds is necessary. Like in the first chapter, you get each effectively each chapter is a city, and you learn about the city. And it just feels kind of like, I, I understand why it's that way. It serves a purpose. It It's mechanically smart, but I don't think it's mechanically interesting. And then like second chapter doubles down on it, where like each Zone chapter... Each chapter focuses on a different enforcer, and the enforcers are all numbered, so you have to assume there's like a rank. And then like each each enforcer is tied to a certain party member, and they have a history. And then like Adam was saying in our chat uh, earlier, like it, it repeats itself a few times. And then I feel I understand that it works, but I just don't think it's interesting. And then Trails in the Sky the Third kind of says like, okay, we're not doing any of that. Instead of focusing on the progression of some major plot line instead of moving the the whole narrative forward as much as the other two games we're going to focus on our strengths and this game is going to be about the characters themselves which adam already kind of really eloquent yeah so, so like the strength of shows in the sky the third is like it's like you guys have mentioned earlier it's a, it's a very big flip because second chapter completes the story of joshua and estelle while on shows in the sky the third it the main characters are kevin which used to be a party member in the previous games uh, but he has a, a like he's a very high-ranking uh, member in a, in an organization, and uh, along with the, a new character, uh, his kind of underling Reese, and it, what it does oh, well instead of like going through from town to town, going to see these characters NPCs again, it's a very uh, strongly focused on like a dungeon crawler aspect because you get sucked into this kind of realm uh, where it, it's kind of an amalgamation of all the places you've been through, but it does it in a way that kind of focuses on the uh, on the dark past uh, b- between Kevin and Reese, and the way it kind of builds up on like uh other characters besides just joshua and Estelle, like your first party members in shells in the sky the third are like fucking side characters that you like joined you way late into the game of like those previous ones and you get to see more about them uh through uh, uh narrative plot devices called the the doors like there's the moon door the sun door and the star doors and they all have uh, various uh like memories of like the other party members in there like it could be like a uh, building upon the world that like uh, that you've seen uh, in the previous ones, but like different twists of like, oh, this was what was going on behind the scenes at each of these times, uh, or it could be like just a fucking mini game like uh, that has like a narrative on top of it. Like uh, one of the characters, I forgot her name, the one who works for the delivery service, uh, uh, well, the blue haired girl. 
Josette, yeah. So you kind of get to see, uh, okay, what was going on with them and uh, still her lingering feelings for Joshua. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, in the middle of their, uh, this conversation, they're on the, uh, an opposing faction is on their tail. And you had, like, this fucking Gatling Gun minigame, like, uh, to kind of mix things up. So it's a, it's a, it's a Trails in the Sky the Third is a really weird, like, ambitious take that, like, kind of flipping uh, on, like, what people really liked about the for first and second uh, Trails in the Sky games, but kind of recontextualizes it in a way that that's a gateway for uh, for the greater story of the trail, the Kiseki storyline, which is a really fascinating thing. In so itself. where I where I was so positive on it is because like on a mechanical basis too, the first couple games, second game not as much as the first, like they open up mm-hmm. so slowly where it's like you only have two or three party members here, and the party is usually decided for you because they will rotate in and out based on their, you know, connectedness to the story. story yeah. And you'll have, mm-hmm. you know, a few crafts, a few arts, and a special, you know. But then the third gives you so many party members so quickly, and you start out with higher-level abilities where it's actually... Yeah, you start, like, level 110 yeah, or something where, in well, this the, game. Well, the level number doesn't really matter, but, but it's, yeah, more, it's exactly. more that it's just like, okay, by two hours in, three hours in, you will have to choose, okay, which party do I want to use? How do I want to set it up? Do I want to have two people be attack one do offensive magic and one healer do i need a healer like all from the get-go you kind of have this these decisions to make and it's interesting where five hours into trails in the sky you're probably josh estelle and two party members they don't have any control over <laughs> one of- yeah and i also like it i also like in trails in the sky the third that like it, it you're not really locked out of like the the higher tier magic like for too long and then it starts just throwing out really interesting like enemy patterns and like uh, towards you. So it's like one of the most difficult Trails one, games uh, in the whole series. It's probably one of the most interesting final like dungeons in the fact that, okay, I'm. this is kind of a spoiler, but not really. Your party gets split into four teams of four, and you have to go through them, and then at the very end, there's a gauntlet of boss battles where you have to do one boss with one team, another with another team, another with another team, and then the final boss with your final penultimate team. And it's just really interesting and the translator, the translation is fantastic, especially in that final portion where one of the things that XE did when they brought the Trails in the Sky games over is that they actually um, put chest messages in there. So when you go to read, like, um, look at a chest after you've opened it, it'll actually have a little message in there instead of just saying the chest is empty. And the way that the translation is kind of a bit different from the Japanese version at the very end is that it kind of, they know that, if you've gotten this far into the series, if you played SC, SC, and now you're, now you're finishing up the third, that this does mean something to you. And some of the chess messages, I feel like it's just worth mentioning just how it's kind of pushing you on and thanking you for like going this far and whatnot. I feel like one of my, one of my like blanket complaints of the first two games, like kind of one thing I was saying to myself was I wish there was more of a game here. Because I feel like kind of what Brian was saying, first chapter and second chapter, a lot of it is is it felt it felt guided, like it's you're more just along for the ride rather than actually playing a game. Whereas in third chapter, like immediately right away, like you have so many decisions to make about your party composition, and um, while it is more of a like a, a dungeon crawler and there's less less you know like plot line really. It just the fact that it felt more like a video game to me was like actually like I really appreciated that. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not like there's no story either. It's just no. a lot of it's optional. Like, and there's some really interesting it's... story in here that kind of hits you hard. Like Star Wars 15. Holy crap! I don't. I don't remember the numbers. Or the, uh, um, Ren, that, the, the, the one is Ren's. Yeah. Oh, so but that's yeah. the thing. So this game does like a character vignette style, and so like different scenes are focused around different characters, and it 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 it, it kind of scatter shots shoots all these different like types at you like there are some for example there's one that focuses on Shara now Shara is a character in the first two games and she's a fully fledged well realized character already but just one thing that just hasn't come up a lot is kind of like her past and her upbringing and you you finally get to see that and after so many hours with these characters kind of seeing that now and there's a specific little CG art with that one that kind of gets you too like it's 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 powerful to kind of see that now but and then like kind of on the flip side there's characters like agate and uh uh, tita who like they have a relationship that grows throughout the first two games and then you kind of get to see like a place that a lot of games don't get to it's kind of like while their little relationship um has kind of grown and matured after this you know after these games you kind of can can see more of it and like where do they go from here and like it's it, you don't really see that type of you know character introspection that often and then kind of what uh james was saying there's also more like plot centric things too like especially the stuff with olivier um like how it leads into what happens next in the future of this whole world as a whole it's 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 pretty significant staggering stuff and i think it works really well because the game you've already invested so many hours into these characters and that's why it works well. But that's also a big thing to ask that you kind of have to invest all these hours into these characters to have this game work for you. But so. I mean, the same thing could be said about near comedy. You have to invest the time into actually trying to understand like what they're yeah. trying to go for. I mean, I feel like if anything, the fact that the game trusts the players enough to know, okay, if you've gotten this far, then you're going to understand what we're going for and that they actually earn that. I think that's something to commend, if anything. I do. I, I, I like to, I like the way how you said, like, it earns it. There's some really big emotional scenes, whereas, like, in some other games, they may come off as, like, melodramatic or whatever. But I think they don't here because the characters are so well-realized and you've, you have all these experiences with them in, like, these huge first two games. And like I mentioned before, these games, there's a lot of text. There's a lot of talking to some people that kills them, their, their interest entirely. Um, but it, 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 it's all building up to moments like these where they can feel like they've been earned. And it's also telling too, because there's, you know, the production values of this game are, there's not, there's a game of decade made a decade ago. So all we really have to work with, like in the presentation value is text and like the animation of the sprites uh, interacting with each other. Like they have battle voices, but that doesn't really mean well, much. There's also the you know? music, which I mean, Falcom. Yeah. And of course, yeah. And of course the music it, it helps like, you know, elevate these scenes to the next level. I will say personally, oh. Trails in the Sky the Third is in my top five. I mean, I haven't played uh, Divinity and others. Well, but... I just, I just don't like being trapped in the whole, whole dungeon perspective. There's no NPC interaction, and I love having that NPC interaction. In... I mean, that's when I heard that the game was structured like that. I had the same qualm. Like, is, is it all? It's all in one dungeon. How is like that going to be fun? But... <laughs> but by the end of it, I just found that I, I didn't, it didn't bother me. By the I end. feel like the change because you already had that NPC interaction, like in the past two games, 
you know? Plus, really, the NPC interactions were just a means to an end for the world building, and you still get a lot of that world building through the star doors, the moon doors, and I mean, yeah, but there's I a lot of stuff that, I mean, that you and I know get, gets foreshadowed in the third, because we've played a bit of Crossbell, and we've played some of the games yeah. that haven't translated, but there's also a lot of stuff that, like, um, Adam and Brian, they might have gone completely over their heads, but there's just so much to the third, and it's so important for the series as a whole, and that's why it's so it's, it's probably my favorite in the series so far. So actually, I think we're kind of focusing on different things here. Like to be quite blunt, I don't. The characters are way more important to me than the world building, and I don't really care that there's stuff that might have been mentioned that I didn't grasp on yet because I haven't played future games. But the fact that you, you get so many moments with like the whole spread of characters, and it, unlike a lot of games where it's like you kind of have your protagonist and then you kind of have like your side characters or whatnot, like there are so many scenes with like between side characters in this game that are so like meaningful and moving that it, like. I don't know, like, the, like to me, it's like literally like, who cares that you can't talk to fucking NPCs? Jeez. <laughs> this comes from yeah. Adam too. <laughs> Let me. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> it seems like okay. So now that I want, I want to kind of set that aside for just right now, but I want to hear this from Alex. We were talking about this before at the top. What is your opinion when it comes to tangential titles? Because Yakuza Five a couple years ago won our best tangential, and now it's here trying to win the award for best RPG and I want to hear and, 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 and so is Zelda it's our top five of the year and I think we, we talked earlier about how we want our top five to represent games that we think our audience the hardcore RPG fan really wants to play and because of that we disqualified a few more very traditional LucasArts-esque adventure novels. games yeah 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 and visual novels um but I I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm picking this last game, it's, it's Yakuza. Um, yeah, I have to agree. But... <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> well, well, there it is. Yakuza, Yakuza. Um, just because, so, 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 I, I want to just briefly touch on my perspective on that. Coming as somebody who isn't a mega, mega, mega fan in the way that Kazuma is, for instance, and that is to say, the, the reason that I think it's special is because this is a series that has never taken me has never caught me in the way that you would want um and you know this comes from the perspective of someone where i remember playing it on the ps2 because i'd been recommended it because basically you know i'd been told the age-old thing which people get told about this series which was this is the closest thing you're going to get to shenmue um and i and i fucking love shenmue which is maybe a conversation we'll have next year maybe and and yeah zero made me made me care about 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 that series which is something that i didn't think was going to happen i know that happened with kyle as well um uh, and so that's why it's on my list but but also i'm well aware that trails has never been something that has ever uh has ever latched on with me and certainly one of the things that has put me off that series is that they all look very similar and they're all enormous. That's talking for you, yeah. Well, if you can actually play Zen no Kiseki 3, that is the superior RPG choice over Persona 5, if you can actually play it right now. Well, that's also the thing. Uh, uh, okay, I, I really don't like to trivialize it like this, but it's that you need to have played the other two games to enjoy Trails of Sky the Third, right? 
as yes. opposed to like Acquisition Zero, yes. which is the yeah, start of the saga. Much right? That's also yeah. one problem yeah. with this one. This one connects every single one. Not just it connects to Sky, it connects to Crossbell, and it connects to Cold Steel. You need to play all. Well, we we shouldn't be talking too much about Sen Three here. No, yeah. no, let's, let's not let's not do that. Of course, because obviously it's, it's not even being announced for localization. But like, we I, also the consider. I, I hate to because this is our list. So let me not. I'm not gonna like put down any of the opinions here because this is our list. We're the ones that get to decide the rules about it. At the same time, it's that would I have as much appreciation for this game as you guys do, having played all those games? Well, quite simply, it's a game that you need to play Trails in the Sky and Trails in the Sky second chapter. That's a given, yeah. I know that much. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like there is room in the industry for games like this where you need to have played previous games to understand. And I feel like that's what makes it so special is it's not afraid to be that game where there is a barrier to entry. And the thing that um, Adam and I were talking about, the one with the characters and how it feels like it earns those moments, well... That's the reason why there is that barrier to entry, because otherwise those moments would not stick. And do you think it caps off the trilogy, quote-unquote trilogy, well? Yes, it caps off the trilogy well while also doing a fantastic job at leading up to events to come in later games. It pretty much wraps up all any loose plot threads in the, in the Trails in the Sky games, and then it, it, it's like that barrier to like... Uh, to like... It alludes to like future arcs, but it doesn't leave any any loose threads behind, like what it established the first. Okay, so with that, with, so with it that is a complete the case, Then I want to hear Kazuma. Now's your chance to describe to us why Yakuza Zero should be put in the top five. Okay, so first of all, I will say that in no way am I a super fan of like anything except for I guess. Well, <laughs> I was okay, say, I, I was called. I don't know. No. I think that the okay, shoe no. in your I'm, avatar. I, uh, the shoe. Okay, I the get shoe. it. <laughs> That's my shoe. That's my shoe. Um, I it's will issue. say, issue. yeah, it's. Uh, I will say that um, the previous Yakuza games that I played, like four and five, I really wasn't a huge fan of. I was actually like not going to buy any more of the games after Yakuza Five. Oh, I, I love five. Correction. Like, oh. Yeah, I. Oh. I, 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 I guess I, if you're an eye for approach, you enjoyed the other one. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and so when I picked up Zero, it was just like, ah, oh, well, I, um, I'm gonna play it because I just beat 15 and my expectations are very low and maybe my boyfriend will like watching this kind of thing. Um, and I was completely blown away by Yakuza Zero. Uh, and this is not just because, like, my mom is from Dotonbori, so like, I get to see a place where she grew up. And other people get to experience this, uh, red light district and this nightlife, and they get to learn about the culture and the characters, and even through like the hostess minigame, you get to learn about uh, things about the hostesses, about their personalities, about their jobs. Yakuza takes place in the real world, despite, you know, like names being changed and whatnot, because you don't wanna, you didn't wanna have association with the game that talked about the Goku or Yakuza, because that could be seen as like bad association, but now this series is so big in Japan, it gets yearly releases, it has huge cross promotions with all kinds of businesses. Kiyu was like, the face of the Sony Xperia. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, selling phones. I mean, I have it, so I guess it worked. Um, but uh, you get to learn so much about Japanese culture, and you get to learn about uh, these bonds between characters, and you get to learn about real issues that things are not, the things that are not usually talked about at all in Japan. And like, I don't want to spoil anybody, but this game literally addresses like the racism against. Uh, Chinese people in Japan and half oh, Japanese people in Japan, and um, you do not 
see this in most popular media because this is very taboo to talk about. It also has the representation of positive masculinity and uh, relationships between men and vulnerability, real vulnerability, and characters have completely realized arcs. They also expand upon characters that have already been introduced, making them more tangible and more believable. And honestly, this game is a complete cinematic experience. Like when people like David Cage are like, I want to make a movie out of a video game. The Yakuza series is literally an Asian crime drama, but playable. Like, despite all of its weird, absurdist elements, um, it's... Uh, you have these cutscenes that have so much emotion and are so well-acted, and so many twists and turns you don't see coming, uh, that it's just... It's so hard to describe, but it's honestly such an amazing experience. Uh, and I would like more people to play it, even if it doesn't make our top five, just so they can see and realize these things about Japanese culture, because this is a game series where you will really see this. And I don't want to compare it to Persona, but unfortunately I have to. Uh, Persona has these supernatural elements to it, and therefore it kind of removes it from reality. And Yakuza makes you face these things and uh, realize that these are real issues, or maybe these are the stories of real people and groups of people that exist in Japan. And uh, you come to understand that uh, orphans are not treated very well uh, because they do not fall under this traditional idea of what a family is like. Um, people who are not Japanese natives, etc., etc. And you learn and you really grow to like understand and sympathize with these characters and why they want to be part of this organization or maybe why they want to leave. I, so. yeah, I just want to, yeah, I just want to add to the Persona point about that. I, 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 uh, yeah, th there are many things which, as I argued earlier, that Persona does well, but, um, but this is one of those things where absolutely, um, Yakuza does it so much, d does the thing of commentating on Japanese culture so much better, something that, um, that Persona wants to do so dearly. Um, and tries, and in some instances it's successful, and in others it is not. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 the way Yakuza does it is 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 really really impressive. Mm -hmm. It's it's like um, weird when you see like some of the content in Xenoblade Chronicles, for example. It's like you still get some of that stuff, like oh, they're really making fun of some of the, the gay people. And then you get into like uh, Yakuza Zero. It sounds like it it's way more addresses that head on you know uh well yeah so um i mean there are like instances in which there will be like transphobia or homophobia in japan but that is because these are real issues and they talk about them um not out outside of yakuza zero there is actually a lesbian hostess in kiwami one and then the original yakuza one and like kiryu isn't like oh that's weird he's like oh that's cool like you do you and you like help her talk about her sexuality and everything she even asked Kiyu if he'd begin to do this, like, well, I've never, like, thought about it before. So, like, the series does t touch upon these issues. In Zero, it's, again, more about, like, um, nationalism and racism and the people affected by this kind of prejudice. And it also uh, very realistically shows the bubble period in Japan, because that's when this takes place. That's why when you punch enemies, like, dollar bills just come flying out of them. So, this, <laughs> so good. this takes place in a very real part of Japan with... Um, real character motivations and whatnot. And it's all very humble and very simple, but executed in such a way that it leaves a long-lasting impression. Like, I can say that, like, man, that, that forest cutscene, I think I cried for, like, 30 minutes after that. Like, that was so much. It was so emotional and so good. And it was just so the, moving. So if incredible. Could, if we're arguing for if Yakuza should be in the top five, one 
there was one moment in this game that um that the because you I, you go and for, back and forth between uh majima and uh kiryu through like you know chapter one's kiryu chapter two's majima so on and so forth and for the longest while i thought are these two storylines actually connected like i just wasn't sure like maybe this is just an origin story for these two characters and it's just like i don't know it's like an anthology thing or something and then there's a moment in one of the chapters i won't say what it is where it all ties together and i'm like oh my god that's perfect like it just it yeah. just it were it's such a like great revelation and so much of it makes sense afterwards like and the story is legit really 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 good in zero i loved it and it's like immensely satisfying um uh just the it's the whole climax is just like the greatest thing it's just it's such a like like it's such a like shit-eating grin on, um on my face during that whole climax and it's just such a like i just love how like charming it is like a lot of people like you know you know we bring up like the side stories and whatnot and they are like that game can be just legitimately like like genuinely funny and i think that's sometimes one of the hardest things a game can do i think i it balances its tone really yeah. well it's all over the place but it's really good at balancing yeah, it knows it. when to be serious and when to be funny and like it, it it nails all that stuff but it's like it's genuinely funny like for the longest time i used to think oblivion was the funniest game ever and that was just because the bugs were so bad um <laughs> and like not because the game was trying to be funny but like you know uh Yakuza Zero is legitimately hilarious, and I think it, I really think it's it's it was like the first game I beat in 2017, and and I think it's absolutely still one of the best, and I think it deserves to be up there. Also, one of the strengths that Zero has that no other Yakuza has is it's like the the time period it is, and the the faithful recreation of Japan during that 80s period. It's uh, it's fascinating. It's stunning. One of the side it, it looks gorgeous. Helping a kid get a copy of Dragon Quest three, pretty much. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really funny yeah. I gotta play this game. Yeah, Dragon Quest yeah. Three is great, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's yeah. Best it's one like it's literally one of the best for sure. Um, it, it's it's not an easy decision, but I think after playing both, like I I would probably edge it out to Yakuza Zero, but just barely. I, I honestly, that up to after me. hearing James's argument and Kazuma's argument, and no, I haven't played Yakuza. I would I would give Yakuza the fifth spot. I'm, I'm not convinced. It feels like when we were talking about it to me, and I don't mean to step on any shoes, but any toes. Um, I, I think I think besides for Alex, none of us really felt super enthralled by Persona 5 as an overall package. And it seems like... Oh, I liked it a lot. Well, I mean, I'm, I didn't I'm, I'm with too, Alex. I feel like it sounds like there's a lot more... Passion? I guess hype, yeah, passion around both Yakuza and Trails over... Hey, can I... Go ahead. Can I be like, well, am I echoing here? Okay. Um, am I, if I, if I can be brutally honest with like myself here, actually hearing James and and Chow talk about Trails in the Sky as the third, like your enthusiasm for it, I think actually lessened mine a little bit, because you keep talking about like these connections to like future games, like they're. I I feel like I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, like uh, out of super bonus. It's good, Ooh. but like, it, it just. Pierces. I feel like people put a lot of emphasis on like, oh, this thing that was teased earlier shows up later. How cool! It's like, are you One Piece fans as well? Because they One Piece does that all the time. Well, <laughs> Holy shit! Wow! Man, too much emphasis on those sorts of things, and like, uh, yeah, like. 
it's like Star Wars. You guys had absolutely legitimate yeah, point. Yeah, we have a little yeah. tunnel vision here because it's a single game, right? We got to focus on this. So, anyways, I, I feel like I, I, I really like Trails. And as I said several times and drawn on enough here, I think it improves on things I wasn't <clears> on <throat> in the first two games um, because of the way it was structured and ordered. But, like, I don't know. The fact that it's like, it seems like a lot of people who are more familiar with the series, like, it's, it, they like it just because it has connected to other games. Well, actually, like, I uh, would say that one, like, the Crossbell game, is actually pretty standalone. You could actually play it without knowing. But, well, no, I, I'm not arguing that at all. Like, Trails in the Sky, the third, you absolutely have to play the first two games yeah, to get absolutely. anything out of it. Like, and that's also one reason why I maybe wouldn't put it in the top five because I'm I'm more arguing about the series as a whole. Like I'm kind of encapsulating these first two games into my argument for this game, where Yakuza Zero sounds like you can basically just play that on its own, and it's a great starting point. It's a great. I don't know if it's great absolutely standalone, but it's certainly more than Trails is. Well, absolutely, me, yeah. I want to hear from. Uh, sorry, I want to I want to hear from Liz in a moment because I I know she wants to talk about this, but I think I do think it's important because Alex brought it up. Persona Five. It's that the entertainment factor plays a big role like how enjoyable how enjoyable is it is it being for you if you aren't so into if, if you don't hold a lot of weight in story and characters it's like is chosen sky the third as entertaining as a game like yakuza zero is but liz i want to i want to hear from you because you did mention in the chat you want to talk about this a little bit oh what <laughs> maybe you can't oh no sorry oh, no. i was muted okay oh uh, <laughs> please talk um i I do mainly agree with James that I feel like we have more compelling reasons to put both Yakuza and Trails in the Sky over Persona. Um, I haven't actually played Trails in the Sky the third. I, I still can't even beat the first game because it's so slowly paced that I can't get myself to finish it. But um, the way they talk about it, it just seems like it's such a great conclusion to the trilogy that starts with one and two. That I feel like we're so divisive on, or yeah, divisive on Persona 5 that it, it just feels like it doesn't really belong as opposed to the third. My, my feeling is just that, you know, in Persona's defense, is that there are elements of that game that really got people whipped up into a frenzy on the negative side. Um, and so we had a big, long discussion about that my point that i that i made before and that i i stand by is that there are there's an enormous enormous amount about that game that is incredibly special incredibly ambitious incredibly impressive even for all the things it goes wrong the worst stuff it does wrong is really the the, the stuff around Anne as 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 was discussed earlier that's really the the biggest um the the, the biggest misstep the game makes but in many other places it is it is immensely immensely impressive and the thing i'd say is is that if 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 i if i if i was to sit and dissect the things that i thought were relatively middling about trails in the same way that game would sound a lot worse too it's fair enough because because you know like like we can talk about like you know as as liz just sort of touched on you can talk we can talk about uh, Persona's pacing, which has some real fucking bad problems towards the end, which is something of a Japanese RPG tradition. But hey ho, um, and but for me, those pacing problems are literally the entire series as far as Trails is concerned, which is why I've, why I found them really difficult to play. I completed the first one. I got maybe two thirds into the second one, and I played a bit of the third one. Um, to be clear, um, 
yeah, I just, yeah, I'd like, like, it's one of those things where everyone seems to be focused on all these things about Persona's story they didn't like, which is fair enough, because, you know, that's, that's, there are many places in which that game's story goes awry, but the things that I say is that game has so much more beyond that, and in fairness to that game, its story is standing up against two of the most beloved uh, JRPG stories ever. Um, it's sort of like uh, Persona 5 feels like the, the Final Fantasy 8 to Persona 4's Final Fantasy 7 and maybe Persona 3's Final Fantasy 6 in that it's a mechanically rich game with a lot of cool ideas that really drops the ball in some areas in terms of narrative but it also is really bold in terms of design and these are the things where I'm like when I line them up um, I think this is borne out in, in how um readers have responded to it and how the general audience has responded to it and how other critics responded to it i do think there is an, an enormous enormous amount special about that game and it's like if you're talking about my point is the the, the, the top four that sit there right now i suppose in some way or another i think of them all as really brave really interesting really bold games the final two that we have left on the bottom, I think they're both fantastic games, but I wouldn't describe them in the same terms. Like Divinity and being a bold, brilliant um, revival of an old school style of RPG with uh, just immense amounts of content. Zelda for just about everything about it. Nier for the way it tells its story and Persona for the way in which it presents itself, the way it's built itself and the way it, it, it's, it's, it's shown to the player are all, I think, really fucking special and notable. I don't think... I like I like Yakuza 0 a great deal, but I don't think anything about Yakuza 0 or Trails fit, it is, is is strong in the same way. Which is um, why I, I think... I'd so probably argue that. Something. Uh, can I spoil something about Trails in the Sky 3rd? It tackles some pretty tough that. subjects. In fact, when I brought up Star Door 15 earlier, that's because in that door it tackles... Um, can we spoil it, technically? Yeah. Or? I, I mean, I mean, it, 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 like, I, I, I don't know if that if spoiling that will elevate it. That's but, the no, thing. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it's more, like, it's more like bringing it up for shock about value. About it being bold, then Star Wars 15 is really freaking bold. You know, I, I, okay, that, that's like, I like, but that's like, I, like um, it, that is a plot point, a major plot point, it, it but it's not like it, it, it doesn't I mean, define it's, the game. It's a door. It doesn't define the Tacked into the final dungeon area at the end of the game. So can I? I kind of wanted to bring up this whole point, and I remember Josh made this point last year when we were talking. I think it was last year when we were talking about uh, Cold Steel Two. Um, we were at mm -hmm. like this point with Cold Steel Two, and mm -hmm. your point, your point was that I can't remember what the game it was up against, but we were in this exact same position. You were like, "Well, I really like this game, but so much of it relies on you playing the game that came before it." Is that like the case? Like that's that's kind of what I said earlier. The that, one reason exactly why I like Trails in the Sky the Third encapsulates the first two games so it's more like i'm talking about kind of all three in a sense rather than just this game alone mm -hmm. and I that's the think... thing on the flip side is that's the thing that's so impressive about yakuza zero is that despite the fact it comes from this 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 fairly lengthy series i mean admittedly the fact that it's a prequel helps it of course but it's it's it, it, it's the opposite of that it is the opposite of that yeah, but both of yeah, them have well, like what's the, more like, impressive, having a game that stands really, really well on its own, or having a game that 
manages to tie these three stories, like really long RPGs together and tie a nice bow. All I say yeah. about that is the year that Mass Effect 2 won Game of the Year for Mercy did not win because it used story from Mass Effect 1 in some impressive ways. It won because it was a fucking incredible standalone adventure that you could mm-hmm. play regardless of if you knew anything about the, sec- the, uh, the first game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should really ever discount uh, when a trilogy is capped off very well because, you know, there's definitely been games in the past where you're like, wow, that was great that they were able to manage that. Um, I will say, just for a moment, separating the fact, like, if you took out all the references and things like that and i know that this was brought up before about the fact that it all takes place in a dungeon do you think outside of that aspect with all the other aspects because we're talking about game of the year so it has to be great in all aspects does it stand up uh as its own standalone game even if it's a trilogy the end of a trilogy Uh, i'll be frank and say it doesn't okay no i wouldn't say it would stand up if it's a standalone game because You'll be having all these stories. You'll be like completely lost. Like, who the hell are these guys? And they're talking. Yeah, about and, and to be fair, like Falcom, obviously they put a lot of weight into the stories, so it's kind of difficult to say something like this. But I just I'm, want to be sure. I'm not sure I if do... that's really a fair comparison, but I can understand what you're trying to say. Well, I well the thing is with trails. This is impressive in its own right, really. Is and I said this starting off. It, it, like there aren't that many game series that go as long as this one has, and we're only talking about like, the third game of seven or whatever eight. eight. Um, and so, like, I, there's a lot more after this. And so, like, but the thing is, is just that these games are so dense with dialogue and characterization that they're kind of they're necessarily connected to each other in a way. Um, but I also feel like Trails is more just a well-executed, like, fantasy narrative where I do think, like I mentioned earlier, Estelle does talk on some things about like the the paths take through people take through life and things like that that can be a little bit transcend the game world, but Yakuza is like and actually about a story about like a real place, not with real characters obviously, but you know I think the the fact that it's a little bit more connected to reality uh, helps in a sense. Look, 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 just just listen to this. Like Yaku, Yakuza <laughs> has a character named Nugget and it's a chicken. And oh, yes, your friend. <laughs> so that's and all I have to say. can manage your cabaret club. Exactly. Like what? Yeah, what, but the what? but the girls in the cabaret club are very real. Like, of course, they got real actresses, but they all have unique backstories, personalities, yeah. motivations for being there, and you get to know them as people and understand more about the character you're playing by talking to them as well. And like, also, not, those mini games are here that I'm not good. arguing against Yakuza Zero being in the top five. Oh, I, no matter what, I agree it needs to be in the top five. I'm just saying I feel like Trails. And Yakuza should be in the top five over Persona. I, 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 my, my opinion is now, having heard all these arguments, my opinion is that um, I think it should be Yakuza. I think Trailsford is a great game, but I think the main point that I keep coming back to is, is, is what Adam said about you know, when he talks about it, he's almost talking more about the series as a whole. A series that, let us not forget, has been awarded pretty heavily every year by us. Every year there's been one. First first one did uh, in 2015. Uh, the second one got, I think it was two awards. Definitely won one of the uh, one of the main awards and was a runner-up for the final award. I think that's probably um, like that. Like, it, it's just one of those things. If what this is doing is is basically tidying out that series, doing more of the same iterating in iterating in decent ways uh, but ultimately is just sort of going right you know here is this 
tidied up and finished. In that sense, I think it's obviously close because we've been talking about this for ages now. But I just think, in, in, in even in the face of its faults, and also Nier, which is a deeply, which is also a deeply flawed game in some really specific, really strong ways. Yeah. Um, I think they have more to offer beyond their beyond their faults. It's almost like yes, they might be more flawed than Trails, but Trails is like you know it's playing a tune and doing something that is very that, that has been practiced. With two prior games, it's been tested and tried, and this is the the iteration of that. Fair. I mean, Persona Five obviously a very different presentation, but I can't speak for any three of these games because I haven't played them. But just based on the arguments alone, I do think that yeah, Persona Five is very much different from Persona Four in many respects. In some it's, ways, it's similar. In other ways, it's iterative yeah. in other ways. Like we had the story, the story discussion earlier, but yeah. to be honest, I don't think the story is what puts that on this list it's the it's the presentation it's the combat it's the style it's the it's the way the music is integrated into the game etc etc the story and the pace are probably the, that game's two biggest problems but the thing is i think the other stuff is so amazing that it doesn't negate that enough i mean like, when you think about when you think about it like, uh, like the previous been uh, previous games in like previous years when you awarded them we awarded them based on not because they played it safe because they took risks that outside of their fucking storied franchises they they're the ones who really like like okay we feel we feel like that that things have become kind of been on the level too dry in a sense that like we need to start making uh, severe changes maybe it might alienate you know a section of our audiences that are more traditional and true but you know we want to make this more interesting You're, and really want to go out I, there and take I kind of wanted to say something uh, regarding the whole like I know some people like get really uppity about what is an RPG as we all know anyone that ever has access to the Twitter account I'm gonna bring so, up when um, I brought him I think I don't think you were here for the conversation uh, we had before Kyle about regarding tangential titles but go ahead no all, all I was gonna say is like kind of by definition uh, a lot of even like the most lauded RPGs in video game history don't fit the definition of like what they're pulling from at all sure. like if a tabletop game like the reason like like you if you're playing a, a a character like an actual character like Geralt or something it's you're not really role playing in the way that that like the term comes from in from like Dungeons and Dragons and that's why I I always kind of think when people because you know because you just know people are gonna get so fucking worked up because Breath of the Wild is even in this conversation, right? Oh or, yeah, or, or yeah, because uh, or, or uh, yeah, and, or, and like I really, I even remember the year we gave Bloodborne Game of the Year. Somehow people thought that that's not an RPG uh, because said, like it, but just like people get people get so hung up on that though. And my thoughts are like, we all are pretty passionate about the genre, but like you gotta like give it some breathing room too because like yeah. like 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 Can't what's traditional like the like the the only game on this list that's like probably like perfectly fits the true definition definition <laughs> of an rpg is divinity doki doki yeah, 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 yeah. Back, yeah. um but i, I think persona does too probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it, it but Fair the thing list. is all i'm saying is like because like because i know people are going to get up at like about that you know with certain titles being included and i don't think it's screw those it's guys not, it's it's not that important is what i'm saying no <laughs> i i i 100 agree with you and i don't want to just complain about nobody's for too long you know just random randos on twitter or whatever yeah. but 
people i think put way too much stock into like this is an rpg and this is not and it's just kind of like why are you being why why does it have to be delineated so clearly or not like you're just it's, putting way too much effort into this it's just like rpg well, anyways RPGs. for the for the topic at hand for deciding our fifth I think Alex has kind of convinced me that we can think that Trails Third is the best out of those three, and that it's really good for being the capper of that trilogy. Yeah. But then, uh, on its the, own the, merits, the, the thing that absolutely kills it, stone dead for me, is the is, is the the this, the single sentence that you need to play the other two, which are yes. like a hundred hours each. I kind of or this game is fucking dead to you. I At that point, it can be yeah. as good as it likes. Well, like. I just want to point out also that like I never played a Yakuza game and I didn't know anything about really about the series at all when I played Zero and I and it's still one of my favorites of the year. It's it's an amazing game completely on its own. Well, and I, I want to do mention that I know it's weird coming back to this since we cut it out so early, but like for example, Utoro Mono Mask of Truth. It's the third in a trilogy oh, as well. God. I just want to say, man, <laughs> why you gotta play this up, Alex? <laughs> I'm not sure about your opinions. I could have said Persona <laughs> Five a long time ago. I've yet to play Persona Five, and I'm in. Yeah, Persona Five is anime as fuck. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, technically it really is. But I'm just—I was just going to say—is that that game had an amazing. It, it did a great job as someone who played the first game like fifteen, like a decade ago, I think, in college, and then Mask of Deception. To be fair enough, you guys didn't have like we didn't have to wait like years between releases like the Charles and Sky series for one reason or another. It's that. It was a very, very satisfying end to that to that trilogy in a sense, and I had a great time. And it really capped it, like made sure to tie up all the loose ends, and it was great in that regard. On its own, would I say it's like uh, an amazing gameplay experience? Not really, because uh, it's mostly visual novel. But I still had a, an amazing time with it, and I think that some of those same arguments you could apply in at least in a broad sense to Charles and the Sky the Third, in that it's like the gameplay might not be that compelling in a way uh but the story elements make it for you but if you had not played mask of deception or the original toromana for example it would not be as interesting and actually you wouldn't know what the hell's going on but that's a given i mean it's clearly you're, you're supposed to be playing the third one we're not doing like adam did where he played xenosaga episode two before he played episode one which is a very stupid thing to do um i think <clears throat> i think what a Zach just said is very fair. I feel like if I had actually gotten to playing Utoaru de Gumano, I'd probably feel very similarly about that game as I do about the third. Yeah, and my corner about this, but no, I don't. <laughs> Damn it, James. Um, what happened? You said you would. It's really tough because I understand where you're coming from. I do feel like Trails in the Sky third does change up a lot of things compared to the previous games, but it's also a Trails in the Sky game. It's not like... And it's not like Persona 5 changes that that much compared to Persona 4. Like, the dungeons are different, but the story... I really think it, I really think it does, though. Like, you know... I mean, it... I, I, mean I, I do want to say that if it was any other year, Persona 5 would be my top five. It's just been a crazy year for RPGs, and I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, there are just better games out there. Yeah. That's, that's how I look at it. Yeah, um, I, I, it's, just, that... it's really, really hard to narrow it down to five this year. It, I, it really is. I think if you're talking for, in my perspective, it's that the choice oh, is easy about, for me. Yeah, and and keep in mind, we are still going to list the five that don't make it into the final five. It's just that basically the way that we will format it is the final five will get full-blown write-ups of a couple of paragraphs each. Yep. And the other five will just like be mentioned as these were the remainder of our top ten. Um, so all these games are going to get their dues. 
But how is it going to be yeah. ordered in the Mercy Mini Top? Anyway, okay. It's not, yeah, we're we're not too much. We're not, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we're, I know. I'm not just playing with you. But, like, I just... I, it, I, I'm stuck on that point of the whole game, really, it all hinges on you having played. I yeah, have to I, agree. I, I, I think that, I, I guess, guess, I think that I guess Yakuza on Zero's one hand, biggest that's strength. the game's strength, that it can tie it together, but on the other hand, it's like, I guess you guys are right, that... No, that's it, exactly it. Like you said before, not, it, it earns a... its moments, but it has to. But you have to basically, like, is it put more in more than work? its story? Yeah, is it yeah. more than its story? Is the big point is that it's great that it caps off the trilogy, but as putting that aside, is it's the rest of the game just as fun? You know, just as great as it's, can, as the way they did it. If I Go can ahead. chip in uh, for a moment, um, I do think that an ideal game of the year uh, has to be accessible. I think a big reason why The Witcher 3 was so popular and sold so much was because even though you had two previous games and you had seven books that you could even read, you didn't exactly need to do that in order to get everything that you could out of The Witcher 3. Like, I played The yeah. Witcher 3 without playing the previous two games or reading the seven books, and afterwards I loved it so much that I went back to read all seven books, and I've yet to play the other two games, but that doesn't mean that I can't get all that from the witcher 3 that i already did uh versus like having to put in the time to play both previous games in order to get as much as i could from the witcher 3 so i think that yeah, really that point. conversation yeah. about accessibility is really important when it comes to picking an ideal I, game of the year i don't necessarily think accessibility is that important just because i feel mm -hmm. like games like thrills in the sky the third where you do need to have played those previous games has a right to exist and they, they I, and honestly, right I'll just it. say this right now. I know Chow will disagree with me, but when Zero no Kiseki comes over, now no Kiseki come over, you should not play those games without having played the Trails in the Sky trilogy. Full stop. And I like that about mm -hmm. them. That's why I love those games so much, but I can also understand why that would turn some people off. I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the game, but I do think it's a problem with it's not a problem with the game itself, but it's a problem with getting people to play the game because it's not for everyone. Well, the system well, let me, is flawed, Let me man. just say real quick is that I reviewed Charles and Sky, the first chapter for the site. I didn't play the other games, except for maybe like an hour of the second, second chapter. Cold Steel uh, I then I then reviewed Trails of Cold Steel. So I didn't play any of those games before then. I mean, obviously, this Trails of Cold Steel was sort of designed to be a... a, a uh, jumping off point for for the series like you can jump into that i still had a great time with that game and i spent like that was one of the longest games i've ever played uh, from what game. i can tell from osmosis and other people talking about it cold, cold steel, steel one is, cold steel one is like that but cold steel three is not no yeah, it's not steel that's why it'd be hard every ever game yeah. that's the thing is like it's i would i would say like if i was arguing for example like uh, being a huge fan of Trolls of cold steel if I can recommend it, people to play, uh, if I went to Charles of Cold Steel three and I reviewed that game after se uh, the second one, and I went to three, I would have a very tough time saying like this would be uh, it'd be my personal top. Maybe that's probably my favorite game of that year, um, but I had a very tough time convincing other people to play that and say like, oh, this is great, but only after you play the other one. Go play the other ones. It's like oh, well, okay, I guess, but I really want to play your game of the year. Oh, wait off, hold on. Hold on. Really pro would be a huge problem because then at that point you have seven seven other huge RPGs that you'd have to play and that is literally like 
six hundred, seven hundred hours. That's why it's like it's it's like uh, the, it's like the qualm is there, and it's it sucks because obviously there's some big fans of that, and, and Falcon makes some great great games uh, in terms of the story and everything. But like when you have to like put a, like an asterisk after it and say like this is our game of the year, but you should probably play the other ones first. This actually makes it a lot better than it. It's like it's it can be tough. It's you know. not it's yeah. not a fault, but it does in some ways work against it. Yeah. And I can accept that. But, yeah. but you know, like some of the games, you know, they're kind of they. It just adds more you play the other games, but you don't feel completely lost when you start a new arc. You know. Yeah. Well, if Mass Effect Three was a great game, and we would say that was our game of the year, for example, then it would be like. That, uh, then all of a sudden we were like being a little hypocritical about it, but at the same time, it's like it's. It's great to hear that Trails of Sky the Third nails the landing, um, but on its own, if you think the game isn't quite better than uh, in terms of like the formula it's presenting, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't do anything that remarkably new outside of the storytelling. Then it's kind of tough. Incidentally, yeah. I'm pretty sure that this end like there was the all the ending stuff, but I'm pretty sure this is the exact ground that Mass Effect Three ran up on when we were debating our awards that year i'm pretty sure it was all about the best bits of that game require you to have played the previous two games oh, i do remember which wasn't that. which wasn't the case for for for, for two. two. Oh, it's not um two was fun by its own well if there's so, precedent there then i'll concede like I'm, I'm pretty certain that was the ground that that the me3 ran ran because we were okay with the ending we had an editorial and everything saying people were acting like children which yeah. i still stand by yeah. <laughs> you do say um, goodbye to some of those characters but it's like it, that emotional impact isn't as tough if you don't know about them and the that's, end, the, yeah the, the ending wasn't as good as it could have been but basically yeah, yeah. we never thought that the ending was like a uh, the the black mark on the no, game it's you, not. you like, definitely it's they didn't need awful. to order like swatting people in Edmonton over the <laughs> no. like that no, literally. Oh, that yeah. Oh, like the yeah, the, the like the plane rides stuff like that. People being caught out. That was just shit. So yeah. Okay. But anyways, so three is a good game. Is the point? <laughs> it, it's fine. I wouldn't say it's a good I game. Uh, but so it sounds like if if the concession's there, I want to make sure that everyone's okay with that though before we move on. I got yeah. it a long time ago. Look, okay. I presented my argument. Nugget is in Yakuza. I'm sorry that I wasted an hour of our time. <laughs> no, it's not wasting. We need... No, this is fine. actually... This, this is what is, it is. This is the whole point. Yeah. Yes. The last yeah. five should be the one that we... Uh, the one that we decided is number five in the group of five is the one I expected to spend the most time on because this is when... Right now... I don't know, actually, if this is going to be tough at all, but this is our last five. Um, just to read them off, the final five, which will decide the game of the year. We've got Nier Tamada. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Divinity Original Sin 2, Persona 5, and Yakuza 0. And before we move on, I just want to say, holy shit, these are some amazing games. And it's great that they all came out in a single year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's... We have our top 10s. We we haven't given a game a 10 since, like, Mass Effect 2, I think. So it's we had, like, three of them Yeah, Mass Effect 2 is the last one. Yeah. Oh, well, I think and Rampa, but that was just... David. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just. I don't care. If anyone says I'm wrong. That game sucks. What? <laughs> what I don't. I don't. I don't play Danganronpa to hear Monokuma quote Donald fucking Trump. <laughs> I don't even remember that at all. But maybe if I did. I, I think uh, he's I, talking about V3. The V3. Just, yeah. No. I was talking about one and two. Uh, oh, sorry. I think you agreed with us that they are deserving of tens, right? That was. No. Uh, I didn't give the first one a ten. Oh it, no. I love the second one. 
Yeah. Well, two. no, David. I was, all I was saying was David, who doesn't really do anything for us anymore, gave those games both tens, and it's just. I, I don't think know. they're deserving of tens, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I'm just saying the point is, is that we very rarely give those out. Uh, I think, and this year we gave out three of them. Uh, and they happen to be in our top five, which is great. Now, coincidental, we actually said at the beginning that that didn't guarantee the spots. They got their spots. I guess <laughs> it didn't matter. This, this is it. The finish line is in sight. Yes, uh, sort of. And, well, I, I don't know. We, we'll see. We don't know how long this is going to take, but... Don't put, you don't need um, slashes anymore, guys. You don't have to put that stuff. It doesn't matter. So now, one of these has to be chosen for our... Our tale of the tape for the main event of the evening. <laughs> okay, well, well we, can, we can start slashing off the. I think I think the bottom like... two can go based on all the debate we just had. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think yeah. I think they're both great games and they both get their um have their dues. But yeah, and then. <sighs> and so here's. Uh... Here's, here's as much as I love, as much as I love Divinity, I could make an argument for why it's not the winner. For so, so, so okay. I, I, here's here's my here's my thing. I relating to what we said about tangential games earlier. I do think when push comes to shove, Zelda is the best game this year. However, mm -hmm. talking about our site and our audience, mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it in the top spot. It's I do think I, I do think here. the optics of that would be really. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think it's. I think it's, it's what's crazy. Uh, just to mention what Brian was talking about is that Divinity Original Sin, an incredible experience. I had an amazing time with that game. Yeah, but it was the best. It was yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, it was the best game of 2014, bar none. I mean, there wasn't. To be fair, this is at a time when the. It's crazy to think how far it's come in just in three years. Uh, this year, it's got some really top competition it's still an incredible game that you can play even if you haven't played the first one and uh, like i said i've only played about 10 hours and i'm having a hell of a time uh it's just crazy because like you can actually pick up brush or rocks or barrels and like hide in them and like move with it like a cartoon it's so hilarious uh that you can like get around crowds that way um <laughs> and there's a lot of the same uh, amazing experiences that were in the first game but when you put them up against uh legend of zelda which i insanely loved uh when i played it and near automata which i've got some qualms about uh it's not it's it i don't think i, I agree with brian it's probably not going to be able to beat these two so yeah it's just i can't put it into words because i'm not a good wordsmith but it just doesn't have anything about it like every uh, what can i go yeah. on yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead okay uh it's just that i think i think divinity does pretty much everything incredibly well its story the gameplay is so varied I think Boroslav uh, Slavov or whatever his name was, the new composer, did an excellent job uh, kind of mimicking slash creating from Krill Porosky. I, I can't say that name. His work. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, but it's just that it doesn't have anything to it that is like magical or, you know, it makes you like, this is going to sound hackneyed, but set the controller down which is a keyboard in this case but oh yeah there was definitely tracks in the first game where i wanted to just sit there and listen to the music for ages pick, so I totally pick up that. the keyboard and put it down <laughs> <laughs> oh I made a same noise. oh that's great uh, All right. this is this is this is something incredibly special it's special but it's just it's just well crafted it's incredibly smart it's put together in an amazing way but it just doesn't have that extra bit of I can't think of a better word of magic that the other two kind of have. Like when when Kyle talked about his 45 minute excursion to go to the mountain, the heck he saw up there from the tower. Mm -hmm. That 
that is something that a game of the year has and divinity two just doesn't have that. it's it's got a great atmosphere so far from what i played a uh, great art direction everything seems organic it's like nothing's like everything that's just naturally placed and it doesn't feel like it's all computer generated or anything like that which makes it uh fantastic just to roam around in uh and like I said, yeah, it's got great music, great characters so far, great writing that I've experienced. Um, but it, it took what uh, what is what was one of the best CRPGs that have come around in years and years uh, and revived the genre, the genre. And and you came to the point now where you've got like you know Obsidian doing these games again, uh, and uh, you know you got Shadowrun and stuff like that. So it was a fantastic experience. Uh, and Divinity Original Sin easily the best CRPG maybe in like 15 years. It's 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 so far it's been such an amazing experience. Um, but from all the elements, uh, yes, I agree once again uh, that we've got two better contenders here. So. Yeah, it's also it's pretty interesting to see how it's all turned out because last year at this time I thought for sure that this game of the year like get together was gonna be like Persona versus uh, Mass, Mass Effect and Drama. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Well, and Rising right. was like the... <laughs> if, if, if you know if 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 in in an alternate universe somewhere that game got delayed <laughs> by six months. Oh man, that Casey game got delayed back by... though. Casey like, get, back, in an alternate universe so somewhere Andromeda got delayed by six months, and this discussion probably is. Oh, they Not rushed it. Years, like, they rushed all, it. Whenever I'm not I think... sure six months would have been enough time. Uh, uh, I, I, also, think, I think it would have, to be honest. Whenever, it I, whenever I think of that game, I think about that uh, clip that Andrea posted. Oh, my God. Where the exorcist stuff happens. Oh, the exorcist, but also the writing is very bleh. So, I don't know. It's very teen drama. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Is... Is this near? I think I, I think I, we I, have I, most momentum with near. I think Zelda is second, but I think near has an edge. I think, I think for me, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You can go. I was, I was just going to say, as someone who just beat the game the other day, I think it's got severe pacing issues. I think that the Rob B almost completely killed it for me, and I, then C was. Uh, I didn't feel that connection, but I will say. In terms, as someone who's a huge fan of the first Nier, like way better than I think Adam Adam felt like of it when he talked about it earlier. I uh, story far ahead of it, gameplay insanely ahead of it. Oh my gosh, like all the different things that they do with it, even the shooting as shooting shoot 'em up stuff, where it's like although I got really dizzy and and almost threw up because the way like they spin the camera, like I'm not really firing at it even if the camera's turned away. It's it's really weird how they keep changing it. Uh, that stuff made it so as Natalie and everyone else talked about you can't do that in other formats it's like the epitome of what a video game should really be and I think that them teaming up with Platinum Games just did wonders for that experience with Yokotaro is finally being appreciated after years of telling his crazy ass stories and I think that's important to say the the thing that obviously I'm like mega fan about this game and my thoughts are that like I wrote something for the site about this game uh, feature a while back and it was kind of like, it was kind of like about sex, death, and all of these things that are in this game. That it's just the kind of thing you just don't see in games. Like I can't dissect most games the way I can dissect this game. And the characters are all just so fascinating. And it, and it has such a like, I hate to use the word magical, but it is just like this quality to it. It's just like, again, it's kind of what Alex was saying about Persona. Uh, there's not everything about it is perfect. Now, like the 
the, the you can see that it didn't cost you, you can see that it didn't cost as much money as some of the other games on this list no, no, it, no, is, no. it is plainly obvious that Nier didn't cost as much money as as persona 5 or even yakuza probably no, honestly, the fact yeah. that you can see its budget it's pretty it's even the, more impressive what they managed to do the the thing is like like the thing about like the combat is like the action game part of it and the RPG part of it kind of butt heads. That's the real problem I think people have with it, That's is because um, because like RPGs are all about like you know building stats and doing this and that, and they kind of like railroads with an action game. Because like in Bayonetta, yes. like Bayonetta's combos like aren't affected by like numbers in the same way. No. So like The Witcher has that had that problem too, and I remember a lot of people didn't like The Witcher three because like. Geralt's supposed to be like this master swordsman and he's like having trouble beating like this like bump <laughs> I like how people guys. complain about that too. Okay, like they're but, saying like it got in the way, yeah. But 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 if, what I'm saying is like those kind of systems can work against a game in some ways. Like I still like if you want to see there's actually a quite a a lot of depth to that combat system. If you want to see it in the hands of someone that really gets it, there's someone on Twitter named Antinomi, just at Antinomi, and he's a character action guy, and he, he does incredible combos um, with that game. But setting that all aside, I just think, I just remember, like, when I beat that, like, you know, Natalie can, I've, Natalie can attest to this, because it happened to her, too, that, like, I couldn't stop fucking thinking about that game, like, at all, for, like, like seriously a month. <laughs> all I thought about was that game and its ending, and how, like, it had such a like a fantastic uplifting message that like you can derive something important from it um and it's just there's... i really wanted to talk to people about it after i got done with it and i realized no one knew what i knew so i was like well i guess i well, have yeah. to lie here wanna, in my wanna... lonely corner and cry but <laughs> i want to briefly just very briefly because i don't want to talk to everybody else but like kyle when you talked about like just seeing uh when you can know the combos if you set that game to easy mode it does those insane combos for you and just sitting back and watching how like if you really got that game what you were able to accomplish if you really understood the mechanics better than i could ever it's very impressive. I you. actually messed around with some of the DLC stuff, which is basically like challenge arenas. And I haven't, I, I, I've done basically everything except like the ultimate hard mode challenge arena where it's like literally one hit, you're dead. Oh, um, yeah. And some of the stuff in that is some of the, like, I was, I played it well after release, so I had a couple of like strategies you could try to follow. But like, there's some really crazy things you can do with like the different chord chips and the different like types of weapons you want to use for for different things and it's nuts <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, I i i wanted to also add in that i didn't really have any expectations for this game because like i remember i played the demo and i didn't really been the only thing i'd played of yoko tiles before this was dragon guard 3 and that was i played it for three hours uh, i played it i played it i played it for three hours and i'm like and i'm not trying to sound like a snooty pc gamer type thing but like when the frame rate was like literally seven all the time i'm like i can't do this it, it, it look yeah. it's hard on the eyes um but uh so like when i saw like kind of like the intro where like 2b is kind of being cold to 9s and she's just like focus on the mission and then like five minutes later she's like all upset that he's like on his deathbed and i'm like nah this is kind of corny yeah like but 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 the thing is in when you play the game more you know why she acted like that it wasn't just like an anime bullshit thing um where she suddenly cared about him five seconds later like i just like but they gave us a ten thousand percent anime bullshit too there's (laughs) there's this thing in um fiction that if 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 a writer can 
convey a lot of stuff to you without words at all. Like you just realize it after the fact. Like a, usually a, a sign of bad writing is when a character like has to tell you something. Like in the Star Wars prequels where like, you know, Padme has to say, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Like she literally says that. Like that's <laughs> writing. You're but breaking like, my heart, Lisa. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's you're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> right, sorry. Um, <laughs> sounds better when you put it that way, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it, there's a lot of that in that game, and I just think that the it's just like a straight up a beautiful game overall. I just it's one of my favorites ever, like top ten. So, I want. I hope this comes across better than it might. So like while I didn't like absolutely like, like love near Automata in the way like it didn't like change my have I didn't have like a life changing experience that some people seem to have. Like, it is a really interesting game, and I think that alone is, like, that's, there are not very many, there are not very many games that are interesting, and Nier is interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nier is interesting. I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, also, fun. can we talk about the soundtrack? Like that oh, soundtrack of course. Is... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's the, that, is that the best soundtrack of the year? Can we agree on that? Uh, oh. Also, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. also I mean, worth yeah. mentioning, it has a fantastic localization. Oh, it does. Yes. Yeah. For A4, sure. A4 yes. Play did an amazing job with that game, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think generally Square's been making some pretty smart uh, decisions about how they localize their games just lately, because 15 was really good as well. Um, yeah. Hopefully Kingdom Hearts is that good also. <laughs> like, going into next kinda, year. I did kind of want to say one thing. is like While I love Yoko Taro and everything, I do think people sometimes like to forget Platinum is just as important in that. Cause like, oh, yes. There is a sequence towards the end of the game where you're transitioning between two completely different play styles. And all I was thinking is... If this was made by the Dragon Guard three team, there'd be a tw- there'd be a like a thirty second load time between each. <laughs> it would be like ten five frames per second. It would be awful. But you just like, have clouds. Clouds like, separate like, them. It's amazing. Like, like like sometimes you can have an amazing script, and if the director or doesn't do a good job, they, like this happens all the time in movies. Sometimes they'll have a great script, but the director sucks. So this, that, and the other thing doesn't work out. So it's really important that that they're in there or that. Uh, Platinum gets the recognition too, because I think people like to forget oh, yeah, about of them. Yeah, don't, especially when this is like the game that kind of like saved you know, them, you know? yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Don't you know yeah, that it... Yoko Taro made this game by himself? That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he's the wrong guy. He's making those funny like magazine articles. We gotta laugh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's an impressive game for sure. So, has anyone played? Uh, the Champions Ballad DLC for Zelda at all, or whatever it's I called? Have. It's disappointing. Oh, it's a seat house definitely has surely. Yeah, CD. I don't think it's disappointing. It's Hello. basically just Hello, the CD. Same. I'm sorry. I want to hear from CD. Um, well, the bike is cool. Um, <laughs> a bit. I mean, the bike is pretty bad. Okay, peace near then. Um, I, here, well, I, I guess when you hear story DLC, you think there's going to be more story in it. Um, and that was probably the most disappointing part for probably everybody. Really? Um, it doesn't... It, it's basically like four more Zelda scenes that are just like the same as the, any of the other Zelda scenes in the game. So oh. it's just, it's like okay, whatever. Okay. That seems. <laughs> you learn, bad. you learn more about the champions, which I like. Um, and uh, Ijao Numa said that he wants to have the chance to explore them more in potentially another game. So maybe that will be the next Breath of the Wild version two or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think I think all the DLCs just to me a bit kind of like eh, yeah. I, I wasn't particularly fussed by it all 
Um, I mean, the, the shrines are pretty funky. Like they've got some really clever puzzles in there. Um, but and the bike obviously is the best part. But uh, no, it's not not great to be honest. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing. Is that they and the the decisions to hide like stuff like a higher a higher difficulty and map icons behind DLC kind of disgusting. Yep. <laughs> kind yeah, of disgusting. I mean. I, I mean, Nintendo's learning because uh, by releasing a a bike DLC um, around this time of year in December is obviously it making it fresh in people's minds, not only for Game of the Year, but also for Christmas and or holidays and buying presents and stuff. Um, they've done the same, obviously, with Splatoon Arms, all the kind yeah. of games that they release. But I think they're still learning with story content and what people want from a... I mean, it's the same with the Xenoblade. Like, hopefully, DLC it turns out the same way. Well, hopefully, it turns out better. I should say. Because yeah. it looks like they're trying uh, to do a similar Rareblades. thing. Yeah. I mean, Xenoblades. You know, the first couple of things. I mean, like, great. I got some more money. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Tom, <laughs> Tom and Core Crystals. Great. Thanks for that. Yeah. The, the, the irony being that I've got most of my rare blades from Common Core Crystals. That's every yeah. one. Yeah. It's weird. Nicole's most from the common material. Like, come on. Yeah, I just that, that was me. So stupid. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact that they're trying to see more life in their games. You know, like you buy it, you complete it, but it's more to do. Um, but certainly Zelda, I don't feel like the DLC has cemented it as much as being. It hasn't elevated it more than perhaps it was before the DLC, like without the DLC. So it's not like true. 20, 25 bucks down the drain a little bit there. So, well, it's like Gacha Games in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, based on the agreements that we've got here, it sounds like Nier Tamina to win it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. Woo. According to the My document. agenda has been accomplished. Right. 2017 so, Grand Prix champion, as it rightfully should be. <laughs> it's not a perfect game, but no game is perfect. Yet, it's still the best game released this year. I think everyone can agree on that. So, with that. Uh, beaten out on some of the best games in years, easily to say. Uh, Nier Automata is RPG Sites Game of the Year 2016. Glory to mankind. 2017. Okay, guys, we've got to re-record five and a half hours to say 2016. I meant to say 2017. Uh, I, don't, no. uh, I don't know if we're calling... I don't know. We need to figure out the exact terminology. I don't know if yes. we're calling it Game of the Year, if we're going to call it Best of 2017. We'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. But in but, any case, uh, in a, yeah. it's the something in a crowd that had some of the biggest releases uh, some from the biggest franchises come out, uh, the fact that a sequel to a game that was our most anticipated, uh, excuse me, the game itself, Nier Automata, was our most anticipated for 2016, going into 2017. The fact that it won it for best game of the year uh, is very impressive, and it means that with them saying that they're looking into an, another entry, makes things very interesting to see where they'll go from here. So, I was really, I was really thinking FF15 and New Empire as well. Oh, mm. <laughs> I mean, I want to see like where that article tracks for the whole year. What about I, I know what we didn't bring up. Adam, you want mm -hmm. to bring something up, don't you? I know um, you love Caligula. I know you want to talk about it. We played something worse. We played Azure Revolution or uh, the current... Oh, uh, the oh, oh, we should, oh, we should have like a worst game of the year thing. Let's just pretend that um, Revolution never happened since we now know that we're getting four. Yeah, yeah. that's next year. Okay, yeah, 2018. It's going to be nuts. Uh, and we're going to have, we're, we're we were talking about this before, but we'll probably have a separate thing for our, uh, what we expect to be our most anticipated for 2018. 
which there's already yes. a amount of games, yes. but we'll be discussing that more. I so, stepped aside for a second. Did we decide that Nier was our winner yet? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm, All no, right. So not yet. Uh, we'll just go and wrap things up here. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for sticking us uh, sticking around with us for nearly. It seems like about four and a half hours of, of podcast time. Hey, that is short compared to last year. Yeah, last year we were format. like double that. Yeah. The change yeah. format has worked. Oh, man. I remember us having to have a meal in between, but now you guys can either go to sleep or have a meal. All right. So run through our, once again, our podcast members. Once again, uh, mm-hmm. thank you all. Alex Donaldson, Adam Vitali, Brian Vitali, Chow Wu, Elizabeth Inges, James Galizio, Josh Torres, Kazuma Hashimoto, Kyle Campbell, Natalie Flores, and Kite Stenbuck and Alex C.D., seat house but i'll call you cd my heart thank you uh especially thank you uh, also thank you also to the other members of the team who didn't make it today um you know everyone has worked fantastically hard this year Uh, not everyone could make it for these debates so thank you to everyone else absolutely like i said at the very top of this is that uh we've grown (laughs) an insane amount uh from where we were just a little over 10 years ago it's insane to see how far how far it's it's come and now big things are going to be uh, going in 2018, which was likely based on what our discussions have been, our, our biggest year yet. And so, uh, as, uh, just to say, you know, thank you all so much uh, who are on this podcast and also, of course, people who contributed to the site over the years. Uh, it's been a whole lot and just, it's amazing to see our RPG site become the way it's been. Uh, a, com- a competitor. It's amazing. Uh, so many sites have fallen by the wayside. Uh, we've instead uh, grown. It's good. Everyone has really supported us, which we're so thankful for. And I and I and I and I mean this genuinely. You're all immensely talented. Oh, you too. You too, Kyle. Uh, no, no. I'm... I mean, we're talking about Nier Automata. Go read uh, Kyle's editorial. It's a fascinating read, and I think that yeah. it's it's really important. Uh, oh. No, but I I mean I I back up uh, Kyle's statement. Like I uh, this site, like we work with like some of the best writers, content creators on the site. Everyone gives it their all. I'm very thankful to you know be a part of this team. Thank I love you. all of you. Oh, it's all, oh. I love you. <laughs> so uh, of course on the site we'll have write-ups as Alex was talking about uh, of our top five, followed by our. There will uh, be some sort of video too. I yes. don't know exactly what yet, but they, that will exist. Yeah, we're doing that for the past <clears throat> couple of years, and people seem to really enjoy those. So we'll definitely have video content as well. Uh, but expect that around Christmas time, um, and. Plenty more coming up in the new well, year. We got. They're this. not going to expect it around Christmas time because we're not going to release this until we release that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more like we... happy holidays, happy everyone. Happy holidays. No. Yes, of course. Happy holidays to everybody uh, who celebrates them. Uh, and yeah, uh, thank you all once again for sticking around. Uh, we'll be back next week for a regular edition of the TetraCast. But uh, are we? Yes, of course we will. Okay. I want. I want to... Oh, okay. We want uh, everyone. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about it. Okay, I know. I get it. it's like two days before Christmas, but we'll talk about it. All right. Well, actually, Zach, we have enough time. At, uh, it's almost four now. We could I, do I, a uh, it's, we'll, we'll double podcast. <laughs> or not. I'm tired of talking. Uh, it's it's mm. been a long day. This will be our this will be our, our edition. We'll 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 share the news next week. Anyway, let's wrap things up. It's been a lot enough. Thank you all. Uh, all the staff members participating. All the listeners out there for listening. And. Uh, once again, thank you all for listening to this special edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.